Hello, and welcome to, I'm going to say, a very special bonus episode of Into the Aether. It is, and will continue to be, a low-key video game podcast. My name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. And I'm AJ Faleri. And it's, hey! it's taking everything in me not to just scream right now. I'm, I'm so excited for this. I love... Yeah, thank you again for hosting us here. Absolutely. In lovely apartment in Philly. Absolutely. We got the virtual fireplace, all the hits. <laughs> you got We're, it, yeah. We're we playing got, the hits. We got the big orb. We got the big orb. Got the orb, yeah. The nutcracker staring directly at me <laughs> so if i don't choose his favorite games i'm, I'm toast yeah. yeah usually what we do at the beginning of goatee episodes is we will just kind of go over what the show is because uh far and away this is our biggest episode every single year which means usually it's an on ramp for a lot of new listeners so hello hi hi to you potential new listener i'm talking to you nobody else this is just for you I think it, I think it's worth just like going over what the show is. <laughs> the, so when we say into the Aether, a low key video game podcast, I think the easiest way to distill that down is initially the the conceit was Stephen and I will only bring games to the show if we like them, and that was really it. It was like really just you know you go and listen to a lot of video game podcasts or like you exist on the internet and see any discourse about video games at all, and it is so overwhelmingly negative usually. Even in instances where people are trying to be positive it comes out in a way that it comes out negative uh you know dunking on things becomes like the goof and the fun thing and i think at a certain point we were just like what if it was just nice right um which doesn't mean and, and we say this a lot it doesn't mean that you know the the games we like or bring to the show aren't are immune to criticism in any way shape or form like if there's a thing that's bad in a video game that we like we'll discuss all of that i think the bigger thing is like not being beholden to what's new allows us to sort of like kind of organically discover where our interests lie yeah. and i think that can range from like there's this bizarre lord of the rings ps2 rpg that is incredible <laughs> yeah and we're going to talk about it or like Maybe there's a, a new game that's out that like we have more mixed feelings about, but like there's something to discuss. Yeah. And right. I think that's like when we say games we enjoy, it's like these are games that we're we're enjoying on some level mm -hmm. or that at the very, very least will will create constructive conversations. I think another big goal of the show, which I think has kind of formed naturally over time, is us really exploring and discovering our own tastes and our own relationship with games and yeah. seeing like what is it that we subjectively value in games and what is it that we want to see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um exactly. And and seeing how that has changed, I mean this is our fifth game of the year episode. It's kind of surreal. We've been doing this show long enough that I think we're both different people than when we started and and I think our relationship to games and and not to be like too self-important, but like art in general, I think has changed. Like I think I have a much stronger yeah. understanding of myself and of like what I what I like in an interactive medium. <laughs> I, th I think that's one of the big reasons that we enjoy doing the Goatee episode so much yeah. in general. You know, I, th I think there are takes that you can have about the idea of Goatee lists that are, you know, I, I guess skew it in a more negative light. Like, oh, should you be like ranking these, you know, art pieces by other people? Or, right. you know, is this just a big ad for the big AAA thing? Right. Every year. Like, are we are we feeding into this kind of like capitalist My consumerist favorite bill vibe? to pay is comment. <laughs> yeah. uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, the reason that you and I like doing it so much, at least, is is just this understanding that the reason that we're doing it is to look back at the art that we enjoyed and figure out for ourselves, I think, you know, what are what are the biggest takeaways for us um, from all of the stuff that we experienced throughout the year? And I think that's a really helpful practice. I yeah. think it's really helpful to like take stock of all of the art you've ingested and, and, and really figure out like, why did I like this more than this thing? It's also a fun time capsule because as much as 
we put a lot of work into checking out as much as realistically possible for the year and like really giving everything enough time to like be confident in how we feel. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine if we did a 2018 game of the year again, it would be fairly different. Mm. Yeah. I mean, Celeste would still be my number one. You know, it's nice to see like what, what impacted me at that time. Right. Knowing that it's never going to be everything. We can never like put it all in one box. Yeah. I think last year, at least for me, last year's game of the year, uh, on my list was Monster Hunter Rise, which I think is maybe a really good example of this idea in particular, like Monster Hunter Rise was a social scene for us. And we talked about this a little bit in our last episode, but like being able to jump into Kamara Village and like hang out with all of our friends. That was my game of the year last year was just hanging out with all of my friends. And I I think in those moments, it's really helpful to be like, okay, yeah, there there is this kind of like, you know, big brain. I'm trying to understand art on like a really high critical level. And then there's also like, I just like my friends so much. (laughs) And that's both of those things can exist. And I think I think nuance is the name of the game here. Yeah, like you can't wait. We couldn't have done 2020 as game of the year without mentioning Animal Crossing in some way. Right. You know? yeah, like, yeah. And, and that's really, I mean, art is often a time and a place. There are some things where like you watch a movie or read a book and you're like, I can see why this is like taught in schools. Yeah. You know, mm. and like I can see why this is like cemented as a classic. But then something might just be important to you at that time. Yeah. And they're of equal worth. Right. Which is actually, I think, a, a somewhat nice segue. So <laughs> last year you had an idea because last year I think was very atypical of normal ga- uh, game of the year structure where like this is a bit of a construct but I feel like usually every year there are like one or two games that most publications and podcasts kind of fall behind mm-hmm. and that's not like I, I think that's just sort of that same thing happens with the Oscars where there's sort of like the big game that everyone likes and then there's maybe like an indie game that everyone right. like wishes got more attention yeah, or something right but uh last year was just like there was really no direct consensus so i think like no two <laughs> publications had the same pick yeah this year and last year were so weird in totally different ways yeah, yeah. yes regard. yeah so last year you had the idea of, of introducing a concept called game of the other years <laughs> or go toys and go i'll toys. be honest i thought that was going to be dead on arrival <laughs> i thought like we were going to do that once no faith and i i believed in you i didn't believe in the acronym <laughs> but unprompted unprompted in the discord a lot of people have shared their game of the year list and their game of the other year list because and it kind of makes more sense because realistically unless you're doing a game podcast or like working in the industry you're probably not going to only play games that came out mm-hmm. this year yeah you know mm-hmm. so right. like saying like my game of the year is finally getting around to final fantasy 7 or whatever mm-hmm. that is worth reflecting on as the year ends yeah. so i think it's a great idea it seemed to resonate with a lot of people and that actually gave me and all of us some encouragement to like do it again yeah I, i've seen this sentiment elsewhere too like our friend dom had this thread of like tell me your favorite movie you watched this year yeah forget what came out this year like what is your favorite movie you've seen yeah and i think that like i really like that we do game of the year because i think it it's nice to sort of indirectly be part of a larger conversation and mm. like really give yourself some limitation because i think at a certain point game of the other years can just be like a jackson pollock painting of mm-hmm. experiences yeah mm-hmm. um so for me for my go-to toy list my game of the other years list uh, we'll, we'll find an acronym that works one day uh, i think we found one i think go toy's great yeah. <laughs> 
fine. You're you're fighting against the tide out here. The thing about Riptide, Stephen, <laughs> is you're supposed to just kind of like float on top of it and let it carry you out, and then you swim back when you're outside of the Riptide. I'm t- I'm dipping my feet in for my for my go toy <laughs> list. There you go. I included games that I had either played for the first time this year or finished, mm. uh, and there are no order. I just have I have ten games that I especially loved that we checked out this year, mm-hmm. uh, and either. You know, first time playing or first time finishing. So I have that. Um, I could start if you want, unless you guys want to share. No, go for it. it. You're on a roll. Wow. I'm swimming with the tide (laughs) or the tide is dragging me into the distance. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, One is Shovel Knight Treasure Trove. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, This was somehow my first time playing Shovel Knight, uh, Mm. which is inexcusable because we worked for a game website the year Shovel Knight came out. (laughs) Yeah, I think that might have been my game of the year that year. Yeah, Yeah. I I think I was still just playing Fire Emblem Awakening over and over again. (laughs) Shovel Knight Treasure Trove, for those who don't know, is a collection of like the original Shovel Knight and all the character like expansions that have come out. So like the Plague Knight uh the specter knight i believe Mm -hmm. and king knight who's my favorite yeah Uh, he's got the wario tackle and the super mario world spin yeah Uh, nice i've actually only played the original shovel knight so far so i haven't Mm. played all the other ones but even just the original game i think is like absolutely incredible which is a tall order now because i feel like we are in an era where a purposely retro platformer is so I don't want to say overdone, but like it's harder to stand out than it was when Shovel Knight came out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Shovel Knight is like still the best it's one. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think that team also released another. Didn't they release another side scroller or is that not out yet? Oh, Mina the Hollower? Yeah. It's in development, I believe. It's not it's, out yet. It yeah. seems to be more like Game Boy Color inspired. Yeah. I'm, which I love. I'm really interested to see if they Me can too. do the same thing twice. Well, that, that looks. Regard. So that looks. It's more of a top down and it seems to be really similar to the Oracle games. Yeah. And like Castlevania. Yeah. Mm. I'm so, curious. I wouldn't be surprised if it's more RPG y and like Simon's Quest y yeah. than mm-hmm. even. Shovel Knight is, but Shovel Knight, incredible. Um, another one is Portal 2. Nice. My first time finishing Portal 2 for our bonus. Portal 2 over Portal 1? Well, I had I Did played have Portal a- 1 before. Oh, okay. Which is why I'm not including it, because I, I had already had that experience. Portal 2 was my first time playing it this year. Mm. I still like Portal 1 more, but Portal 2 is still an incredible game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Persona 3 Fez for the PS2, I finished. I started that in 2018. Nice. And finished this spring uh, for, we had a patron bonus with our friends Alana and Callie where we talked about Persona 3, 4, and 5. Um, 3 is is pretty tough to get through, but I think I've, I've mentioned before the way that game ends I found really impactful. And uh, I, I played it like right, not to get too down, but I played it right after I lost a close friend of mine. Mm. And the game's exploration of, of death and of like genuinely the meaning of life I found really helpful mm. in that time. Mm-hmm. So loved loved finishing that. Um, great Ace Attorney Chronicles. Still pretty early on, but I have a feeling it's going to be an all-timer for me once I'm done with it. <laughs> That's great. Sherlock. Oh, no, excuse me. Herlock. Herlock. Please. Yeah, yeah. Dragon Quest V. Uh, I don't need to say anything else about that. Uh, Inscription. Uh, this was this was a lot of people's goatee last year. Yeah. I'm still in the first phase of it, so I, I'm sure everyone who has played Inscription is screaming as they hear that, that I would include this and having not seen like two thirds of the game, but even still just the way that game opens is so cool and Mm -hmm. so powerful that even if the rest of it is just like the movie we're back, I had a good Mm. enough time (laughs) that, that I I could include it here. AJ, Um, did you play inscription? Yeah, I did play inscription this year. Okay. So are you also screaming internally like Steven? No, because I also am at the same spot. Steven is. I've, yeah, I, (laughs) I've, I've finished the first act and gotten to the second act and I brought it up on my podcast. Uh, what is it called? 
asynchronous a video game catch-up show but recently we did synchronous a video game zeitgeist show where we go. talked about games from this year hell yeah or this year and that we have played this year um but yeah i i uh, uh, inscriptions on my go toy as well so i'll, I'll <laughs> talk about it for a second when i get there yeah uh next up i know is probably one for you brendan is tetris effect connected oh hell yeah man uh yeah, this dude. was like i did not expect this to to resonate as hard as it did yeah so i'm like cool it's like pretty tetris but it's such a cool experience it is a religious experience yeah, yeah. <laughs> that game is unreal i have sat down and played that game more than once this year yeah. res is one of my favorite games of all time and yeah. i'm really excited to revisit it again for our upcoming dreamcast episode <laughs> uh, and the fact that there's so much talent from that team on tetris effect makes a lot of sense because they're all about like that sonic and visual experience yeah uh, god of war 2018 finally played it Ooh. hell yeah great time we have a whole bonus about it yeah Persona 4 Golden, maybe cheating a bit because I had played Persona 4 to completion, but I finally played Golden on my Steam Deck, and uh, it's great. Mm-hmm. It's, it's wonderful. And Super Metroid, which we did ah, yeah. our bonus about in October. Somehow also a huge game that I missed that I had a great time with, and that's going to be like a point of reference for me, especially as Metroidvanias continue to be a huge genre. Mm-hmm. I think Super Metroid is still the blueprint in a lot of ways. So yeah. th- those are my go toys. Wow. Nice. Those are great. Thank yeah. you. AJ, do you want to go next? Yeah, I'll go next. Um, I'll just start with Inscription because we were just talking about yeah. it. Um, yeah, so I'm in the same spot that Steven is. I, I've Well, I've finished the first act, got into the second act, and then realized, oh, the first act was like one third of the game also time-wise. Mm. So there is still at least 12 more hours of game ahead of me or something, yeah. uh, which is not what I thought it was just based on how I've heard people talk about it over the years because mm. nobody wants to talk about what happens in the second two yeah. thirds of that game, um, which I understand because, you know, it's the film we're back. I it's the film we're back. Yeah. You know, it's a, yeah. <laughs> but, but so, so there's been all this talk about like, you know, part one and the card game and all that stuff and, and what's going on. And when I was talking to Matt Horton on synchronous, um, mm. he was saying, you know, the, 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 the card game kind of carries throughout, but the, the game is, is bigger than what it seems like it is. In yes. the beginning beginning um just putting it yeah yeah, because it seems like the the card game in part one is like so important and like that is like well you can't make more game than this because it's like without completely changing the genre or whatever i don't know yeah um and i don't know why i wouldn't think that game wouldn't (laughs) switch it up completely you know but but um, i think even in in that first act being a halfway point between being a card game and like an escape room vibe it's like that by itself should tell you that this game has no anchors in any specific genre really at any point right which i think is really strong and as long as you know that you're not going to be like it's not like mind-blowing where it goes but it it is still exciting when you hit those moments did you did you finish inscription i did yeah 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 also uh this year i played loop hero for the first time oh Uh, shit dude so how good good is loop hero i love loop hero i I played it at the beginning of the year i got it on steam nice um it's really good with a mouse and keyboard it's really great with a mouse and keyboard yeah Mm -hmm. i i got it and was like i'll have this on in the background while i'm working yeah and then i didn't work for two hours and i said okay i can't do that i tried doing that too yeah um because it seems like the kind of game you could not pay attention to but i think you really really do need to pay attention to yeah because i think even in the marketing materials they're like it's the first quote-unquote idle roguelike it's It's like it's not idle it's not idle it's not idle (laughs) unless unless you really don't care about like making it super far in a loop which (laughs) is like i guess yeah um you're just doing resource runs maybe maybe yeah Yeah, but like i have had some really great runs in that in, in this game uh to the point where like i've gotten to the 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 boss like the the quote-unquote final boss or whatever of a of a loop um before i've unlocked all of the camp stuff mm. like I've, I've only gotten like two of the camp buildings and then i got to the final boss i was like i shouldn't be here and then i got <laughs> you know i got murked but anyway so loop hero is great uh resident evil village uh oh, resident yeah. evil 8 
village uh that's a good time. one i loved seven i liked eight i think maybe like hot seven take. more i liked seven more wow i, I think it, i think it's they're they're different of experiences that i get why one would prefer one over the other i liked eight more but like the the beginning of seven is so yes good. like yeah. that mm. setup is is unmatched yeah i think i like the slow creep into camp in seven as yeah. opposed to the like right in your face, your leg gets cut off. Yeah, it is like well, Disney I mean, I guess your hand gets cut off in the first minute of That's seven. True. Two, but whatever. It's like Disney World of horror. Yes. Like the Duke is like the gift shop. Guy. Yes. Like, oh, how'd you like that ride? Yes. Like, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do. I, I did. I did really love. I talked about this on Synchronous as well. I loved the exploration of the different genres of horror. Yeah. In Resident Evil. Yeah. Uh, or in in, in Village. Village. Yeah. Thank you. Um, we had Chase Allhart on that episode, and he was saying that that's kind of what the older Resident Evils do as well. It kind of cycles you through different kind of genres of horror as you get through it. And then by the end, it's just like a wild, wacky action yeah. game. Um, but I feel Especially like four, which village is like really paying yes. homage to for most of it. Yes. Yeah. And I feel, but I feel like the, the amusement park analogy is great for eight. Cause it yeah. is like, you go to like, I'm going to vampire world and then yeah, I'm going to come back. Splash and, mountain with the, the weird swamp thing. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I really liked eight. I do think seven still is on top for me just, just cause I think yeah, I get that. I, I like that you know the slow creep and it also saved the, the franchise too so yeah I mean, like, definitely you gotta give credit to it for that alone yeah. i kind of wish ethan winters wasn't the protagonist of eight i kind of wish talks that, too much in eight i wish they had like done a clean slate i don't i don't need to be ethan again i, yeah. I don't honest i don't care that much about the continuation of the ethan winters like story mold it was, <laughs> <laughs> no i love mold mold is great i'm loving the mold of it all yeah it's the it's the winters family tree that i'm not interested in yeah which is so funny because that's what the dlc is like all about right yeah uh which yeah. is i think why i didn't check it out but yeah it's where they're going all in on ethan when it's like have you seen any other Resident Evil character? Like <laughs> the charisma that's on display. Yeah, no. yeah. yeah, it's it's so the writing of Ethan is so interesting. It's bizarre. Yeah, I like him as an everyman, but then they give him the like Kurt Russell action movie yes. quotes. Yeah, yes. like, this does not fit. Right? No. Also on my list this year, obviously, 13 Sentinels, you just run. Oh, there you go. Incredible game. Yeah. yeah. Great time. Played that. You have a for... whole season about that game. Yeah, I have a whole season about uh, that on Asynchronous, so check that out if you yeah. want to. I played that game again this year. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it was great the second time. Yeah. I, th- I, th- I don't know why this has been a trend for me this year, but it's replaying big games that I think have like magic tricks or I don't understand how they're put together mm. uh, to understand how they're put together, mm. and I still don't with 13 Sentinels. <laughs> I, I mean, it really is just like the gating of progress every once in a while, I yeah. think is like the way that they're able it to was I, I, I haven't played it in full again, but I played the like prologue on when it came to Switch. Yeah, um, and uh, I said this on the on our podcast, but like it is funny how many like huge plot reveals are just like in the room there yeah. when like you have the context for it. Yeah, right. Uh, it's that has been really fun to to yeah. revisit yeah. on the second playthrough. Yeah, Paper Mario doesn't really count because it's the sixth time I've played it. Uh, Paper Mario is great. I love Paper Mario. Paper um, Mario. Paper Mario's awesome. forever go toy. Forever go toy. Uh, and then finally, uh, Hellblade: Senua's Sacrifice. Oh, oh cool. Whoa. Uh, really great game. Picked I it up on Game Pass it. the beginning of the year. Yeah. Incredible. I gotta check it out. Incredible. This is a game. Whenever I see footage of it, I'm like, I need to play this, and then yeah. I immediately forget. Me it's too. nothing against. It's nothing against. The no, game. Yeah, yeah. It just is what's happened to my brain. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, you see yeah. it, and it is just kind of this Sony AAA third person over the shoulder kind of thing. Yeah. Which is like you know kind of blends together for everything. But I will say the 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 story and the themes that that game is exploring are amazing cool can i ask you what is yeah. the how does it play yeah like, well, i don't even know what, I don't know what it is, is. Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah so it's it's you know it's a third person over the shoulder action game kind of plays kind of got a worry oh really cool. uh yeah. i didn't even know there was combat in it oh yeah there's a, there that's the thing there's a lot of combat yeah um and it's very formulaic 
which uh. I think works. I think it works for the game in a big way mm. because you are fighting basically the same guys that you're fighting in the beginning. You're also fighting at the end with, you know, they add additional enemies throughout. Mm-hmm. But you don't get stronger and they don't get weaker. They just always are how yeah. strong they are. That's cool. So like you in just the beginning, they're really, really hard. Yeah. And then at the end, they're throwing like three and four of those guys at you at the same time. And you've just figured it out. That's cool. Which really also, I think, aids the themes of the game. Mm, interesting. That I don't I, I won't I won't reveal. Yeah. OK. Um, but there's there the, the whole the whole thing is kind of centered around uh, Senua's internal struggles. Yeah. Uh, with her past and, and how she can move on from uh, the events of her past. Um, and I just think it's a it's a really, really incredible game. So it sounds awesome. Yeah, I would check it out. And it's 12 hours, maybe oh. Not, oh. not super long. Yeah, I, I feel like that's in the same realm for me as the Plague Tale games. Like, I yes. really want to play those. Me too. <laughs> and I, I keep being like, I'll get to that eventually, yeah. but like, yeah. I really just need to do it. Yeah. Um, it's so funny. I, I learned this when we did our DS episode that like game reviews pre like 2010 always say a game is too short. Like every yeah. review is like, this yeah. is way too short. And yeah. I'm like, now like, I'm hungry for 12 hour games. <laughs> I think it's doing this show, but I also think like rarely have I felt that needed more time. Yeah. I think there's a lot of power in like knowing what the experience is going to be and like letting you sit with it or return yeah. to it if you want. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. great. I, I that. can't wait to talk about game length later. <laughs> In this episode, me too. It's gonna come up a lot. It's gonna come up. <laughs> I'm honestly really excited for that. Well, thank you for your go toys. Yes, Brendan. What are check. your go toys? Yeah, these are just in alphabetical order. Except I'm gonna swap the first two for obvious reasons. Uh, the first one for me is Chrono Trigger. Oh yeah. Um, I have always wanted to finish that game, and that really was like an aha. This is reframing everything I know about video games kind of moment for yeah. me. I think yeah. the way that I, I talked about it in the last episode when we were talking about Chain Echoes a little bit was like it made me retroactively upset at other JRPGs that I've played because Chrono Trigger <laughs> is like so good at so many things and evolves that genre in so many meaningful and interesting ways. And now every JRPG I play after that that doesn't have the same <laughs> takeaways from Chrono Trigger, I'm like, they figured it out in 95, dude. Yeah, They yeah. got what, it. What are you doing? <laughs> what, what are you doing? Yeah, exactly. And all these games that say they're inspired by Chrono Trigger that don't even... Where's the frog yeah. where's the robot <laughs> that's that's it you gotta have a frog with a story you gotta have a robot yeah. or else what are we doing here <laughs> uh so that's one um also chrono cross i have on the list oh, i only yeah. made it to I, I think we were talking about it the end of disc one yeah you, you made it to the point where like i think you are you're getting nickelodeon slimed with the central conceit of the game <laughs> yeah i i it was a huge plot reveal yes. and then i was like this is so much and i put it down and i haven't picked it up since but i'm like dying to yeah um but that was like right as we were leading into hey there's a shitload of games coming out now i would love mm. to talk more about chrono cross yeah, yeah. i loved chrono cross. i mean very classic me <laughs> to be obsessed with the weird sequel but mm-hmm. uh i loved chrono cross i think it's a great game yeah um great on switch great on switch dragon quest 5 hand of the heavenly bride uh again like you said i don't really need to talk about it that much we talked about it at length yeah um if final we did a bonus it would just be us like crying into the mic <laughs> yeah it would yeah probably yeah. uh final fantasy 7 again just one of those ones it's like i needed to finish it at some point in my life and i'm glad i did uh, especially now that I'm like fully on board with the remake stuff. Yeah. Um, that's really cool. Uh, this is a weird Fortnite. Fortnite's on the list this sure. year. Yeah. It is a game of the other year. It still continues this year. Um, I didn't add it to my game of the year list, but I, I, I talk about this pretty much every summer. Fortnite comes up for mm. some reason. I'll just like get into it again for a month. Yeah. And uh, what a month it was when I was into Fortnite this <laughs> year. The Indiana Jones. It was the Indiana yeah. Jones thing. Uh, they were adding a bunch of Marvel stuff. I mean, it was like really all of my interests kind of uh, combined into one thing. 
Um, but Fortnite continues to be amazing. Uh, I, I'm just like constantly impressed that that game is like continuing to be the live service game that yeah. works. Um, I, I think I think there's this like dichotomy between the idea that they are both like proving that a live service game can continue, but also, you know, this blueprint that nobody else is following for some reason. I'm like sure. so interested in all these other companies that are trying to replicate Fortnite's success and can't. It means that there's this like secret sauce to what Fortnite is doing. And it's not secret. It's just they like have the 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 ability and the and the like fortitude to continue working on it and like invest money into it. Um but, uh, you know, there's a lot of like downsides to that as well, which we don't need to get into mm-hmm. uh, in this celebratory episode. Um, <laughs> anyway, Fortnite, it's on the list. Uh, after that, Phoenix Wright, the Ace Attorney trilogy. Oh, cool. Uh, you had great, greatest Attorney Chronicles on there. Uh, so I, it makes sense to also have the trilogy in here, which I had never actually finished. But mm. uh, man, what a great trilogy that was once if, I did. If you ever miss the crew, if yeah. you miss Gumshoe and Edgeworth, uh, the the way the third game ends is like chef kiss. I yeah. think you'll have a great time. Yeah. Oh, no, I did I did finish the trilogy. Oh, okay. I'm saying I hadn't finished it before oh, this year. Oh, sorry. sorry um, gotcha. And uh, they're great. So uh, Wonderful games. I'm glad they're in there. Uh, Portal 1 <laughs> made my <laughs> list. Um, just, I mean, revisiting those two games, I loved Portal and Portal 2, but as we talked about a lot in our bonus, I was just like so blown away by how lean Portal was yeah. and how much that game worked for me. Even even the rooms that I walked into and I immediately remembered the solution was like a joy, you know, even, yeah. even the ones where like I would walk in and be like, I wonder if there's like a new way of solving this that I hadn't thought of before and like finding out that there was and maybe even a second or third other way was really exciting. I mean, those rooms are so well-designed I, I i love yeah portal like again both incredible games and i get why some people like two more but like one is just like everything about it is perfect yeah two yeah. i think tries to one-up the comedy and that's like where it like falls a little bit short for me mm-hmm. but there's some really great mechanics introduced like the bouncing paint yeah i think i think yeah. about that like when i'm bored just yeah. like <laughs> this comes up in my head um i'll just give a shout out one game that didn't make my top 10 this year but i do want to shout out is the entropy center mm-hmm. um which uh really feels like a company looking at portal two and being like, I wonder if there's like a leaner way of doing that. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, it's really, really stellar. I was really impressed by the entropy center. It sounded cool. Yeah. I watched your video of that and it's wild. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That especially I think where I left it off in that video yeah. too is like shocking. <laughs> yeah. Like the, the fact that the narrative is like killer in that game, I yeah. think really is uh pretty, pretty substantial. Yeah. Slice and dice is the next on my list uh oh, it's nice. a game i don't even know if i brought it to the show at any point but you did did i I, va- I remember you talking about it yeah. yeah just uh really great roguelike um available only on itch.io at the moment oh, uh, that's right continues yeah. to get updated and is great and uh i'm really into it but it came out last year which i didn't even realize i thought it was a this year game but it wasn't <laughs> uh, until i was like oh does this make the goatee list and then i checked the year uh wow. so Whoops. weird uh tetris effect yeah again religious experience um i streamed the whole game at one point for those of you who were there thank you for joining me for that but um yeah i played the game i think three or four times this year i really like I, every once in a while i just sit down and i look through all my switch games i'm like what am i gonna play today and then i just pick up tetris effect and play the whole thing again mm-hmm. um it's great and uh last on my go toy list is yakuza kiwami oh nice uh the first yakuza game remade it's brilliant and i think i think dispelled a lot of notions i had about the franchise because i thought after you and I had played like a dragon, which is seven. Yeah. Um, after we had played that, I was like, Oh, this is like, you know, a fun new twist on what Yakuza is. This is like a really interesting Mm. idea. I think like tonally versus what I thought Yakuza was. And it turns out this is what it's always been. Uh, (laughs) 
and that's really brilliant. And I imagine we'll talk about it a lot yeah, more. Yeah, I feel at like is like a forever bonus idea. Yeah, it's a matter of which ones. Yeah, exactly. And I'm halfway through Zero right now, also, which is continuing to be. I feel incredible. like what makes sense is like Zero and Kwame would be nice, like as a double feature. We'd also want two in there. Kwame too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That that's like a little trilogy. That'll be fun. Yeah. Anyway, that, those are my go toys. Nice. Amazing. Wow. Woo-hoo! We did it. We did it. That was fun. Well, thank you all so much for listening. <laughs> we'll be back next year with more games that we liked. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine that? Like, uh, this is pretty good. Anyway, <laughs> the, the next one, I thought, it was, I thought it was cute. So if you are a longtime listener, you know how these episodes go. But if this is your first game of the episode, pretty simple. Essentially, Brendan and myself, and actually for this year, for the first time, AJ Woo! has their top 10 as well. Thank you, Microsoft. <laughs> I, guess I, I love paying my bills. I have a letter in the mail to Phil, Phil Spencer. Spencer, Spencer. damn it. Uh, it says thank you for Game Pass. Anyway. Thanks, Phil. Um, <laughs> well, we're basically going to go 10 to 1, 1 being our game of the year, and we're going to switch off. So for these games, we'll be talking a no little... No one has ever accused us of like shilling for a company, but I like the idea that <laughs> AJ only has 10 Xbox exclusive yeah, yeah. games. <laughs> <laughs> Halo, Halo, yeah. Halo, Clippy played, from Microsoft Dude, they Word. called it Infinite for a reason. It fills all yeah. 10 <laughs> slots. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> we're going to switch off uh, 10 to 1 with the three of us now, so that'll be fun. Woo-hoo. 10 to 6, and then 5 to 1. Yeah. That's going to be good. Cool. So I guess why don't we take a break here, yeah. and then yes. when we come back, we will begin with 10. Beautiful. Cool. Sounds good. Hi, Stephen and Brendan and Into the Aether listeners. It is Usurper King, uh, King of Twilight, so-called King of Shadows, Zant, a.k.a. Dom Nero. And if I had to pick my favorite gaming experience of 2022, I think I'm going to have to go with Wind Waker HD on my Steam Deck. I know that sounds kind of insane, but... This was a big year for me for the Steam Deck, for, you know, experiencing all the Steam Deck can offer. I'm so grateful that I have one. And I put in a lot of hours just playing Wind Waker completely flawlessly on that thing. Of course, uh, it's not a new release. I would give that uh, award to Elden Ring, though I also uh, played some games I really, really love this year, like Tunic and Sifu and uh, a few more. But I'm going to give it to Wind Waker HD. So thanks, guys. Happy holidays. Well, it's tradition to start with Steven. We used to flip a coin, and luck was always on my side. Yeah, it always just ended up being you, so it's like, let's just lean into it. (laughs) So do we want to do me, and then AJ, then Brendan? Sure, sure. That sounds great. Counterclockwise? Yeah. Wow, just the Temple of the Ancients. Mm -hmm. (laughs) For the seven people losing their shit at that reference. Um, It's a caucus, a caucus, a caucus. (laughs) It's a caucus, number 10, it's a caucus. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so number 10. What I've realized, we've said this... We say this a lot in these episodes that number 10 is always the hardest spot. Yeah. So when you realize you only have one more one yeah. more chance. But it's also setting the tone for the whole episode in some ways. Yeah. Which I've realized right. is like the secret challenge. It's like, do I really want to lead with Microsoft Word? You know? Like, <laughs> so I just uh, did a lot of processing this year. Mm. Yeah. I have I will say this is also a year that was just especially good. And I have a lot of honorable mentions that I feel like 
are, are spiritually and emotionally also on the list in some way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would say for me, 11 through 15 were all possible number 10 candidates yeah. for me. Mm-hmm. But number 10 is a game that I just felt sad every version of the list that didn't have it. Uh, it's a game that I think all three of us have a connection to and oh. that plays into I know three. what this is. Number 10 for my 2022 game of the year list is Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes. That's also my number 10. Is it? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Amazing. Whoa. Did it make your list? It's it's there. I couldn't. My number 10 is kind of this amorphous space of like oh, I, I games I played a bit of and mm. didn't totally finish and I don't <laughs> yeah. have a complete vibe on yet. Yeah. Um, but so it is Warriors, Warriors is in there. <laughs> Warriors cool. in that. Okay. Warriors is in that. It was kind of in your in your 10 spot. Yeah. It's the kind 10 of my collective. 10 spot. Yeah. yeah. The t- my 10 is my most like not spot spot. Yeah. Every from nine to one is like definitely. Yeah. 10 this is, is amazing though. This is exactly my thought what, about, about putting it at number 10 was like I feel sad if it's not in the list. <laughs> yeah. On one hand, this is like nepotism. I feel like <laughs> Fire Emblem Three Houses. Like, I, I think of it as a friend of yeah, the show. Yeah, this yeah, game. yeah, yeah. It, it's a game that means a lot to all of us. Like, also on your show, AJ. Yeah, that was our first season. Your first season is Three Houses. Yeah. When that game came out, I feel like it was a special time for the show because I felt like that was when we were really finding our voice, like mm-hmm. as a show. And it's also around the same time we made the Discord, and and I feel like that game coming out and people sharing their experience with it really helped that community. Like feel like more active and and more familial right away yeah um whereas i don't i don't know if there wasn't like not that like you know that needed to happen but i just think it was a really special thing that was kind of like akin to games like monster hunter or animal crossing that have that social component yeah even though three houses is a solitary experience like you're all gonna have your own version of a playthrough Mm -hmm. yeah you know you're choosing your own house you're choosing like characters within that house um, it's a beautiful game. It did very well, but I still don't think it gets enough credit in like the canon of games. I think it's mm. honestly like one of the best games on Switch and easily one of the best RPGs on Switch. Yeah, and we're seeing it influence other games now, yeah. which I think is how you know it's really like it's hit a nerve somewhere in, yeah. in the industry. Yeah. So when they announced this Warrior spinoff, I was like, even if this game is like rancid, <laughs> I'm going to consume it. Yeah. Right. Um, and. I think I think the consensus about this game is that it has no right to be as good as it is. Yeah. <laughs> I like Muso games and I think the last stretch of them, Persona 5 Strikers, the Hyrule Warriors, Age of Calamity, like those games have gone beyond the usual like here's just the cast of a series you like in a Warriors game. Yeah. Which like sometimes that's enough. Like if you're in the mood for that, like just seeing the cast of One Piece like fight a bunch of dudes is fun, yeah. like inherently. Right. And that's kind of what I enter these games being like, if it's just Lorenz fighting hordes of soldiers, that's enough of it's a screensaver for me to enjoy. <laughs> um, but I think this game, honestly, like like there's there's a lot that falls short. I think narratively, I, I played uh, the Golden Deer part and I just started the Black Eagles. And there's a lot of really cool ideas, but it, it feels like on one hand, they're really not trying to retread beats of three houses, mm. but because of that, you're not given context for moments that happen. Yeah, you definitely need to have finished yeah, three the, houses and understood it. You cannot play this game without having played at least a run of three houses. Right. Yeah. And and, and and even then, it's like even then, it's yeah. It, so like you know, it was a little bit messy, but I just really enjoyed seeing these characters again. And I think mechanically, this is the most I've enjoyed a Muso game. Like I, it never mm. really got old for me. I think. 
think yeah. having the classes change frequently enough and having all the characters like have unique abilities on top of classes like and it, the weapon triangle stuff maps so well to yeah. the Musou game in yeah. a way that I really wasn't expecting like I, we talked about this a lot in our episode about it with our friend Sadie and Lana yeah um, but I, I, I just think the amount of Fire Emblem mechanics that map into like a real time action strategy game is shockingly one to one in in ways that I couldn't have anticipated until I sat down and started playing it. Even even stuff like the battalion system from yeah. Three Houses like works so well in the context of like, oh, I'm actually going to bring like 50 extra dudes onto the battle to fight alongside me. Um, seeing that stuff visualized. I think feels so much like what you what your mind was filling in the blanks mm-hmm. with when it came to three houses. Absolutely. I also really love Chez as a protagonist. That was yes. like the biggest surprise. How weird. For me. Like yeah, I think, Chez is great. Yeah. Like I love Byleth. I, I feel like, you know, it makes sense to have a silent protagonist in, in this type of game. Yeah. But I think Three Hopes proves that like for this style of Fire Emblem, it helps to have a bit of a shepherd role as yeah. as the player character. Because like yeah. Chez is enough of an outsider. That like, you know, you're given that sort of player surrogate. Right. But they have enough of a character that like you're invested in what's happening to them on a cosmic level. Yeah, totally. they're not just a camera. They are right. also a character that you care about. Yeah. And I do think the the like light constant through line of like, why the fuck are they even here? Yes. Yeah. Like even the game is asking that question narratively, you know, like yeah. e- even coming into it as a fan of three houses, like who the fuck is this person yeah. <laughs> is actually one of the central questions that the game is trying to answer yeah. for you. And I think that's really interesting. And there's genuine improvements. Like I think the UI is a huge step up mm-hmm. from three houses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think just the way they handled the camp and like seeing the flowchart of classes and the ability to switch between them, like yes. all of these things should be taken into i don't think they'll be an engage because that was in development like along the same time as three houses was from uh, what i know but regardless i hope the mainline series adopts a lot of what's in three hopes yeah. and like i just i i don't know if we'll ever i will be very happy if this is true i'm i'm guarding my heart to the <laughs> idea that like i don't know when or if another fire emblem game will like come out and hit the same highs for me personally as three houses sure. yeah so i'm just grateful that we got a second chance to like see these characters and yeah. be with them absolutely and yeah get to kick ass and it was just a pleasure watching hilda ride a dragon and destroy an <laughs> army yeah uh, I, to to go back to the ui stuff the like the the stuff in camp specifically the training yeah i yelled what out loud at my television when it was so easy to just like level a character up yeah. to where everybody else was. Right. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, that's, it's like, it, yeah, it being, I don't want to leave anybody behind. And yes. the game makes it very easy to make sure that that's the case. It makes yeah. it feel like that's how the game should be. Like, it yeah. feels like a logical thing. It's yeah. not like this is like groundbreaking or right. it shouldn't be groundbreaking, but it is in yeah. a way that's like, well, I can't go back now. It also like is a beautiful game. Like yes. I, I forgot how good it looks like yeah. the, the graphical update from three houses, even yeah. like, you wouldn't think the warrior spinoff right. would get a glossier <laughs> treatment than like the actual game. That's did. the thing about this game. It's like e- even, even down to the fact that it's, uh, as you were saying earlier, I mean, it's the only Musou game I've ever really loved. Yeah. I've always wanted to get into this mm-hmm. into this 
I, I guess franchise kind of yeah genre yeah, yeah this genre yeah. um it's really just like the one company that keeps making them over and over again so yeah. it's like well you know they've kind of had not i don't want to say clunkers but they haven't had like winners for me over mm. and over and over and over again like what are the odds that they're going to take like the ip i love and slap it on and that's going to work and mm. <laughs> it turns out 100 100 chance of them succeeding <laughs> yeah. it really like i i ate this game the fuck up like when it came out i could not put it down until we were done that's with what it. I was, that, that's the reason i put it on my list i'm like we play so many games on this show yeah and for a game to like make me want to finish it while like within we've the week already of it moved coming on. out yeah yeah, mm. yeah incredible so yeah i mean i think this game is like both a great step for fire emblem and for the warrior series mm-hmm. yeah combined and i hope and this is like the only time i want more like bullshit for fans but mm. i hope this opens the door for more like three houses spinoffs i just love this cast this enough. is their final fantasy 7 yeah. 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 yeah 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 this world and this cast and is just so good it's yeah so good. Th- there's so much left unexplored even in a game that is endless yeah there are more things about these characters in Foden that i'd love to learn so i think that like i'm glad we at least got this and it was as good as it was mm-hmm. yeah AJ, what else is in your your 10 slot? My number 10. I appreciate that deliberation for Warriors because it helped me decide that's not my number 10. (laughs) Um, I swayed you against it. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I kind of prefer a silent protagonist. (laughs) No. uh, So like I said, my 10 was kind of a black hole of like games I didn't quite play enough of um, Mm. that I wish I got a little more into. But I think what would end up around number 10 when I finish it Uh is probably Signalis. Ooh, oh, oh, nice. uh, okay, yeah. On Game Pass. I am a few hours into Signalis. I'm having an amazing time with it. I'm curious to see. You know, it's another story about like what it means to be a person and yeah. you know, free will and stuff, which is like really big this year for some reason. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but the 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 vibe of the you know Silent Hill, you know Resident Evil One, mm-hmm. you know PS One era horror game, I think is just like really really working for me. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, and and. I'm having a great time with it. Yeah, but. unbelievable art direction in yes. that in that game. Yeah, yeah. it's it's so striking. It's, yeah. I, we talked about this a little bit on your show. Yes, but I it was it was really freeing to play that game and be like, this isn't for me, but I know it's amazing, mm-hmm. and I'm just gonna let other people and their enthusiasm for it just wash over me whenever they talk about it. Because yeah. I I know I will never like finish this game or get back into mm-hmm. it, but I love hearing people's enthusiasm for it because yeah. even playing it for a little bit, I'm like, I respect the hell out of this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah this was actually for me, this was the one that was competing most with Warriors. It's yeah. an honorable mention for me. Interesting. And honestly, I think it's that because I just haven't played more of it. Right. Because I don't have my Xbox with me and I tried to play it on uh, the cloud gaming mm. and the sound didn't work for whatever reason, which I'm like, uh, that's such a huge That's component. a big part of that yeah. game. That's the thing is like yeah. every single piece of that game is there to aid yeah the vo- the you know the art direction so i imagine this saying. will probably be like a go toy one day sure uh, yeah but i i love what i've played of it it's a it's one of the best homages to that era of horror yeah and i think also will inspire new horror games as yeah. well yeah 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 so well, that's my number 10 i don't have a whole lot to say about it because i haven't finished it but <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> nice yeah
Number nine. Oh, we're, oh, that's, that's right, because right, number both. 10. Yeah, yeah. Whoa. number 9. Oh, jeez. If we have the same list one-to-one, I'm going to lose my fucking mind. <laughs> also, if the, if this episode is going to be like two hours. Like, yeah. uh, it's going to be half the yeah. length We extremely usual. don't. I know for a fact that we don't, but I'm curious to see what you have at number 9. I'm really curious that this is on either of your lists. Uh, number 9 for me is Neon White. That's also my number 9. What? <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Neon White. I think, not to be hyperbolic, but we're celebrating here. Yeah. Neon White, I think, is the best first-person platforming I've ever experienced. Yeah. It's, is it the only one that's ever gotten it? I mean, Mirror's Edge came close. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, a good Mirror's point. Edge, yeah. and that's more of like a parkour game, but like yeah. this game's speed and this game's like ask of precision, I, I really think this game succeeds at, at teaching the player why speedrunning can be fun. Yeah. Because right. I think every level is designed in... I mean, the level design in this game is is incredible. Yeah. Um, the presentation, the music, it's all so good. And I think it's in, it's teaching you, like, how the rules of the game work. I think the levels are paced well, where it's like, okay, here... Like, the first level thing is just called movement. Mm-hmm. And it's like, here's yeah. how to move. Mm. And then you learn what all the weapons' secondary ability is. So you basically, you basically find cards that represent weapons. And if you discard that weapon you'll have a different momentum ability. So the pistol allows you to sort of just to jump up a bit. So as you learn that, you will try to get to your objective as fast as possible. But then the game taunts you with all your friends' scores. And you're like, oh, I'm going to destroy. This is the opposite of Monster Hunter Rise. This is like, I'm going to turn against all my friends one by one until I dangle my millisecond lead in front of them. Yeah, it's the best shit in the world. Yeah, Yeah. it's so good. And I, I mean, I just... This is another game that I couldn't stop playing. Yeah, I I, I had so much fun with it. And I think I will go back to it uh, consistently just to like learn new routes and levels. And mm. I mean, this game's soundtrack has become one of my most listened to as well. The Machine Girl soundtrack oh is my so good. God, it's good. Um, it's, yeah, it. I'm looking at my list. I mean, it might be the best game soundtrack this year. Yeah, for, for me at least. I, it's I think the one it I've might be the most. It yeah. might be the, the best game soundtrack. <laughs> it's, yeah it's um, incredible it's really yeah, good and i just think the game itself is great i think that where it falls a little flat is the second half of it with the story and sort of the persona relationship stuff the story was like it kind of worked for me like I, I was at least interested to see where it was going yeah and i think the game has a larger than life tone and it's like i think it succeeds at establishing the tone it wants to but i think that there was an opportunity to have those like character things add a layer of depth that that really that didn't doesn't happen all. yeah mm-hmm. so i just sort of ignored that part of it but the game itself like the other part of the game is so good and that's like why you're playing yeah it doesn't really bother me it just like i think if all of that worked together in unison yeah this would be like number one or two yeah. um but because of that stuff i think it's a little lower but it's still such an incredible game to play yeah this is this is one of those situations exact same feeling that you have about it where like if that narrative stuff had landed this would be in contention for you know top five and it's frustrating because they have such a good voice cast and like the character design is there i just think regardless of what you think of the story it doesn't intertwine with the gameplay in a way that i think they wanted it to this is one of the first i was talking to aj about this before we started recording but this is this is one of the first times where in revisiting a game for goatee and finishing it it actually was lower on my list this was (laughs) this was much higher until i got into like the last third of it and made my way through the end like a week or so ago and was like 
oh, none of this is working for me. Like, I'm really just here to play the game because the game mechanically is so strong. Yeah. And is and is so is so well paced, I think, that anytime you're ripping me out of that speed to make me like listen to dialogue about a story that it's like, it's like, okay, really bummed me out a little bit. Um, And I found the ending to be like a little bit unsatisfying. But that having been said, I still have been going back all week to like get the gifts and and try and unlock like there's a second ending if you do everything. Um, and I'm like trying to get that. Every mm. character also has their own bonus missions, which, which are amazing. Violets are so violets are sick, and they <laughs> give you saw. you get more of her character <laughs> from those missions than any of her scenes. I agree because yeah. like there's a point in one of her missions where all you can do is go up, and it's just spikes. Yeah, and you can hear like Looney Tunes laughter in the distance. You know, <laughs> oh like God. so then it's okay. Like this character is is just here to mess with me. Yeah, you know, and same with um with yellows. Like they're just a fun ride. Right. Like he just wants you to have a good time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the 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 level design is is king in all areas for this game yeah and there's so many of them i i didn't realize this until i had finished it but i I looked up just i googled when i was done with it i was like how many levels were there and in the main story there are 96 levels and that's not even including all the bonus ones for all the other characters Mm. there's like over 100 levels and they're all amazing like every single one is great and has its own little kind of puzzle that you need to solve um and the fact that you can even solve them or think about how to solve them while playing at this speed is really shocking. Yeah. And the thing that I found most interesting about it, I think, is the amount of times I would fail at a level over and over and over again, trying to like learn the ins and outs of it, especially when you get into like the second half of the game and the the, the levels become a little bit more complex, I think, mm. um, and need to be solved in like one or two specific ways. I would fail over and over and over again. And then on my like final run where I actually got it, I would get the the highest uh, the highest achievement for it. I think it's like platinum. platinum you you yeah. get like the platinum score. And the amount of times that I would you know fail three or four times going through a mission and then hit platinum was really interesting because it just shows you how meticulously these levels are designed. Right. That like by the time you get it, you will really fucking get it. And like you'd really have to go out of your way to go slow enough to not hit platinum at a certain point in the game. Yeah. I expected to not care about that stuff as much. Like I was, I'm just gonna do what I yeah. need to do. And like you will be pulling off stuff that you're surprised you're able to yeah. without really putting in that much effort right yeah which is amazing the control scheme is also amazing yeah. I, I think i think mapping jump to the left bumper uh, yeah. or the left trigger was like just that's really what i do in move. celeste which yeah. helps a lot it's really smart um yeah. but yeah i mean a, a lot of the thing that was driving me through that game initially was just seeing your score and trying to beat it and then <laughs> a lot of the reason i wanted to go back was because our friend will was texting me constantly whenever he beat my score <laughs> so anytime he texted me i was like well i gotta go back me revisiting this game was just me beating will's score for the first level which yeah. felt like a wet willy it was like, it was like, <laughs> like what am i doing to a good friend yeah oh good that's so funny uh but yeah neon yeah. white's awesome it's incredible yeah, yeah. It's, it's a game i'm gonna go back to a lot and i kind of hope there's a sequel i know Me too like narratively i don't know if that makes sense but i think like i, think I, I would love to see more of this. there's an interesting enough premise and the characters are like colorful enough that i would like to see another shot at this yeah mm. um i just think that like I think the reason it's disappointing is like the game is kind of promising more with these like mm-hmm. character things and, and it's just like reverberation each time. Yeah, you you will realize, at least I did and, and I know you felt the same way, but you will realize that about a halfway point through the game when you are trying to platinum every level and get every gift in every level to give to the other characters so you can like progress the persona relationship stuff where you've gotten nothing for about like five or six hours of that. Like you've really mm, gotten nothing except for the levels out of that half of it you know so yeah. it's like oh well i'm just gonna focus on making it through the, the levels mm. then yeah it's also like i think the the thing that i was most intrigued by early on was like 
who were these people when they were alive? And they're all wearing masks. So it's like, there's gotta be like there. Mm. And this is, you know, me rewriting the game, but like, I feel like just that visually implies that there's going to be a catch. Yeah. And like, there just isn't. Yeah. Hmm. It was all the cast of SNL. (laughs) (laughs) The current one. Amazing. No, I think, I think it's worth mentioning also, like, at least for me, I'm looking at my, my backlogged list right now. And I had 62 games that were in contention for, the top 10 and the fact that neon white even with kind of like an okay narrative experience is still in the top 10 really proves how fucking good yeah it's that great. game plays it's yeah. incredible i don't think any of that stuff at least for me it didn't get in the way it just didn't elevate it yeah mm. i agree that's how I that's felt. a good way of putting it neon white neon white for yeah. number nine AJ, what's your number nine? My number nine uh, is Escape Academy. Oh, cool. Uh, I don't even know what this is. is Straight to Game Pass. uh, What? Escape Room game. Yeah. You guys don't remember hearing about this? Yeah. It was a Summer Games Fest game, I think. Um, And it is so much fun. I played it in two nights with Tara, uh, my partner Tara, and I played through it. There is a co-op mode where I guess you can have two people solving the puzzle at the same time. We just did the single player mode and we're both just solving the puzzles. This looks so fun. It is an absolute delight. Um, it's not a hot take, I think, to say that like it's fun to play games with people or to like have a... <laughs> <laughs> to, like, have a community Dude. around a game or whatever so like Dude, yeah. friends <laughs> so like the game itself isn't it's not doing anything like revolutionary or yeah. whatever not to say that games have to do that but like the fact that i was able to sit down on the couch with my partner and play this game and yeah. we were both having so much fun is just like it, it was it was one of my favorite moments of the year uh, in gaming oh, yeah. in gaming um <laughs> but it's like it's it's it is what it says uh, on the package you are basically <laughs> doing escape rooms but the school is escape rooms you're you're going to school to escape um i mean who isn't it's very it's very fun the, the, the setup <laughs> <laughs> um just vague story spoilers for the beginning like the setup is you go to an escape room like just to like hang out you know i'm like i'm a person doing an escape room you do that escape room and then you go back out into the main office area and that has become another escape room cool and so then you find this secret passage to like a lower part of the building and they're like ah congratulations welcome to escape academy and they take you to the college campus of escape academy wow um and then there's like i don't know maybe a dozen or so maybe like 13 14 15 uh total puzzles and that's the whole game Mm. and it is so much fun uh everything that i like about escape rooms in real life is in this game but it also because it's a video game they can make the stakes like if you don't solve this fast enough you'll drown yeah um, yeah which They're is gonna be a little higher really yeah. fun yeah. yeah um it's it's great to have that pressure on it because it's not like you know it's not like oh if you there's like a timer countdown there's like actually water coming up and mm. so like stuff is getting harder to read because there is now water up half the level yeah it's a great time it's so much fun i awesome. would really highly recommend it it's on game pass so if you have game pass you should play it i will um it's on my wish list yeah so that that's my number nine is escape academy wow yeah yeah hello 
Hello, fellow Aetherites. It's me, Sadie, former guest, current friend of the pod, and future ghost. The game landscape of 2022 was undoubtedly jam-packed with hits, uh, but for me, it was hard enough getting out of bed in the morning. (laughs) I felt like I could do that about as well as I could start a new AAA game. So I missed out on a lot of the big boppers, as it were. That being said, there was one game this year that did serve as a balm to my agonies. It's a game that delicately balanced engaging gameplay with hours and hours of endless AO3 fanfic of anime guys smooching uh, in a year where I was truly in need of the gentle embrace of fan service, as well as the ability to fill hundreds of foes with a single parry of my blade, um, my 2022 game of the year could be none other than Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes. What else would you expect? Shez is there, Hilda's there, hell, even Arval's there, you know? It's just like, it's like fun, you know, it's fun. Anyway, I love you. Mwah. Number eight. I, if we, <laughs> you joining us, AJ, has helped this episode so much for many reasons, but <laughs> this is, this Brendan and I apparently right fused now. shortly before <laughs> recording. So I, I'm almost positive this is where we deviate. Yeah, I think I think so. I think we I think we'll still have some overlap. But I think so too. I think we we we're no longer uh, joined at the hip. If you have the same number eight as me, I am going to leave the room. <laughs> I'm going to just get in my car and drive home. No, <laughs> I'm scared now. Yeah, I'm also actually. Terrified. Number eight for me is Marvel Snap. Okay. Yeah, that's oh, not number eight. We're free. I, can I can I get my little disclaimer? Yes. Uh, the, Marvel Snap was on my list for a really long time. At a certain point, um, just uh, if this is your first episode, I work at Marvel. Uh, everything I say and do does not reflect the views of my employer. I love Marvel Snap. I think it's a great game. At a certain point, internally, I started like working more and more on the marketing materials for Marvel Snap, and I was like, I think just for like disclosure reasons and also yeah. just f- like for job reasons, I mm. should probably discount it from my list. So that is not a game that counts for my list, but I love it and I play it every single day. Yeah, Marvel Snap. Um, I think that was for for many. I would imagine this is the case. It was a huge surprise for me. I think it's easy to write off if you just hear what it is. And I'm not like, you know, I I like Marvel. I like superheroes, but it's not like a selling point for me. Mm -hmm. I won't check it out because it's that. But I mean, I loved Marvel Spider-Man. I love Spider-Man. They get you eventually. Even if you think you're over it, you're not. Marvel Snap has has filled the place. Because I I, I mentioned on the show in passing, like there was an era like at the end of college where I tried to get into magic and like it was sort of a, a... a fun fling and yeah. then hearthstone came out and destroyed our lives for a bit mm. so i knew that i liked the collectible card game experience and i think marvel snap is, is so well designed like i think just it's such a breath of fresh air for this style of game because so many other games have come out that are sort of like hearthstone but mm-hmm. with dice or i don't know <laughs> it's like there are a lot of hearthstone-esque <laughs> games and sure. this game I think fundamentally changes like how a card game can work. Yeah. I'm sure there are other card games this is pulling from like Gwent. Um, <laughs> but I love the idea of, of the locations for those who don't know. It's like matches are six rounds. Each player has a deck of 12 cards and uh, there are three locations on the board and your goal is to have the highest power in each location and whoever wins the most locations wins the match. Yeah. Um, so I think the rules are really simple having a deck of 12 cards, having it be six turns sounds maybe like, Oh, that sounds like really short and really simple, but it really just focuses the design. Yeah. You know, I think some, sometimes like a length, the length of a game of magic or even hearthstone 
can be dragged out and it's like i kind of i think a lot of experienced magic players can recognize when they know they can't win yeah and they just call it yeah and it's like the fact that you don't even have to worry about that in Marvel Snap, you can still retreat even within yeah, like that's, that's a, a five-minute match. Yeah, it's a built-in mechanic in this game, right? Like the, the snapping of it all really is kind of adding to the like poker-ish vibe of do I want to go all in or do I want to bail? Because mm. what, what you're gambling with in Marvel Snap is your rank on the ranked ladder. Yeah. So if, if you get to turn five and you're like, there's no way I'm coming out of this mm. winning, you could just bail and you yeah. only lose one cube uh, on, on your ranked ladder list. There are just... Like, everything about the core design of the game is so well done and it's such yeah. a great response to like the state of card games right now yeah mm-hmm. but i think honestly what has really kept me playing this is the community around it like we've got a really active and really like helpful and fun channel in the discord of people playing this and like sharing decks yeah sharing the variants they're getting sharing like just their experience with the game and what i've learned is that like for these types of games i actually have more fun making decks and talking to people about it mm-hmm. than even playing the game right. sometimes you know there, there's a lot to criticize too about marvel snap i think like the monetization is is not great like it's it's bad in different ways because usually these games are like you spend money on like booster packs or whatever right, right this game is like more manipulative of your time which doesn't feel great and also they they responded to some player feedback of like progression kind of being halted at a certain collection level by giving you like you know featured cards you could buy with tokens that you can like pin otherwise they change every day which is cool and then they also added a literal hundred dollar bundle of (laughs) of just bullshit basically and like i understand that free-to-play games have to have these things but the pricing on some of these bundles is absurd like the fact that there's like the only option for that for that apocalypse bundle is a hundred dollars and you have to scroll past it every time Mm. you're in the store which is often even if you're not spending real money like you will have to be there to get like certain things Mm -hmm. that stuff like really holds me back from like just overall recommending this game to people yeah Yeah. it's not an issue for me but i know it's an issue for someone else and like there's always kind of like I don't feel great when I play this game for a long time. Like, I kind of feel like I just ate a whole bag of smart food, white cheddar popcorn. <laughs> yes. One of my favorite snacks. But yes. like I always eat a whole bag by accident. Yeah. And that's sometimes what Marvel Snap feels like. Sure. At the same time, it's an incredible, like, the game is actually good. Mm-hmm. And I and I, I can't not have it on my list because I played so much of it. I'm enjoying it. And I, I think the moments where I'm actually feeling joy from it are the reasons why it's on here. Mm. So I think, like, I would recommend it if you are a fan of of deck builders and card games but definitely like know yourself and like kind of take a step back once you put enough time into the game to see if it's like a healthy thing for Mm. you but it's an incredible game yeah i've seen that people who have um i think the android version or if you run a piece of software called blue stacks on your windows pc and emulate the android version you can pull your player data from your account and see how much you've played which is the last thing in the world (laughs) yeah i I don't want to know Um, it's a horrifying thing it does it does take your ranking and like inserts it into a bunch of like fan-made websites that are kind of aggregating all this data and like keeping track of like what are the decks that people play most and what cards are people playing most and what decks and like where are people ranking when are people Mm. snapping things like that which i think is like interesting data but the fact that one of the data points it pulls is how many matches you've played i'm like i can't do that especially (laughs) considering i started during the beta over the summer and have just been playing like nonstop by myself trying to (laughs) i don't know i just i played a lot of marvel snap this year yeah but um i love it 
all, all of those caveats, which I which I feel compelled to bring up, but like I do think it's one of the most surprising hits of the year for me. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. it's it's genuinely so well designed. I would love it'll be hard because a lot of the cards are like random, but I feel like uh, a physical version would be so fun too. Yeah, you know, I, I would love that. Yeah. So yeah, I, I feel like of all the virtual card games to make a physical one, I feel like Marvel Snap would be pretty easy. Like, there's not a lot. I mean, not not. Not pretty easy, but easier than like a Hearthstone or something. Where yeah, it's maybe. Like, I mean, there's some abilities that really can only be done like via AI. Sure. Like there's the card that plays the game for you. So like that would <laughs> yeah. be hard to do. But mm-hmm. there's probably a way. There's probably a way to make a version of it. Yeah. That maybe has like less of that stuff. Which honestly, I would love to never see the like replace your deck with ten random cards location ever again. Sure, I think that'd be pretty hard to do in a physical version. Yeah, but yeah. I, I'm thinking even the Ag- Agatha card. It would. What if it was just like okay. invite Agatha over and she takes your seat? <laughs> yeah, Catherine Hahn's gonna come to your house yeah. <laughs> and play the game for you. What if it was just like it flips your cards over or something? Yeah, yeah, play with them. Oh, interesting. Yeah, you know, and fun. you just anyway. I yeah. wish I could get more into Marvel Snap. I, I don't know if you need to. <laughs> I just think like I I was a big fan of Hearthstone yeah. when it was out and when it was out when it came out mm-hmm. um you know up until probably until it got banned worldwide <laughs> no, by the UN to like late 2018 ish <laughs> uh-huh. um and I was never the person who would like spend money to get packs or whatever I yeah. was just playing and getting whatever I got. That was fine. Wow, um, yeah, thank you. But I was, you know, very much in the community online on YouTube and stuff like watching streamers yeah. and watching the like every day my YouTube algorithm would know it's like, oh, it's past 8 p.m. If you're opening YouTube, you're watching the daily recap of Hearthstone. Yeah. streams. And I was like, I am. You're right. Um, so it was like it was like to that point. Yeah. I was um, in the exact same boat. Yeah. But something about Marvel Snap just isn't grabbing me and i think it's mm. i need the game to be more complicated <laughs> uh in order to, for in. It to, I, I say that with confidence yeah. like i feel like the, yeah. the game paces itself where like the cards you get for your first like few hours playing are very simple and you're playing against bots so it mm. feels very basic and like is so not mm. so i would say if you do want to give it a shot give it more time mm. but then you'll be cursed like all of us and you won't stop playing it yeah. so maybe this especially is- some of the cards they're releasing now like yeah. they, they so the, the way it's split up uh, in terms of like player progression is they have pool one which are the first cards you get and everybody mm-hmm. gets them in the same order mm-hmm. pool two which is a collection of cards that everybody is guaranteed to get but it'll be in a different order and then pool three is like cards that you're maybe going to get one day but sure. it's in a totally different order and your chances of getting cards are much lower right um so once you hit pool three it's like kind of a slower yeah, drip like- but they just added four and five also oh and those cards are like super rare but if you get one it's like i'm gonna build my whole deck around this, this is gonna be the only thing i do for like a week because they're so weird yeah like for context i'll see matches where someone's like they'll play a card that has on reveal actions go twice they'll play a card that minuses every other card a card that destroys all of them but they already played a card to prevent destroy like there's a (laughs) lot of really interesting like every there are a lot of abilities that you would get see it on a card and be like this doesn't sound helpful at all Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden you see other cards that would go well with it against you yeah Yeah, it's like you you pull a card you're like "Ah, i'm not gonna add this anything and then somebody like destroys you with it yeah as someone who like got really into magic and hearthstone like the game is shockingly deep with Mm. what you can do mm-hmm. uh so I, I think you just need to see more of it um but yeah. you know it might not be your thing and that's yeah. totally fine you'll be you'll be free unlike us <laughs> i think part of it too is i'm just like so uninterested in the location like aspect of it like i that's really interesting. yeah I, there's something the the the, the randomness you want to beat somebody else up yeah <laughs> no i want the randomness to be like i don't know what the other person has in their deck not like we both don't really know what's coming 
And so we're both it kind does of playing. Make, it's, it's, yeah, an equalizer. It. it's an equalizer, which I understand is like important for games like this and stuff. But I don't know. I want to like build my deck around a meta and yeah. then like have to counteract another person who's also built their deck. I think what I I get that. I think what I'm not saying, I don't want to keep being like, so the reason you're wrong is no, 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 please. um, But I think like, for me, what I like about the locations is that it makes, it adds a secret element to decks where like the matches are always going to feel different. Right. And like, there are so many unforeseen combinations of like, Oh, like this, like this location, when I play a card, it adds a copy of that card somewhere else. And there are suddenly synergies that like, couldn't have existed otherwise right, just right, your deck. Yeah. So I think like so there there are a couple locations where I'm like this could be removed and my life would be better. Like again <laughs> sure. District X can take a hike forever, but like I I usually think that once you're familiar enough with them, it becomes another piece of it. Mm. So it doesn't feel like a Mario Party mini game. It feels like okay, like I know that these locations exist and you could even build decks around that. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, mm. occasionally you'll get into situations, you know, where you're building decks to counteract locations that might show up right in some cases instead of like i'm building a meta deck to compete it's like i'm going to build a deck that's kind of good in all scenarios right even if like the worst case scenario shows up in terms of what locations arrive but to your point that's why i don't like district x because it's like you're taking all the work i did and throwing it into the trash mm. you know and what like, is district that, what is district it x replaces to? your deck with 10 random cards oh interesting so it's like <laughs> or 12 random cards so it's like at least, like, I don't know what the locations are going to be, but at least I know what I came prepared right, with. Right, right, If you take that from me, it's all nonsense. Yeah. And, like, that could be fun. Every, like, it's not, a, it's not a common location, but, like, it's funny how quickly people retreat once that shows up. <laughs> you know, you'll yeah, hear, or almost, weird always immediate. There's yeah. a voice that's like, things are strange here, and everyone leaves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, weird world is you you play from the other person's deck. Yeah. Oh, Which okay. I can, like, that at least, like, okay, I have my starting hand, and I can see what they were building. Yeah. So it's like, how helpful data yeah district x is nothing <laughs> anyway this is why district x is my 10th t- least favorite location <laughs> yeah but a marvel snap is is my eighth favorite game nice uh my number eight this year 2022 this year yeah yeah this one triangle strategy oh wow oh shit uh, salt salt is my game of the year um <laughs> i really really enjoyed my time with triangle strategy yeah. i played the original demo when it came out last year i played the prologue demo or whatever first two chapters three chapters demo uh two months ago uh and then and then played uh you know i think up to chapter eight or nine or something for synchronous which we had steven on that episode uh, it was fun it was great and we talked a lot about the the like specifics of, of, you know, what we liked and disliked about that game. But, uh, in that episode, but, um, something about, I haven't played it since then, but something about it. Every time I think about it, I like want to go back and get back into it. And I think part of it is just like, I like tactics games. Mm -hmm. Um, but something else that I said in the synchronous episode is like, I love how much story there is in this game, which I know is kind of a hot take. Um, (laughs) because there is, so much story um yeah it's like 40 minutes of cutscenes before uh longer uh, yeah Yeah. Um, i think i think we figured out you do one battle in the first two hours yeah Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and I love that shit. And I <laughs> and I think and I say this on, on synchronous as well. I've been Malazan pilled. Um, yeah. Malazan is a, a series I'm reading for a different podcast I do called Ten Barbie Books. If you're trying to read through the Malazan series, you should listen to it. It's a great companion <laughs> piece. Uh, but we're on book nine right now, and yeah. those books are incredibly obtuse. There is so much going on at all times, and then it all ties together in some ways, whatever. But regardless of whether all the stuff in Triangle ties together at the end, mm-hmm. like just the fact that it is there and there is just so much going on, I'm like, yeah, this is activating the same parts of my brain that Malazan activates when I'm reading this. Yeah, I, I also really enjoyed this game. It didn't make my list, but yeah. I, I I played a lot of it. It was like one of the early hits of the mm-hmm. year. Yeah. And I think the tactics are incredible. Yeah, the tactics the, are so good. And you and I were of, really high on it at like when we were in the first like 10 hours. Yeah, right. And I, I just think like, and there's a lot of really impressive stuff here. And this is like part of Square that you and I are really interested in yeah. because like they had this whole part of their team that's just making like right. strange experimental retro throwbacks. And there there hasn't really been a continuation of Final Fantasy Tactics or Tactics Ogre in a very long time. So I think this game like really does serve a purpose. Yeah. And it does it well. The tactics are great and I love the role playing options. Yes. The fact that the game keeps mm-hmm. that hidden from you. Like you like in Mass Effect you always know if I'm choosing or if you're choosing a Paragon or Renegade option. Yeah. And then you also know how Paragon and Renegade you have gone. Exactly. And this yeah. game keeps that kind of a secret for me. Which right. Until your party members yell at you. Yeah, yes. exactly. <laughs> During an important pivotal scene where <laughs> yeah. you need them to have your back and All they don't. All that is great. I just got really sick of scenes where people said, I hope this doesn't happen. And then it happens. Sure. And there's, <laughs> there are hours of that. Yeah, uh, sure, sure, sure. But I, I mean, it is like it's a fun world and it's yeah. like. There are really interesting characters and there are interesting choices. I find I love a lot of the political intrigue stuff in that yeah. game. Like I, I, re, I eat that shit up. Good. I didn't realize how much I loved that kind of stuff until we started playing Final Fantasy 12 for the show. Yeah. I, I think the big gripes for me are like the ex- exploring phases got really tedious sure. where they're like, yeah. find a specific item, which like this is not a spoiler, but there's a point in the game where if you don't find a hidden item, you the game ends. It just mm. says like then that's how the story ended and the item was actually salt and i was like i can't believe this game trolled me this hard um but i mean it's 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 definitely i I imagine there's a lot of talent here from octopath sure and i think it's a good step for that team i really want a sequel because i think that like there's so much that's like really excellent hexagon strategy strategy. (laughs) give it to me give give me hexagons i'm all about it but i'm glad this made your list it's 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 definitely worth playing it's a great yeah i think if you like this game this much and you with your board game brain are like a sucker for complexity layered on top of this kind of stuff big sucker you gotta play tactics ogre reborn that's what yeah so that's what steven said a couple of weeks ago uh in our chat for for that synchronous episode of like hey tactics ogre is like everything that Trial yes. strategy it does well yes. minus the four hours. You can of tell it's like the, the game it's pulling from the most. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'm really. I, I am really curious to pick it up. I yeah. It's it's a great it. time. The, the switch port is excellent. Yeah. 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 It's awesome. But uh, triangle strategy. Triangle strategy. And I also just want to say I love the art direction of that game. I, yeah. I mean the the, the, the illustrations the, are beautiful. The 2D 3D. What is it? HD 2.5D. What what do they call I it? I think it. I think it's called the uh, 2D HD. Yeah. 2D HD. Whatever. Engine. I love that style of game. It's great. Um. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. Um, just so much fun. And the the character portraits are also really nice i love, I, I love the style the yeah, style yeah. is really good it's really great but wow yeah so triangle strategy uh salt great game
Oh, me. Number eight is uh, Strange Horticulture. Oh, hell there yeah. There you go. Um, Strange Horticulture, a wonderful little indie game where you run a plant shop in like a fantasy version of England. Um, and customers will continue to come in and be like, I have weird dreams or there's a there's a specter <laughs> that's constantly lingering in the back left corner of my closet uh, <laughs> every night at 3 a.m. Do you have a plant that could maybe solve this problem for me? <laughs> and you have a big book in front of you. The game is essentially like there's a there's a, a customer in front of you on, on the counter and then you look down at the counter and there's a big book in front of you that's like a tome of all of the plants you have or some of the plants that you don't even have, and you need to flip through it until you can find like, okay, what does this person have going on? What is the plant that corresponds to this? Because you don't have any of the plants in your shop labeled because you've inherited it from somebody who did know what they were talking about, Uh. and you know nothing. So you need to, step one, figure out, okay, what plant do they want? Do I even have that here? And if I don't, do I go out into the world and find it for them? And that, that process is so fulfilling and so interesting and leads to so many situations where over the course of the game, you will just kind of on your own volition start going out into the world and just exploring things. And the way that that works is there's a big world map where you can just anytime there's like a meter that's constantly filling up. It's very like uh, board gamey in that way, but there's a meter that's constantly filling up where if it fills up, you have the urge to explore <laughs> and you can just go click on any of the squares on the map and visit that place and see if there's anything there. And sometimes you'll click on it and be like, well, there's nothing here. All right, turn around and go home. And sometimes it's like, oh, there's a whole like Indiana Jones-esque temple here (laughs) that you need to like solve a bunch of puzzles to get through. And some of them will involve like actually presenting plants to to like a a statue or something to appease it. Or sometimes it'll just be like, I don't know, there's a crow picking at this dead guy. Oh, there's a plant growing out of his eye. I could sell that. I could sell that. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, And that loop, I think, by itself is really interesting and really fun where the game I think really ratchets up from being like oh this is like a fun quaint idea to like oh this is a goatee contender for me is there's this kind of narrative layer over top all of it where kind of similar to triangle strategy they're presenting you with a lot of options that you don't even realize you have in the moment mm. there are a lot of dialogue options where like the same customer keeps coming in every single day and is so fucking annoying and is like such you know such like an entitled piece of shit and is constantly like demeaning you when they're asking you for things and like sure. how could you fuck this up over and over again and you'll be given the option like you know next time they come in and ask for something do you want to give them the plant they're asking for or do you want to give them a plant that looks kind of similar but you know it's going to give them the shits <laughs> <laughs> and you could do that yeah and what you don't realize when you're making some of these decisions is that there is this huge overarching story in which you are kind of weirdly helping out with a murder mystery but because it's in this like fantasy realm the murder mystery is like there's a witch's coven that might be on the loose and is like potentially murdering people in all of these towns all across the land and a lot of these things are like poison based using plants that you have in stock so you know initially it's like hey you might be a suspect because you're obviously supplying these people but then it becomes clear that like oh you're actually maybe the only person who has the knowledge that it would take to help them and and the way that that can play out ends I think 10 to 12 different ways, depending on wow. the choices you make and in what, uh, in what order you make those choices and at what point throughout the story you make those choices and how much you've identified by way of the plants in your shop and the things out in the world and the different concoctions that you can make eventually as you start to blend the plants together into potions and brews and things like that. Um, the game just like continues unraveling and I think a really, really, really well-paced way where like as soon as you get a handle on one thing, they add another thing that doesn't feel overwhelming. It just feels like fun and weird and cool. Mm. 
but it just feels like an answer to a thing that you and I have talked about a lot on the show. I think we talked about this in our first episode where I brought it, but just this idea of like, not every game needs to be me as the hero wielding a sword going into a cave, you know, and being, being the chosen one. Like mm. a, a fantasy game can be me running a plant shop and like impacting a story in a really heavy, real way just by virtue of what plant that I sell to what guy at what time. Yeah. Being like a piece of that world and not necessarily like the sole determining factor. Yeah. So it shows more confidence in the story, I think. I think so too. Because yeah. sometimes I think high stakes can feel desperate. Yeah. When it's like, uh, we got to get the audience to care. Yeah. It's the end of the world. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's like, okay, cool. Been right. there, done that. Yeah. What's next? But yeah, this game's awesome. I, it reminds me a lot mechanically of Papers, Please. And like, I was mm. going to say, it sounds a lot like Papers, Please. Yeah. 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 Um, similar, similar setup yeah. in terms of very different tones. Yeah. Honestly. Yes. In terms of the view you have. Yeah. They're the, tonally, I mean, just it's kind constantly raining in this town the town that you set up the shop it's always raining in at all times nice and they have this beautiful kind of like kind of creepy piano like untuned piano music playing mm. at all times as well that adds this really nice ambiance to it so you really do feel like you know i'm like you know a little witchy yeah person in my in my cottage haunted fucking around yeah. with some plants yeah i uh, i didn't get to play as much of this game as i wanted to so it's definitely on my backlog and, and you've you continue to sell me on it, but I've really loved the time I've had with it so far. Yeah. For whatever reason, I, I like struggle with it a bit. Just like, I'm not a good plant shopkeeper. Like I, <laughs> I, I, I found the wrong plant often enough that like my soul broke and I had to like put the pieces back together. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. There's, so, there's like a little mini game. If yeah, you, if you keep is, giving people the wrong plants, which is awesome. <laughs> but that happened like four times in a row. I'm like, I'm really bad. At this. Oh yeah. So, but I will, I will get around to play more of it. Cause it sounds totally up my alley. Yeah, yeah. My, my two big caveats for this game that I think are worth calling out. Number one is just a tip where early in the game, as soon as you've identified like one or two plants, it unlocks an option in the options menu that automatically labels plants you've already like discovered and given to somebody. So like if you can identify a plant correctly, it will add a label to it. So you can just, you know, next time you need a, 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 a mount cap you can be like oh i know exactly what that thing is and what it looks like because it's labeled um you can also add your own labels individually like if you want to like write them yourself nice uh, i would recommend not doing that because that's just like <laughs> that takes the tedium to like a level that i think goes outside of the bounds of being fun for me personally i know yeah. there are some people who are like really into the meticulous organization of <laughs> aj's pointing at themselves um uh the meticulous organization of your shelves and you know where you put the where you put what plants um yeah. and labeling them yourself i'm sure is like fun in that case but uh for me I would recommend definitely turning that on. Number two, I think it's just worth mentioning. Like I played this on Switch. The the control scheme is pretty difficult. If mm. you can play this with a mouse and keyboard on a desktop, I would yeah. recommend doing that. That seems like more native to what they want you to be doing with the game. But I did play through the whole thing on Switch uh, one and a half times, uh, and uh, it, it worked for me really well. What awesome. would you say the runtime is? Probably for... five hours max. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've been That's really fair. on the fence with Strange Horticulture. It was on my list of games I wanted to play this year. Yeah. Um, but it just for some reason didn't grab me. I guess mm. I, I, I never never like gravitated toward it on the the store page. Yeah. Whatever. But hearing it actually described of like what it actually is. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm probably gonna pick it up because I loved Papers Please. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I love to start out not knowing anything. And learning things. I love yeah. to learn. Is I will say for the three of us specifically, and your mileage may vary, dear listener, but uh, the three of us have all worked in service or in retail in yeah. some way, yeah. shape, or form. And and having like a fantasy version of that as a video game where you can fuck with the person who is fucking with you. Yeah. Beautiful feeling. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love like games that have this sort of like 
behind the desk perspective yeah even if they don't like fully work i just think it's such a great way to tell a story through a game yeah uh i i always want to see more of them yeah, yeah. And i'm always in search of that flow state Absolutely. you know that that customer service flow state where you're just kind of like yes. checking stuff yes that's that's what papers please is for me it's like all right passport stamp you know whatever. dear microsoft oh. i want a customer service video game yes <laughs> customer service simulator here's a check of my money <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's great. Great. Strange horticulture. Culture. Is it back to me? Yes. Yeah. My my numbers are thrown off because we were in unison for so long. Yeah. Is number seven? Mm-hmm. Okay, this is one I think is a hit for the room. Uh, number seven for me is Tunic. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, Tunic is incredible. Uh, I think it's a testament to how strong this year is that this is like... Again, mm-hmm. we play so many games, it's always... It's always like it means a lot that that any of these games are here for us. But I think like Tunic has top five energy, you know, yeah. it's got that aura about it. And uh, I just think this game is is such a great lesson for players and developers to learn about discovery and about progression in games. Uh, for those who don't know, it's essentially kind of isometric view uh, top down Zelda inspired with souls like mechanics. <laughs> and I feel like that pitch you know, there are a lot of great games that fit that description, but there are so many, even if it's an incredible game, it's hard to stand out. Yeah. And I think Tunic does so by having the element of discovery be knowledge that the player didn't have in the beginning, but was always accessible mechanically mm-hmm. for context, like kind of like you would discover items in Zelda and Tunic, the Fox will find pages of an instruction manual and those pages will have in in a made up language, I think called runic, it will show you actions that the player can take. And sometimes it might just be like, you know, here's how to roll. And it's okay, I knew I could roll, but like now I know like, oh, there are like I'm invulnerable during this phase of the roll. Mm-hmm. Cool. Little stuff like that. It's okay, I know a little bit more about something I knew I could already do. Yeah. Then you might find a page where it's like, I I could do that. Yeah. I didn't know that was like in this game. Right. Uh-huh. And moments like that and moments of discovery and finding secret passageways that wrap around. I think the moment in Dark Souls everyone always talks about is when you get back to the Firelink Shrine mm-hmm. and you, you've you've untied a knot of the world and you feel like you've like that feeling is almost more cathartic than beating any of the bosses because you're like, I understand this world now. Like, right. I know how to get around better. Right. And Tunic is full of that. I think it's even wilder in Tunic, that moment that you're describing this like, oh, wow, I can't believe this all connected you yeah. know, because I unlocked an elevator that took me from point A to point B. But turns out point B was always point A. You right. know, that, that's really interesting. In Tunic, what's even wilder about it is that these pathways were always available to you and you just yeah. had no idea to even look for them or that they could possibly be there. Like your your brain couldn't conceive of an idea that like oh if i go behind this rock in particular it's a shortcut to this place yeah but you will end up finding it by accident on your way back yeah, yeah and that's what's so brilliant is like you could you know you could Ugh. just stumble into it like yeah. you're saying yeah. and it reminds me so much and i imagine this is a direct inspiration of the animals in super metroid where mm. in super metroid there are these creatures you can find that can teach samus to do moves that she could always do but the player wasn't 
knowledgeable of. Yeah. Oh. And I think that there there's a lot of discussion I've noticed in games about intrinsic and extrinsic motivation, where essentially like extrinsic motivation is when you're given something by the game that makes you more powerful. So I think a great mm-hmm. example of this is like leveling up in an RPG. Yeah. Like you don't really know the game better. Like maybe you learn something in that battle, but like you've progressed enough that the game is giving you a buff. Yeah. Whereas intrinsic is like, I think a great example is, you know, learning how to beat a boss in Dark Souls or any fighting game where like the knowledge you've gained is not an item or or a level, but something you've learned as the player and is skill based. Mm -hmm. And I think Tunic combines both of those with the instruction manual where it's like this is an item the game is giving you and you'll have that feeling of like, oh, I found something fun. But it's like it's it's now part of you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And whenever you play Tunic from now on, you'll just know this. Mm -hmm. And that feeling is unmatched. Like when this game is is at its best, it it has had my jaw on the floor. Yeah. Um, Have you gone back to play it? from the beginning knowing what you know because Not that yet. that experience have you done this i did it immediately it's <laughs> in, what an amazing feeling yeah, that is it's to awesome. jump back into the game with all of that knowledge already in your head yeah so interesting yeah. i will say sometimes the game can be like a little too obtuse there was like a pretty good chunk in the middle where i felt so lost i like stopped playing for a while yeah mm-hmm. but what i've learned this year doing the super metroid and castlevania bonus mm. and then playing you know more modern games and now playing tunic which is a modern game that is pulling from all these retro games i and i never would have said this in years prior but i am now at a point where i would rather get lost and be clueless but have those moments of discovery Mm. then be shuttled along thoughtlessly Mm. and that really depends on like the genre of game but i think for a game that is trying to provide a zelda metroid you know open world ish experience i think having the guiding force be curiosity is always the best move and i i I imagine we sound like broken records at this point but if this is your first episode is your first time hearing it but you and i talk so so often about what lessons are you taking from breath of the wild when you're making a game inspired by that what lessons are you taking from dark souls when you're making a game inspired by that and so frequently the answer is bonfires and fog walls and i feel like tunic is like one of the first games i think to really get it right yeah like the thing that makes dark souls and all all these all these other games in the from software catalog so compelling usually is this element of discovery and this element of overcoming adversity um and tunic quadrupling down on just the discovery element and saying like i'm just going to give that feeling to you over and over and over and over and over again shows like a real mastery of game design and pacing specifically absolutely the only element that really doesn't work for me is like i don't think the game benefits <laughs> i don't like the voice act <laughs> <laughs> when the fox goes hey i'm walking in yeah, to the crocodile heads it's super I, I weird it. it doesn't make any sense this might be a hot take i don't really think the game benefits from the souls bosses like i like the oh, combat yeah. is fun and i enjoy it and i like the challenge but i don't because the game is so focused on exploration and discovery adding to that you know elden ring difficulty bosses it feels more external to the mission of the game yeah and i'm glad like the the you know options are there just to sort of like turn on like infinite health or infinite stamina and like i did that a few times and that's awesome and it you know helped me get through the game yeah but like i i I don't know like it doesn't work in the same way because i think and you mentioned this on 
on synchronous i believe aj where you said like the focus of elden ring and games like that is is combat mostly Mm -hmm. you know the game is Mm -hmm. kind of in orbit of the bosses and of that spectacle and of the feeling of triumph when you finally beat radon yeah tunic is not really doing that so like agreed it always felt like a little bit of a chore to fight like the guardian of the forest Uh, you know that's the only part of it that feels like the inspiration maybe like went out of line yeah but like it's still good like they did it well I just think like I almost wish there was a version of the game that it was like just the world. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so with you. I, I, I think Tunic is great. It was one of my most anticipated games of the year. Um and I, I really loved it. Uh it did not make my top ten. It's number twelve. Oh wow. For me. Whoa. Um but I, I thought it was great. Yeah, I think it's an incredible game. Also incredible soundtrack. Yes. So and like beautiful. not what you would expect. That's yeah. like what always caught me off guard. Is like you would expect it to be like flutes and like Yeah, like fantasy yeah, And it's like, dude, you want to study? Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. life formed. Right, yeah. I think is yeah, life formed. Yeah, man, I've I've big uh, life formed fan over here. Stephen, bringing up that what I said on synchronous, I've really just shown my whole ass before we even started <laughs> recording the game of the year episode because that was stuff I was going to say. Uh, I'm sorry, I mean to steal your. Uh, no, thunder. you're good. No, you're good because I said it and I did say it on the podcast and I am going to say it again later. Yeah, <laughs> tunic, funny. but tunic, tunic, good game. Number seven, number seven. Yeah, cool. My number seven is Not Words. Oh, nice. oh shit. Uh, I love Not Words. Not words I love a crossword. I love a word search. I love Not Words. It's so much fun. Um, I haven't played Not Words in a hot minute, um, but I did play a whole lot of it when it came out, and I will hop back into it every once in a while. Yeah, you and I were to... both streaming the daily challenge for yes. a while, um, which once you start getting really good at Not Words, you start doing the daily challenge in like one or two minutes. Yes. <laughs> Whereas I think when you first start playing Not Words, because conceptually it's a little bit complex, mm-hmm. it'll take like maybe 15 to 20 minutes to do your first couple ones. Yeah. Uh, but once you start getting into that rhythm and like, at least for me, when I was yeah. doing them daily and, and recording them and putting them on our YouTube, I, I just at a certain point was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I did this in literally yeah. 50 <laughs> seconds. Yeah. So you have a, a crossword like layout for the puzzle, but that layout is like separated into like groups of blocks so yeah, there'll be like columns or rows it'll just be like sort of like a, a bundle here that bundle. might be of separate words right well yeah. it's it's yeah so you'll have like you'll you'll have these these lines and stuff and then these bundles will be like okay there's like an a z an s an r a u and a d within this like you know five block thing and you have to figure out which words will work you know in the across or yeah uh, uh, the tricky thing too is like the game will tell you when it has made a word but not if it's the right one yes so you'll often have to kind of double back and they don't give you the so the biggest twist is they don't give you the usual prompt a crossword would be where it was like you know, a famous film star in the 30s yeah. or whatever. It just gives you the letters. Yes. Yeah. Which is such a creative spin on a crossword. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the fa- and also the dictionary for not words, humongous. Yeah. yeah. Um, awesome. Like words like eh and also could also be he or they you also, could do eh. They or- love pluralizing words you didn't think. Oh, my ass. God, man. Yeah. yeah. I, I can't even think of one because there was one early on that was like 
absolutely wild that was like forgivenesses yeah like why would you put yeah exactly it's like something like that of like why would you ever ever need to pluralize this yeah. it's like i didn't even think the s would go here it's just are you a big uh like new york times crossword person also uh when i had the subscription yeah for free for two months yes yeah i love I, crosswords i have found that not where it's weirdly because i know a lot of it is algorithmically uh constructed like mm. a, a lot of the the game's puzzles were built by a program essentially sure. it's weird how often it falls into the same new york times crossword puzzle trappings of having like the same word over and over and over again mm. for some reason mm-hmm. like you start to learn the ins and outs of like what the machine that built a lot of these puzzles yeah. was thinking when it was yeah. putting puzzles together um so you run into the same words over and over and over again it's fascinating it's a really interesting thing that is really interesting yeah not words is awesome though i I played a shitload of not words also uh earlier this year and and really really enjoyed it i definitely haven't been playing it as much it was my go-to i'm on the subway game for a long time Mm. because you didn't need to be online to play it unless you're doing the dailies i weirdly have a, a a better time with it on my computer Oh, I don't know what it is about the the interface. And I agree the, with you. The way that yeah. it functions on the computer. I think it's the fact that I can use tab to switch between like <laughs> yes. up, down, sideways, or if I'm trying to solve the block. Yeah. yeah. Um, it also has like an educational game vibe. To it, it does. It's know? it's it's very kind of um, not addicting games. Addicting game was was like the mini clip flash no not not like i'm trying to think of like an educational fucking maybe speaking yeah like maybe speak it's got maybe speaking vibes (laughs) really honestly and i love the music the music is great i love that uh the whole color scheme will change depending on what time of day it is it's beautiful yeah the the fact that there's like a nighttime version of not words is really fun i love the rabbit with the human face the rabbit rabbit, yeah that's constantly uh talking to you yeah yeah it's a great game this is by um zach gage it's it's worth mentioning who is just like a really prolific game designer and and one of those people where anytime they're really a game i will like drop mm-hmm. everything to check it out yeah so. good sudoku last year was yeah also yeah that was a real game changer yeah, for me there, too yeah, i suppose like so the, the millisecond wordle blew up there are so many yes. word games oh and my not God. words was like the one yeah it was yeah. the only like, one that really cut through that noise yeah. yeah yeah cool because it didn't it wasn't just trying to do wordle but yeah wordle but with lyrics from creed right you know? it was yeah it was just <laughs> like it was sorry uh, yeah. Today's creedle is higher. Christ. Um, um <laughs> So not words was just trying to make like a fun word game, not mm-hmm. like a wordle, but yeah, yeah. Um, which I think is which just I think is great. And I probably was in development before. Yeah, it wasn't. Wordle. It wasn't like oh, now is our time. Like they yeah, were right. working on it prior. It had been in development for a really long time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So not words number seven. Not oh, yeah. words and number seven. That's a great. It's a great game. Great uh, definitely check it out. I think it's on Apple Arcade now. Also, maybe it might be. <laughs> I might be wrong about that. If it's not. It's is just on mobile. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is a game that I know is on Steven's list and probably a lot higher. Uh, but my number seven is Xenoblade Chronicles three. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, Xenoblade Chronicles three, the first Xenoblade Chronicles I've ever truly loved. Um, over the course of us doing the show, I have checked out one and two. I've checked out one multiple times, but two, two was the one where like I started playing it and pretty quickly was like, I, I get why some people like this, but this is extremely not for me. Yeah. And I feel like in the lead up to three, you and I were like getting more and more and more excited. I remember there was this one day you called me to just tell me how excited you were about <laughs> Xenoblade Chronicles three. 
and I just happened to be like walking from a bus stop to a retro video game store. So I was like, this is the perfect conversation to have <laughs> yeah. right now, actually. Um, and we just talked about like how excited we were about it, but also how worried we were about it. Because I feel like there was this kind of lingering, like, what if they fuck it up again? You know, what if, what if it's like the issues with two just carry over to this? Um, and truly like none of those fears were, were founded at all. Yeah. Like the game is stellar and it feels so much like the team making this game monolith, finally making the game they had always been trying to it make. It seems like longtime fans feel that way too, based yeah. on reviews and Yeah, stuff. Re- reading a lot of like kind of more long form pieces from people who have been longtime fans, like even pre-Xenoblade Chronicles, like Xeno Gear, Xeno Saga yeah. kind of people, um, everyone kind of agrees three is the culmination of all of that. The big bounce off for me is the length of the game. Sure. I I love these characters and I love this world and even with some of the like heavier, more wild narrative beats that I've seen. Um, chapter five is one that everyone in the discord is constantly talking about and seeing that was like, Oh fuck, yeah. you know, like w- once you hit chapter five, it's like, Oh my God, this is wild. But that <laughs> happened to me 45 hours into the game. Yeah. Around the same for me, which is like <laughs> wild to think that this is not the first, but one of the biggest narrative beats is happening that far into the game was a little bit like a, I don't know if this is respecting my time, but also I don't need it to like there, there needed to be an acknowledgement at least on my end I, I think a thing that you have already brought up on this episode but it's worth bringing up again like you and i play a lot of games for the show and games that are longer tend to be harder to keep engaged with because we're constantly checking new stuff out not even just like you know as you said at the top we're not beholden to new releases but we are beholden to playing different games every week to bring to the show at least um so in that kind of structure it means it's kind of harder to keep going back to xenoblade chronicles 3 but i still have been doing it throughout the year i still have been playing the game a lot and what's really striking to me is how frequently i'll play that game be like oh my god i love these characters put it down for like a month come back a month later play it for like another couple hours and immediately be sucked back into these characters in the way they play off one another i think the cast is amazing it's a great I think, cast i think the setup for why the cast is together is amazing i think what the game is going for thematically feels like some of my favorite shit of all time which is like just big questions about like the nature of companionship and love and being a person really beautiful i think i think like the game is is striking a lot of highs like one of the best scores of the year easily oh yeah like the game really is going out of its way to be so incredible and so all-encompassing and and even down to what's going on narratively i think is like all-encompassing as well um but at the end of the day just the length of the game and feeling like i i couldn't see it through before the year was over even though i started playing in when was that like june Uh, july Yeah. yeah you know it was like I'm I'm really trying to give it my all and I still can't see this game to the end before the year is over really put a damper on me uh, personally because I felt like at a certain point I was going to have to start like crunching to finish the game. <laughs> um, but all that having been said, I still think what it's doing is spectacular and it's one of, I think, you know, when the era of the Nintendo Switch, the original Nintendo Switch, if they ever release a sequel or whatever, I'm not counting it for that, but like when the era of the Nintendo Switch is over from 2017 to whenever they release the second one, Xenoblade Chronicles is going to be like top five for best games on the Switch. Absolutely. E- even just fidelity wise i mean it is yeah, shocking what that game looks like and, beautiful and has completely changed my perspective on what the switch is capable of doing you know th- this era that we're in where everyone's like oh the switch isn't powerful enough like it needs you need a second one so you can run games that look better it's like i don't know if you do i mean it'd be cool it'd be cool if there's a new switch that was yeah. more powerful but you look at xenoblade chronicles 3 and what that game is doing like not only is it absolutely stunning jaw-droppingly beautiful all these incredible environments and character models and 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 uh monsters 
monsters that you're running into throughout the world. It has like this kind of monster hunter energy every once in a while where there's like big gigantic monster fights that are happening sometimes that are like jaw dropping and these big set piece spectacles. But also it's doing that for like a hundred plus hours. Yeah. Mm. And if you can fit all of that onto a Nintendo Switch, the Nintendo Switch is more than capable of, of handling what a <laughs> lot of people are trying to do. You can tell where they had to cut corners, sort of similar to Monster Hunter Rise, yeah. where like if there's a monster in the distance, it's in PowerPoint land. Yeah. <laughs> like it, all like they focus so well on making it not impact the game. Yeah. You know, like totally. it, it, it's and the art direction, especially the settings you get to later on, which are a little bit more colorful yeah. than the early settings, are really, really beautiful. Yeah. I'll talk about this game more later. That's interesting. But I, I do agree that like <laughs> <laughs> th- there are some serious pacing issues. And it's kind of weird because like the main plot never stops. It, this is not a Tales of Arise scenario yeah. where like that story forgot what it was about. Mm-hmm. Like this game, like the story continues to deliver. But I think the framing device of a single player MMO stretches it out yeah. a little bit too much, especially like after we played FF7, like that game is so well paced mm-hmm. and like it's like a 30 hour game it's not short but that game feels 100 hours in terms of like yeah. what happened the, here the amount of plot it feels yeah. big the, dense, I, the plot density and is Blade, real high i think if it's like the game you're playing this may not be as much of an issue but i i do think there's a little bit too much filler and an otherwise like unbelievable story yeah Ooh. i sat down to play it i think like a month ago when we were kind of like gearing up for Goaty, and i when I picked up the game, I immediately realized why I had put it down the previous time. And it was because I was in like a two hour span where the only thing we were doing was trying to recover our food that had been stolen from us <laughs> at our campfire. And that was like literally like two hours of plot where I'm like running around the map trying to chase down the thieves. And then they decide like, well, we're never going to find the thieves. So we might as well just go foraging for food instead. And then you go foraging for food and then you go back and you cook food. And you're like, well, back to the main plot. And I was like, I didn't need this. I didn't need this to be part of the main narrative. Yeah. You know, if you want to experience the story of Xenoblade 3 in the best way possible, but you don't want to play it, watch a compilation of every scene at the campfire. That's my recommendation. <laughs> every scene of the campfire is like guaranteed to break your heart yeah. in the best way possible. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. The Even just down to some of the pairings, you know, there's like six main people in the cast and, yeah. and, and sometimes the conversations between them, you wouldn't expect, you know, these two people to sit down and have a really hard felt moment but yeah. when they do it means so much to you yeah seeing like uh lands and tie on right kind of become friends and like yeah i, I think everyone kind of has like an archetype but they're also there's layers to them yeah they're ch- and they're challenging those archetypes constantly yeah right by by having them open up to one another I, th- I think yeah it's a really strong game i just couldn't see it through um and that's why it's lower on my list mm-hmm. uh i think i think if i had finished it it probably would have been higher. oh yeah but i mean it's still again uh, for all the g- 60 games we're in contention yeah it's pretty good yeah Santa Blade 3. That's number seven. Number seven. Hello, everybody. It is Christopher Thomas Plant, co-host of The Besties, editor at Polygon.com. I am here to tell you about my favorite game of 2022. It is, surprise, Pentiment. Yes, the guy who liked Death Stranding and 13th Sentinels and Near Automata loves the video game about 16th century Bavaria and an illumination artist uh, working at a scriptorium. I am 
predictable. What really has stuck with me is this game's view of decision making and the ramifications of the decisions we make and how we make them. Now, in most video games, especially story games, you make decisions to win. You make decisions to uh, get some ideal result and you either do or you don't get it. And that informs, you know, maybe the ending of the game or, or how a quest pans out. Here, it, it's not so simple. We like to believe that things are binary or that we have systems like the judiciary system where people go before a court and we get the right results 10 out of 10 times. That's not how it works. And this is a video game fundamentally about that. And that would be enough. But what I love, love, love about this game, it shows the effect that that decision that you made and other decisions had on yourself. Some people love you for the decision you make. Some people despise you. Many people are somewhere in between. That is, as I get older, closer to my reality. And you kind of learn to live with the decisions that a younger version of yourself made. I think that is something that other art forms can't really get at. It can't put that onus, that blame, really, that responsibility on the viewer or the reader. It's something that a game can do, and a game can do really well. If you uh, joined me on an adventure through Time and Space in Sci-Fi 13 Sentinels, or you went on dozens of hours of cross-country hiking and Death Stranding, I think you're probably the sort of person that's going to enjoy this trip, too. Thank you uh, again for having me into the Ether Crew. Your show just continues to be a bright spot in my life every year, and I can't wait to see what y'all do in 2023. Okay, bye. This is back to me. Back to you with the final with game of this chunk. Wow. We're, I, I don't know how long it's been. I lost track of time long ago, but <laughs> I'm having a great time. Uh, number six for me in my 2022 favorite games is splatoon 3 wow this was a hard game to place because i was curious if it was gonna make your list at yeah, all splatoon yeah. is is god's gift to the world and <laughs> this is the best one so on one hand it's like well this is number one right uh <laughs> but it also like didn't quite like it didn't pull me in the same way other games did this year mm -hmm. but like all the time i spent playing it i've adored and yeah. i really love splatoon i think splatoon is such a weird outlier in a good way for nintendo's library so the one game that knows the internet exists it's like <laughs> good you know you'll get disconnected every now and then but it's like pretty good at like operating as mainly an online competitive game mm -hmm. which is like never nintendo's energy yeah and it's also a really great optimistic blueprint of like how to make a Essentially, I don't know if you would call it a live service game, but it's like a game that's based around online multiplayer and a community around that and like no bullshit monetization. Like there's you could see where the price tags could be mm -hmm. in that game, like with all the stores and all the fashion you unlock. And like it's all just stuff you get by playing. I know that's a low bar, but yeah. I think it's worth pointing out that like especially in, you know, Fortnite and Marvel Snap, these are games that we like that are drowning in that kind of stuff. And Splatoon 3 manages to succeed without doing any of that. I think that's really cool. And, yeah. and I think when people are like, why is this Why is this a third game? Why is why are they charging $60 for this again? It's like, well, it's because there's no microtransactions. Yeah, and right. every other game, <laughs> every other game you're playing that's getting, you know, a yearly update cycle or something, whereas being updated, you know, mid-year constantly are all games that are like free to play microtransaction laden nightmare 
yeah. games. Uh, so th- this one just being like $60 price tag every couple of years and you get, you know, basically the thing that you like, but mm-hmm. more. It's great. Yeah, this is a series where I don't mind iteration. Yeah. And I do think there's some great additions. The moment I knew this had to be on my list was I was on the phone with a friend and we were playing. And they one of the new additions is a lobby where like between matches, you can just try out different weapons and like mess around. So we weren't even playing the game. I was just in the lobby with a giant paint roller and we were talking and I had fun just painting the entire room <laughs> while we were chatting. And I'm like, that is the sign of great game design. If I'm not even playing the game, if just the act of moving around and doing the central action of the game is fun yeah. with no objective, no <laughs> team. It, it shows how much you can do with Splatoon as a formula. And I do think like we're still not getting like the single player version of this game that could exist. Like I, I, I kind of hoped single player would be more octo expansion esque. Yeah. Um, I imagine there will probably be DLC and that's a case where I'll be happy to get it. Cause like mm-hmm. I want to see more of this and inevitably when Splatoon four comes out, <laughs> that will be the time where like if Splatoon four comes out and there isn't good single player, I will be a little bit disappointed. Yeah. But for this one, I just like, I love what's new. I love the new setting. I love just playing this game. It's as simple as that really. Mm. And uh, yeah, I, I think the best version of one of Nintendo's best series, I think, had to be on this list this episode. A contender for best card game of the year is the one that, yeah. you, that, that you play in the back alley. In addition, no one asked little, for it, but we yeah. all needed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Have you seen this card game? No. There's a card game in Splatoon 3 where like, if you go to a back alley in the city, there's like a jellyfish that's like, hey, kid, you want to play cards? <laughs> and you sit down and it's a card game version of Splatoon. Whoa. Where you, you have cards that have like weird shapes on them and those shapes represent uh, your ink color. So whoever can put the most shapes down and fit them into this grid over the course of the card game wins by the end. Holy shit. It's awesome. I've played that way more than I've played like baseline Splatoon That's 3. So funny. Which That's is- uh, part of the reason I haven't finished Horizon Forbidden West is because there is like a... There's a card game in it? No, there's like a board oh, there's game a, yeah, There's it. like Warhammer. Yeah, there's yeah. like a oh, Warhammer no. style so game in uh, for- Forbidden West, which That's is amazing. so good. Yeah, yeah I also... Uh, having Salmon Run just be a constant was such a good idea. Thank God they did that. Yeah. yeah. And Salmon Run, I think, is like, there's a whole scene just for that, yeah. for this game. Yeah. But yeah I, I love Splatoon. I will always love Splatoon. And uh, it's my number six. Wow. wow. Splatoon. Splatoon. <laughs> that is what I call it in my head yeah. every single time. Me too. Yeah. yeah. My number six yeah. is Vampire Survivors. Oh, nice. Uh, I have been hearing a lot about Vampire Survivors. People on the Discord were in it from like minute one from Go, that, it yeah. was, uh, that it was early access or whatever it was on Steam. So I've seen it show like, up. Like this time last year, I think it came out. Yeah, yeah. and it's it's been like a constant there since uh, in the Discord since then. Um, well, actually, the, does it count for this year then? If it yeah, I've seen it okay. everywhere. So I, I think it's fine. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, <laughs> perfect, because I'm saying it anyway. Yeah. Um, I, Can you imagine if we said no this deep <laughs> into the episode? Shut up. Um, yeah. <laughs> Choose a new one. <laughs> I um, 
<laughs> so I'd seen it floating around, but never, you know, picked it up because uh, kind of for the reason we were talking uh, before we started recording is like my office and work computer is also the only like I need to use that laptop if I want to game. And it's like I'm not trying to unhook my laptop from all the, you know, my monitors and interface yeah. and everything to like bring it down somewhere more comfortable to play a video game. Yeah. Um. So I'm like, well, I guess I'm just going to wait until I get a Steam Deck or something to play this. But a week ago. Yeah. It dropped for free on mobile a week ago, two weeks ago, whatever it was. Yeah. During the Game Awards. During the Game Awards. Yeah. So one week ago from uh, in a couple days. And man, have I played some of that game over the last 10 days, dude. Yes. It is so much fun. It yeah. feels made for mobile, too, in a good way. Like, in a good yeah. way. I thought this was like the Steam Deck seller yeah. initially, and now yeah. it's like... The, the phone side. It's not the phone side. Uh, yeah. Finally, a killer app for the, <laughs> for the Apple iPhone. <laughs> yeah, but it just works so well with touch controls yeah, and kind of like yeah. Yeah, it's 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 so good. It's so much fun. And I guess if you don't know, it's basically just like old Castlevania uh, uh, sprite sets. Or I love how shameless it is. It's just like yeah, just no zombies and vampires. Yeah, and stuff. but it's yeah. like an idle kind of like auto. Oh god, what is that? Auto gunner? Is that the Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. kind of where it's just like you the, are the, it, the 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 um catchphrase for the game or like the tagline mm. is be the bullet hell, which I think is a really great way of putting uh, it. Yeah, where yeah, it's yeah. like there's waves of enemies, but you're the you're the person just shooting out stuff at all times. So the only the only control you have to worry about is the analog stick to move around yeah. and deciding what upgrades you want when you get enough experience to level up. Yeah. And you don't need to be like pressing the fire button, you don't need to be worrying about all the weapons that you have. Yeah. They all just kind of go off at random intervals. Yeah. Um, and it's it is just so much fun. The 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 regular like the baseline movement and stuff and attacking is great. The roguelike elements of it where you're you know, every every level you get a rant, you get to pick randomly between three uh, weapons, maybe four. If your luck is high enough, that's yeah. another item you can pick. Um, and then the actual like <laughs> there are relics within the different levels that will yes. kind of change the game a bit. So in the th- third level, there is a map, yeah. uh, which will then just tell you where stuff is. And yeah. it's like game changer. It's a game changer. And like, I had the map like waypoints on for a while of like, Oh, show me where the stuff is. Right. And then I, I, you know, wasn't, I, I was basically plateauing kind of at like level 40 on, on, you know, the third area or mm. whatever. And I was like, I need to turn off these waypoints. I need to just be playing the game again yeah turned off those waypoints got to like level 75 and unlocked the next area so i was nice. like okay I was, so so it's 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 really interesting that there are like you know it, it's helpful to have that map on for like the secret stuff that are within the levels but like mm-hmm. when you're trying to progress and you're just trying to like survive yeah um having the map off for me personally is like really great but the game is just so much fun it is an incredible time sink um yeah. and and it's it's wild how simple it is uh to to be as engrossing as it is yeah it kind of reminds me of a spin on loop hero in some ways where yes. there is like a lot about it that's automated yeah and like i also think that it does handle discovery which i'm seeing as a central theme to a lot of these games it's <laughs> yes. like the element of discovery and finding like what exists in that world mm-hmm. it seems so simple and arcadey and it is but then finding like oh like there there are things i can find that add another layer to this mm-hmm. game yeah uh, it's awesome it's a great yeah. game yeah i really 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 love it once once i unlocked my first like weapon evolution once i realized yes. that's even oh a, my a God. possibility i got yeah. the, i got the like the best whip yeah the best whip uh is incredible it's much slower than the normal whip but it's like big bat wings or something sure. i don't i don't i don't know visually what it's supposed to represent but it looked like it was like big bat wings that just like destroyed anything that was even remotely close to east or west for me yeah um that was a huge holy shit moment for me with this game. Uh, and, 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 uh, yeah, I love Vampire Survivors. I could talk about it for hours, I feel like. Yeah. I unlocked the, like, 
sickle, the circular sickle yeah. thing, which is like the the leveled up axe, and like that was the moment where where I felt like I was like finally playing vampire survivors. Like yes. the, all the clips you see of like, you know, the become the bullet hell, you're just like shooting stuff out of your body constantly. I had the fully upgraded knives, which just yes. constantly yeah, fire. They never stop. You're a machine gun of knives. Yeah. And then I had the, the sickles going out. So I was just destroying everything on the screen until they started throwing early, like early loop bosses at me as the mobs. Right. <laughs> so it was just, it was incredible. Yeah. Uh, it was, oh my God, it's such a fun game and I'm going to play so, so much. Yeah, it's going to be around for a long time. Yeah. I think it's going to yeah. stick around. Yeah. I, I yeah. I'm Empire curious Survivor to see great. if it gets reskinned as like a, I feel like this could be reskinned into every genre. Yeah. Mummy survivors. Mummy survivors. I mean, kind of everybody's kind of like done that already. That's well, the, that's the thing too. Yeah, that's I think one of the interesting things about vampire survivors. I, it reminds me a lot of threes, like when threes yes. first came out, and everyone yeah. was like, you know, everyone at least in kind of like the games industry and like reporting on mobile games because I feel like a lot of people, were, well, more people were reporting on mobile games at that mm-hmm. point than they are now. Um, but I remember when threes came out, everyone was like, "This is brilliant. This is like a new kind of puzzle game. This yeah. is a huge deal." And then like literally that week, twenty forty eight came out yeah. and just like ripped off threes entirely. Was, was free. free. Yeah. ad riddled etc cetera, etc cetera. i think that person like never won in that lawsuit so like 2048 just became the game yeah. that was like the the thing that everybody references when they're talking about that style of game now which is definitely a bummer and i, I was worried it's kind of what fortnite did to PUBG. Yeah, it's also true yeah <laughs> i was worried that that's what was going to happen with vampire survivors because yeah. for the past couple of months all i've seen in the the top games on the app store are all ripoffs of vampire survivors yeah. it's like here's the sci-fi one here's the one that's yeah. just ghosts here's what i wonder if that was incentive mm-hmm. to be on mobile I mean, other than I'm sure it must have been. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I think they had the advantage of not being on mobile. And so then making the move to mobile, they could see what people liked about the other stuff and kind of probably using the threes 2048 thing yeah. of like, well, if we make our game free and then make the ads revivals. Yeah. Like, yeah, I watch an ad every single time. Do you? Yeah. yeah. Basically, every run I watch an ad because if I, I want to like keep 15 going. minutes in a run. I'll watch an ad. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm just really happy that this game came out on mobile and yeah. became a big deal again. Yes. Because I was really worried that it was going to get buried under its imitators. Mm-hmm. And it, I, I think it's really, really uh, I think it's really impressive that this game came out on mobile so late. Yeah. Amidst all of that and yeah. still is reigning supreme and is like now the number one game on the App Store. I yeah. think that's so cool. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Number uh, six. Oh, yeah, it's my turn. Wow. Uh, Cool. Number six for me. This is where we start to get into the realm of like these games mean so much to me that they Mm. need they need to be like higher on the list. But even then, it was like so fucking difficult to order this stuff. But number six for me is Citizen Sleeper. There you go. Citizen Sleeper. Great uh, kind of visual novel esque game uh, with I think one of the most brilliant mechanics of all time uh, when it comes to representing what they're going for thematically. Uh, and we've talked about this a lot on the show before, but I, I think it's worth reiterating if you've never heard of Citizen Sleeper. The way it works is every morning you wake up with a, a roll of the dice, literally, where you're given a couple die and based on you know one through six, what they show up with um, is essentially like how good your day is going to be. So you play as a frame, which is the uploaded consciousness of a person that once existed or maybe still does exist. They still exist. exist. They are asleep in a cryo chamber. Exactly. (laughs) And 
uh, you are trying to make your way on this big space station called the Eye, which is like notoriously just like a shit place to live. Really difficult to like find your way, especially if you're starting with nothing, which you are in Citizen Sleeper. So they really create this, I, I think, strong this strong thematic link to the idea of, you know, somebody who's, you know, living either outside of their means or well below their means and trying their best to, to, to make it work. Um, waking up in the morning, you know, like ending a day in citizen sleeper and waking up and having literally six ones and being like, I'm fucked. Like I have no idea. Like I don't have enough food. I don't have enough energy. I I don't know what on earth I'm going to be able to do. I'm probably just going to die like tomorrow. Mm -hmm. If things don't turn around, you wake up the next day and you have like three sixes and you're like, oh my God, because the way it works is you take a die and you will insert it into an action you want to do. So that could be as simple as like, I'm just going to go and like have a conversation with this person or I'm going to go like to this area that I've never been before and just try and like learn the lay of the land. I just want to like figure out what's even in this area of the eye or something as complex as i'm gonna work for this person in their like ship workshop and see if i can like fix up their ship and they'll pay me for a day of good work if i do good work you know if you have a six essentially is like playing D, like you crit and you do great and you'll maybe like get paid a little bit extra because you did so great or if you're in an area that you haven't figured out um you'll like learn all the ins and outs of that place just by visiting it once amazing but if you have like a four or a three it's gonna be like kind of a mixed result you may not even make it work you might fuck up when you're working in the ship and like hurt yourself or something uh, or get your pay docked in that case where like mm-hmm. you've broken something so badly that like you need to pay the guy who had hired you to work there things like that i think are really 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 striking um and and create this constant sense of unease um that that really i i, I think it is the kind of thing that was like shaking me to my core the entire time i was playing it um and atop all of this and this is a little bit of a through line for me at least for the year atop all of this great mechanic and thematic exploration is just a fucking good story Mm -hmm. that can play out in a billion different ways depending on who you're helping on what days um a lot of the actions that you can do are on timers are on like world timers that you know if you don't interact with this thing enough days in a row it might just go away forever and you've missed your chance and that's just how life works baby like sometimes you just can't do everything you want to do you're going to need to if you want to see more of this game play it more than once and i don't know how compelled i am to do that i've played it one and a half times um and i i kind of on my second playthrough was like i think i need to actually put this down and just accept what my first playthrough was mm. which i think to me is always a sign that a game's story is really really strong when i when i'm like actually yeah. i had my time with this and it turned out away and i just need to accept that mm-hmm. absolutely if the game lets you for some endings lets you keep playing after yeah mm-hmm. and i found that like i had a similar thing where like the first ending i got i felt like that is exactly how this story should end yeah and every other ending i've got is sort of like i'm curious steven is curious yeah, yeah. right right right. um because I, I, I always saw undertale the idea mm. of a yeah exactly yeah. um the flower asked me why i'm still there right yeah. uh, in the greenhouse the mushroom asked me why i'm still there <laughs> uh, but uh i always kind of saw the the framing device of like you are an emulated consciousness as sort of a creative way to sci-fi the role of the player in a game mm. where it's like at least it's the way i read it where it was like you know we the game is asking us to kind of imagine who that person was mm. and in the absence of telling us we kind of put ourselves there yeah one of one of the first dialogue options in the beginning is 
the the frame remembering who they were and your two options are like lean into that or just or just forget forget them entirely yeah. and and the second time i played it i was like fuck that guy <laughs> forget him yeah i think too like it shows you know there are a lot of pieces of media that open with like in a world where corporations run everything it's like oh yeah. in a world yeah. cool like that's not just <laughs> right now yeah i think this game <laughs> does so well in showing us our present in some ways yeah but also showing us how like this is a world where this character's sense of like i can take comfort in saying i am who i am Mm -hmm. is taken from them that was sold yeah and this is a station where they don't have the sun rising or the like days are robbed days are just cycles in a corporate calendar yeah and like the fact that the game can still find hope within that it feels so earned yeah just like somebody doing you a kindness once will like change the 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 scope of the game for you entirely absolutely and And i think in addition to this i think i've said this before on the show but in addition to this theme of like every day is sort of a roll of the dice in the system the only way you can really succeed is through the help of other people yeah and the only way they can succeed is through your help right yeah which sounds really simple and corny but i think because that is operating in tandem with like your help is a limited resource like yeah i was just about to say yeah. I, I, th- I think it speaks so much to like who in society can help others right yeah. like it it's it's almost a privilege to be able to help somebody else right. in some cases to have humanity is a is a thing that's that's bought or earned yeah yeah um i will say more about this game later cool. but great, i i also love it and i think you have a really great insightful take on like what it is exploring we i mean we could have a whole episode on it i imagine maybe one day we we could yeah um, yeah, you can talk about it forever. Yeah, it's it's yes. it's one of the best narrative experiences I've had this year. Yeah, yeah. and I, I I'm just so interested in how many games we're trying to do this this year. You yeah. know, so mm-hmm. I mean, Strange Horticulture I even put in that same kind of realm of like a game that is that game is also exploring like capitalism and and your place in it uh, at times, even though it's like a fantasy flower shop. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that just is like a strange through line mm-hmm. for the year. That I'm, I think I'm we're very seeing into. the games that Disco Elysium inspired, which is a game that you mm-hmm. and I haven't spent like a ton of time with. But I do think like I think that that game did sort of make popular this idea of like text heavy RPGs. Yeah. And those existed before and after. But I do think that that's like I do see They're that back, kind of baby. thread of inspiration. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We out here. Yeah. As an art. My favorite company outside of Microsoft. Hey, creators of Game Pass. Citizen Sleeper. Citizen, Citizen Sleeper is my number six, and that's our that's our ten through six. The yeah. virtual fireplace went out. Yes, yeah, as we off. announced Citizen Sleeper, which is like perfect. Yeah, thematic. I feel pretty wild. No signal. Yeah. No, no signal. signal. Yeah, I guess the Xbox source to check your source. Yeah. All right. Amazing. Yeah, let's take a break. Well, and let's take a lunch. break. We will be back with number five very soon, dear Great. listener. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Hello, hello, this is Brendan from the future. Uh, I don't know when 
this little bit is going to get slotted into the episode, but I hope you're enjoying the Goatee episode so far. It was a lot of fun to record. I'm so glad it's out there. I'm glad you're listening to it. Thank you so much for being here. I'm here now recording this to give you some updates on the Patreon. At the behest of some of you, our, our dear listeners, and talking with our friends and amongst ourselves, I think we realized that the current structure of the Patreon wasn't really working for us. So we wanted to shake things up a little bit. I think first and foremost, just wanted to say thanks to everybody who's ever backed the Patreon. I mean, we, we've said this many times, but we, we weren't even planning on starting one until we were asked by you to create one. Uh, so we made one and the turnout has been incredible. Um, and we've had a couple like really spectacular moments throughout the existence of the Patreon. And for those of you who have been there all along with all of that, that means so, so much, like more than we can even express. Uh, but but like, just thank you. Thank you. Thank you for for helping us hit all of those goals, including at the time of this recording, we've also hit our, our bonus goal to make a mid-season console review of the Nintendo 3DS. So Stephen and I are now like well underway putting together that episode as well which is really exciting. Uh, so thank you so much for that, because honestly, we were just looking forward to making that episode. But but to have you all support the show to make that happen is really, really, really cool. So thank you so much. So what's changing with the Patreon? Uh, we're still going to have one, five, and $10 tiers. Uh, the way it works right now is $1 gets you access to a Patreon bonus feed where you can hear the bonus episodes that we make for the Patreon. The $5 tier gets you access to an Airtable, which has a list of every game we've ever talked about on the show, you can click into each game, see when it was released, what platforms it's available for, and what episodes we talked about it on. You can see all of our lists from Goatee episodes to the console season premieres. You can see a, a list of games that we're excited to be talking about uh, as they come out throughout the year. So it's kind of like a release calendar in a way. And every once in a while, we'll also throw in there just some of the stuff that we're working on. So some of the Patreon bonuses, some of the regular bonuses, you'll get kind of an inside look at what we're, what we're doing to make the show. And the $10 tier at the moment, does nothing uh and and you know looking at it we were like something's got to change here so here's what we came up with the one dollar tier is no longer going to get future patreon bonuses but will still contain every patreon bonus we've made up until this point including the immortality spoiler cast and the 3ds episode and those will be the final two episodes released on that feed so if you're paying at the $1 tier, you will get access to everything we've made and those two episodes, which is kind of like a nice amuse-bouche. So if you join at the $1 tier, you kind of get an idea of the kinds of bonus episodes that we do. Things like the Advent Children commentary track. We have a spoiler cast about Persona 3, 4, and 5. There's a Q&A about how we make this podcast. Things like that. After the 3DS special, all Patreon bonuses are going to be released at the $5 tier. So the $5 tier will still get you access to the Airtable and will get you access to all future Patreon bonuses. The new $10 tier is actually going to be the return of a thing we used to do, which is shoutouts in the show notes. So if you're back at the $10 tier, you'll have your name in the show notes of every episode going forward. If you don't want that, you can just hit us up, shoot us a message on Patreon, and we'll, we'll take your name out of there, no problem. But also, and I know this is a long time coming, but we do have a merch store on the way. I don't know how open we've been about talking about our uh, financial issue trying to like legitimize into the air as a business but we've had like a cavalcade of nonsense essentially just put up roadblock after roadblock after roadblock in terms of us trying to set this store up that is all going to get worked out very soon thankfully so the merch store actually is on the way i'm really excited about that and you will get a discount on the merch store if you're backing at $10 as well. So that's going to be the new structure. You have $1. If you're backing at $1, thank you so much for doing that. You have access to this backlog of cool bonus stuff. $5 will get you access to all future bonus stuff alongside the Airtable. And $10 will be a shout out in the show notes and a discount on the merch store. 
And one final thing, because we know there's a lot of people backing currently at the $1 tier to get access to those Patreon bonus episodes. If you were already backing the show at the time of this episode coming out at $1 to get access to those Patreon episodes, you will still get future Patreon episodes. Thankfully, Patreon allows us to grandfather you into that tier so you can continue paying $1 and continue getting that new stuff. But if we add any like Patreon videos or anything else to the 5 or $10 tiers, uh, that stuff will be locked behind those tiers. So that's just worth keeping in mind. Just want to say thank you again so, so, so much for backing the show at all. Thank you for considering it at any tier. You're amazing. Again, we wouldn't have done this without you. Um, and it's because of you that the show can continue to exist. It's worth mentioning, in case this is your first episode, our Patreon bonuses are different from our monthly bonuses. So we have, you know, our weekly episodes of the show, along with a bonus episode about a specific game or idea every month, and also, sometimes in there, a Patreon bonus, which is a separate kind of thing. So those bonus episodes every month are not going anywhere. Those are going to continue to be free and public. As we've always said, if anyone backs the Patreon at any level, just one person, we will continue making those every month. And uh, that has not changed. All right, I've rambled on long enough at this point. Uh, head over to patreon.com slash into the cast if you want to support the show. Thank you again. And uh, back to Goaty. We are back. We are now in the territory of five to one game of the year. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Set off the gamer alarm. Oh, no. <laughs> What could that even indicate is coming? <laughs> gamers. <Yep. laughs> Gamer, the gamers are coming. Well, speaking of uh, the gaming alarm, we do have some <laughs> poll results. Yes. Uh, so in the Discord, we, we had a poll for everyone to vote for their top five favorite games of the year. Uh, we had over 200 participants this year, That's which awesome. was amazing. It's awesome. Uh, we basically doubled from last year. Um, so wild. So I will need to find a way to automate this process more easily. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I I put the the top five, so top five games that got the most, the way it worked is a weighted voting system. So first place got five points, second got four, and so on. So the games that scored the highest had the most points, and whenever there was a tie, it would be the most votes, but that never happened. So we had the top five, and then I also included a few games that were like, extremely close yeah because there were a lot that were kind of around the same so without further ado aj what are the results of it's the me uh so at the uh, we'll start off with the three honorable mentions sure mm. uh at what eighth i guess the eighth highest is neon white with 31 votes wow. uh, total score of 89 points wow yeah uh a game that both of you had at number list. nine at yeah. number nine yeah, yeah. Surround so the same. We are weirdly apt. Yeah. 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 Like, <laughs> cool. what, a, what a supremely average game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's what we're saying out here. Yeah. Uh, number seven is Pokemon Legends Arceus. Yeah. Uh, 43 votes, 121 total points. Wow. I'll point out here that Scarlet and Violet also got a decent amount. And I think the only reason they're not top five is because I think that vote was split a little bit between, between those between two, the two games. Yeah. It's interesting. It's very interesting. But still did very well. Yeah. And in sixth place, we have Xenoblade Chronicles 3, mm. 35 votes, 130 points. The third one. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. The third one. Uh, and then uh, in the top five here yeah, in fifth place, it. we've got Tunic with 40 votes, 137 points. Mm. Fourth place, Citizen Sleeper, 45 votes, wow. 139 points. Hell yeah. So yeah. Only, only two points more than Tunic. Interesting. Third place, Marvel Snap. 46 votes, Whoa. 142 total points. 
Yeah, this is like everyone's third or second favorite game. This is basically. interesting. I, yeah. I, I want I want everyone who's listening to know exactly what the vibe is right now. Steven and AJ both know this information, and they're both <laughs> looking at me for my reaction after every single one. Yeah. Uh, and I hope that I'm reacting sufficiently. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Um, number two, uh, God of War Ragnarok. Auga. <laughs> <laughs> also interestingly also God of War Ragnarok God of War Ragnarok also 46 votes so Marvel Snap and Ragnarok had the same amount of votes interesting uh, but Ragnarok came out with 157 so 15 points more total than wow. Marvel Snap okay yeah that was surprising to me that, yeah. that was number two yeah yeah uh, me too <laughs> and then number one <laughs> yeah uh, Listen El- to these numbers. Just prepare yourself. Elden Ring, uh-huh. number one Discord yeah. game of the year. Yes, yes, yes. One hundred and thirty-five total votes. Okay, yeah. How many points do you think this game got? <laughs> oh God, I don't even. I get five hundred and ninety-seven. Holy shit! <laughs> uh, it was at least eighty people's first choice. Yeah, yeah. it oh is four hundred and forty more points than God of War Ragnarok. Wow. Yeah. I think this is the biggest. Is this one we should talk about Elden Ring? Because none of us have it in our top five. <laughs> yeah, we actually. It's uh, great that the Discord did it in lieu of us not having it on yeah, our list. Yeah. <laughs> we actually all. Uh, well, what do you even say? You know? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty good. That's great. What a great list. I'm, yeah. I'm yeah. really interested in God of War Ragnarok. I'm so glad that resonated with so many people. Yeah. yeah. And there were just, I mean, a lot of other games got around like 70. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a really big spread. And this is kind of emblematic of this year, right? I think. A lot of people's game of the year is Elden Ring, but then there's this like huge kind of like last year. There's like not a huge consistency on on the rest. Yeah, which is cool. Yeah, it is cool. Uh, so just a quick recap: fifth place Tunic, fourth place Citizen Sleeper, third place Marvel Snap, second place God of War Ragnarok, and first place Elden Ring. Wow! Wow! Amazing. Thanks, Discord. Shout out to the person whose Thanks, game Discord. of the year was modding the Game Boy Advance. That, was, <laughs> that made me laugh. That's awesome. In in the late hours of looking at a Google spreadsheet yeah. that was needed. That's thank great. you. Wow, those results are are really that cool. Yeah, that's really great. Again, thank you to all who participated. Yeah. It's, it's always fun to include you in this way. Yeah. yeah, really sick. And I guess that leads to me. Speaking of top five, yeah, right? we're in it. We're Whoa. in it. We're in it. Okay. Well, number five. This is climactic for us because we have taken about an hour yeah. break and eaten an incredible hoagie. Oh man, what game was about eating lunch? <laughs> Well, I would say for the listener, this might be anticlimactic because number five is Citizen Sleeper, a game you oh, just okay. heard us talk about. <laughs> a game very much about eating lunch. With your good kind friend, of is, your yeah. good friend Emphis. Emphis yeah. Yes, Emphis and, and mushroom soup, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a lot of mushrooms in Citizen Sleeper. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think I don't want to just reverberate what we already said about it because I think you summed up what makes this game so special. But I, I will say that, like, I think a strong work of satire is not always about one thing and i think just the idea of like the the sleeper's body being this android that needs a specific medication to live Mm -hmm. that is only supplied legally by the corporation that makes the android body yeah i think that can be a parallel to so many modern issues i mean Mm -hmm. what first came to my mind was like the fact that health insurance is tied to employment and Mm -hmm. that like we if we break away from from a corporate stronghold on our daily life we are putting ourselves at risk and our body at risk yeah. mm-hmm. and at what point does that imply that corporations like own us as people That's right and those are just one of many themes that are popping up constantly in this game yeah but i think what i'll circle back to is that i think the the element of hope in this game is so powerful because 
it's not trying to sugarcoat things. It's not saying like, well, with the power of friendship, you can overcome all of this. It's sort, yeah. it's sort of like it's saying like this is the only shot we have is right. each other. Yeah. And the the ending I got, I won't spoil, but I I found it to be remarkable. All I'll say is that a lot of the game, your mission is to survive and to possibly leave the eye, right. the space station you're on. And in my ending, for a variety of reasons, I chose to stay. And that was like a really wonderful full circle mm. where it's like, even if this place is is so rotten and lifeless, yeah. there is hope here. And yeah. to abandon it completely is kind of accepting defeat at the hands of the corporations. Yeah. Like, mm. to be nihilistic is is the wrong path in mm. some ways it's not even to mention this game's like wild approach at like ai as like you know almost like deities yeah. in some way and like yeah, there's the, a the whole hunter. other worlds on, on that end yeah the, the hunter character yeah mm-hmm. like so our, cool early in the game is like such a fascinating idea um i i, I guess I, I don't mind getting a little bit more in depth i think for goatee sure. conversation at least but the the introduction of the hunter the hunter is essentially like an ai program that exists to eliminate other other sentient beings that aren't linked to like physical human bodies so you as like a human mind in a, a machine body are like kind of an anomaly that the hunter needs to eradicate. So a lot of the beginning of the game, like the first like couple hours of the game center around you trying to figure out how to undo the hunter's grip on you via your relationship with a vending machine. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the most compelling stories. It's in the game. incredible. Yeah. An- another similar one is there is a hitman sent after you because you have a tracking device. Oh my God. Yeah. You're on the run from this corporation and there's a hitman that shows up. And I would say like most people you meet, like you're given this impression that sleepers are not really given the same human rights as others, even though like it seems like no one is, mm-hmm. but like sleepers, like there's, there's really nothing guaranteed to you yeah, they're at the yeah. bottom of the social strata. So like the people who are nice to you are like especially kind people, like the woman who owns the bar. Yes. Um, and that was one of my favorite, like early stories and Emphis, yeah. you know, and mm-hmm. I think it's not a coincidence. Those are two characters that are tied to like nourishment in some way. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but basically I think the way that they set up the killer and the AI world and also this hitman who shows up like if a clock a red clock reaches an end before you're able to remove the tracking device like there's a version of this game where I think you can just remove it in time and and not see him yeah and you'll feel like okay good I I did what the game wanted me to but the game interprets failed roles and failed states as opportunities for storytelling and not like right. you lost yes mm-hmm. so the hitman showing up very rarely it, are you just gonna like drop dead and be done with the game right yeah and and the hitman's story I I think he was a standout for me because they never redeem him, but you do pity him. And you see that, Mm. like, this guy is also beholden to the cycles and to a paycheck. And, like, what at a certain point, this is early on, but slight spoiler, but at a certain point, you're no longer his mark, basically. Mm. And there's, like, a chance at redemption. And the way that plays out is so... And maybe it's different. Like, I don't know if there's only one way for that to play out, but the story I experienced was really heartbreaking. And I think showed nuance to a character that was set up to be like a threat and a villain and a game over screen Mm -hmm. and was instead another opportunity for them to explore like what creates a person like this yeah you know because i I feel like that character had just enough going on that in a different space station where there was i don't know anything resembling a society he might have been a normal person right or at least like able to exist 
peacefully with others. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So much of Citizen Sleeper is questioning the systems that put us in the positions that we're in right. and, and how you can break out of them. I mean, the, the fact that the eye is literally like a big circle that is constantly going like a treadmill, I think is not, you know, that's it's not an unintentional choice, visually speaking, but so many characters you meet, even the villains in these cases, are people who are just products of the system at play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and what I really appreciate about the game is like, as nice as it would be, most of the stories, as far as I know, don't end with like, and we've dismantled the system and everyone's living in a utopia now. They're yeah. all like, bittersweet. You just, you just yeah. do the best you can. Yeah. Right. For yourself and for others. And I think, I, I like this game's constant, we joked about the mushrooms, but I think there's something going on there with the greenhouse at the far end and yeah. the fact that like, the stubbornness of life to continue despite everything yeah. is kind of the most hopeful message of the game. It's like, mm-hmm. even when the days have been robbed from us and we can't even trust we are the person we thought we were, mm. like, there is a way for life to be nourished if we work for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if we help each other, which, mm-hmm. you know, again, sounds very basic, but telling that story through just dice rolls yeah. and dialogue is really well done. And there's so much nuance in the different ways that that through line is interpreted also. Like, you know, some people you meet are very helpful, like Emphis, for example, yeah. who, you know, gives you your first meal for free, but it's like, next time you come back, tell me a story. Yeah. You know, like that, that's the deal. It's like, you have to pay me with money next time, but also you need to pay me for this one with a story next time I see you, which is really nice. But also like, you know, that that's just one person doing like a nice thing for you. Whereas on the flip side, you have somebody like Dragos, who's like the first person you meet mm-hmm. the person who like takes you out of the containment unit that you travel to the eye in in the first place and is like yeah i'll put you up for a little while you just have to work for me and you have to work off this debt yeah. and then eventually is like i don't feel good about having you here anymore you know like you gotta that, go yeah that that even is like i think a really interesting take on yeah somebody can do you a kindness but it doesn't mean they're a kind person right. you know it also means they're just trying to survive as well yeah and there's something kind of mirrored with like you starting in this shipyard where they're just sort of deconstructing ships yeah and then literally going to a broken greenhouse where there are decomposers mm-hmm. and like that constant theme of not life after death but just sort of like what life exists after yeah something mm-hmm. has died right yeah do you really believe in life after love <laughs> I I keep thinking about Elite Beat Agents just in general, but I feel like I, <laughs> my constant anxiety through this whole episode is I'm actually going to say Elite Beat Agents when we get to a certain number. Oh my God. And uh, now you've just made it, you know, you've secreted <laughs> my anxiety out loud. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm going to talk about this game <laughs> later. Yeah. Uh, but it is a game about, like, cycles and stuff, like yeah. you were saying. And it's, it's good. That's a good one. That's Citizen Sleeper, That's number five one. for me. Oh, hell yeah. Stray. Stray. Uh, uh, Cats 2019. Cats, tw- <laughs> Cats, Cats 2022. 2022. Cats 2022, yeah. Um, I... Cat 2020. <laughs> Cats, thank <laughs> you. Just yes. the one. 
if you haven't listened to the synchronous episode where we talk about <laughs> Stray, uh, Kim did make a really great picture of just the original Cats on Broadway uh, VHS recording. It's amazing. With the word Stray over top. It's <laughs> yeah. really, really great. But no, Stray uh, is a game that I had been looking forward to for a while. Uh, the trailers for it dropped last year or the year before. And it's like, hey, you're a cat and there are been robots. cooking for a while. Yeah. It's been cooking for a while. Yeah. Um, and so that initial promise of you're a cat and there are robots uh, was enough to get me hyped about this game. And I just think it's a really great piece about uh, collective action and uh, how even the smallest beings or creatures can make huge differences in a in a seemingly hopeless situation that was set up by people and things that you couldn't even control. Yeah. And I think that's really what cemented this at number five for me uh is is that message outside of any of the gameplay or, or any of the stuff i think this this the story uh and the themes explored within that story are are really really great yeah um, and i had a great time with it oh yeah doc uh, brown is in it doc brown literally is in it yeah <laughs> one of like one of the run of the robots you're looking for his name is doc and he is just doc brown which he's, he's was doc like brown. okay cool <laughs> but, do you get it do you get it yeah no that's there's, there's like <laughs> There's a couple of things in this game where I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. Um, but ultimately, the ending uh, and and the the final the final hours of the game uh, are great. And at the end, the cat slow blinks at you, so that's nice. That's nice. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, I love the world and the and the premise of this game. I was excited mm-hmm. for it uh, for a while too. Yeah, it didn't click with me the same way, but I'm really glad you had that experience with it. Yeah, yeah. There's, it's also a really interesting piece about like humanity and stuff and mm-hmm. i'm not going to say what steven asked me not to say uh on the podcast which was uh there's no inherent value in humanity existing um, <laughs> this, oh, oh look i listen to asynchronous when i'm getting warmed up for the day and hearing that sentiment more than once does throw me off a bit as i'm yeah. having my cup of joe before yeah. logging in but i think there's definitely a read of this game where you could come away with that being the message but i don't i really don't think that is what the ultimate message of it is i think I, divorced from humanity it's just like regardless of the forces that you can or cannot control or or could or could not control in the past you can control what you do now and the people around you can control what they do now yeah honestly what you shared with me about this game's plot not to completely shift gears to near automata but it's similar ideas and i think both games are like in a setting where humans are either missing or or purposely absent in some way yeah i I would never have made that connection but you're totally right yeah I i think one of the more fun things about the game at least for my time with it was just the the slow realization that like oh yes all of these robots are just mirroring human behavior Mm -hmm. and and that's both like you know part of the narrative but it's also just a way of holding up a mirror to the player um, and and to society at large i i I liked it (laughs) i thought that that was fun i I think this is one of those things where like i think it's pretty notable that steven and i didn't talk about it on the show at all it kind of tells you what you need to know about how we felt about it but i i did play like i think eight hours of this game my my issue with stray was i think i like all the same things you like about it aj i found the central gameplay of it did not serve those ideas Mm. like the actual platforming and puzzles Mm -hmm. i found kind of whatever yeah, I would say that stuff, f- I I guess, grinded up 
less against it because it was like I got yeah, to I got to jump and meow as the cat one time. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, okay, that's fine. I the game does not need to do anything more <laughs> for me to like, you know. And that's and that's yes. why I mean it's all subjective because I think there are plenty of games like I, I brought to the show on uh, the DS episode, The World Ends With You. Mm-hmm. Actively bad and painful controls and <laughs> somehow a narrative yeah. experience. Yeah. And it worked for me. And yeah. I also totally understand why that would be the point of tension for like anyone else. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. So it, it just sometimes games find you at a point where you're willing to like really zero in on what it's doing well and what it's mm-hmm. working for you yeah. yeah and i think i am also just kind of a sucker for post post-apocalypse stories yeah um and then also this year there is a theme of games talking about what it means to be a person yeah i think it's in interesting yeah there, there are a lot of these you know if you want to count stray as like a sci-fi game alongside citizen sleeper mm-hmm. and even xenoblade chronicles 3 mm-hmm. which i might talk about in a hot minute uh <gasps> really they're all games that are kind of like the the shitty thing already happened kind of right. breath of the wild it's like the 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 powers at b you would normally spend a final fantasy to prevent doing the big thing <laughs> right did the big thing so what on earth do we do now right and i think that that's actually a better question to ask right now because we're living in like a late capitalism society mm-hmm. where it's like you know i think focusing on what it means to be a human, what humanity means and how can we show that and help each other right. when the system is so rigged against that. Right. Is, exactly. Is powerful. Yeah. I think, I think you hit the nail right on the head. I think this, the stories of what can we do now in the face of seeming hopelessness resonate with me more than like, let's destroy this big angel before, a, <laughs> before a con- before a meteor hits the earth. You know, it's like, I, hey, I'm except for all that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm more compelled by those kind of smaller stories. Um, yeah. In, in a lot of ways. What do you ways. think his hair routine is? Huh? Sephiroth? Sephiroth? Yeah. Mane and tail. Yeah. 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 It's probably. It's got to be. Yeah. 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 Stray. 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 <laughs> is your number, is your <laughs> number five <laughs> game. Yeah. Yeah. Very jellical. Very, very, very jellical pick. I think the most jellical pick you could have this Absolutely. Game. Yeah. number five. Oh wow yeah I'm excited my number five this is i was saying to steven while we were uh waiting to uh, go get lunch this is this is where it starts to get weird for me this list uh so i'm excited to bring to the table shovel knight dig hell yeah at okay. number five for me i i think if you've listened to the show for a while or if you exist uh as a subscriber of our youtube channel you've seen me play this game a lot and you've heard me talk about this game a lot and i was up in the air for a while if i was gonna like acknowledge it as a, as a top 10 contender but i i feel very strongly that this is a game that is going like totally under the radar despite the yeah. shovel knight moniker right um and i've seen i've seen reviews of this game and i've seen conversation about this game that like really bounce off of it and i don't want to be like people that like don't get it but people that don't click with it the same way i did and i think that's the big distinction here mm-hmm. is like what clicked with me about shovel knight dig and the reason i played it literally every day and did the daily challenge every day for like two months is i think that it is like a bare bones almost like perfect roguelike platformer I think what they've managed to accomplish mechanically is something that so few games actually do and so many games try mm. to accomplish. So many games are inspired by Spelunky. And the, it's just like talking about fucking Chrono Trigger. Yeah. You know, it's like so many games are inspired by Chrono Trigger and they just like 
don't get it, you know? Mm. And Shovel Knight Dig to me like really understands why Spelunky was such a huge deal and manages to somehow create that exact same feeling for me, at least, um, in, in a game that is like as outlandishly cartoonish and weird and just like totally, totally bizarre in the amount of the amount of uh, places you can go, the bosses you can fight, and the the items and equipment that you can unlock. It just, to me, feels like a perfect clock that's working in, in unison. And I know that there are times where it doesn't feel super balanced, and like that's where I think I, I, I kind of get where people feel about like, oh, I don't know if this is working for me. There are times where it's like, oh yeah, it'll it'll like generate, you know, it, each room is generated the same way kind of uh, like a Binding of Isaac is, where like there are rooms that it's pulling from and connecting them all together. And there are some times where you'll get two rooms that are connected to one another it's like oh you actually just can't win i've had a couple <laughs> i had a couple runs in my daily challenges where like there were there were runs that were like daily challenges where like it's clear everyone died on the same part because you just can't make it past it mm. and like those are things that can get patched out eventually i imagine but what really is here the bones of what's here i think is just this like master class in how it feels to create a platforming roguelike and i i stand by that and i, I think like years and years and years go by i hope that more people go back and play this and like have the aha moment that i've had about it um because even like earlier this week i went to go play it again just to like see exactly where it was going to land on my on my top 10 and uh, i hit number two in the daily just nice. to be clear. but nice. i made it all the way to the end of the game in this daily run and the feeling i had like knowing what was possible reminded me so much of the moments that I've clicked best with roguelikes like Hades and Spelunky in the past where it's like once you have the vernacular and once you have learned the language of a roguelike and you don't even need to think about it like yeah. it just becomes inherent to the play mm-hmm. you're you're flying you know it's like there's no better feeling than that I think in, in most games um, and there, there are very few games outside of roguelikes that get it and and even fewer I think in the roguelike genre that get that and Shovel Knight Dig is one of them I think. Mm. Uh, yeah, I wonder if we're like numb to the Shovel Knight spectacle. This like, we're spoiled by it because there have been so yeah. many like spinoffs and and different. Sh- even you know, I talked about Treasure Trove earlier, and like even just the base Shovel Knight is like a perfect platformer. Yeah, like it's amazing. We're still not just like gushing about. Right. I mean, we are in some ways. Like it did very well. You literally are. Yeah, <laughs> it's on your list. <laughs> um, I haven't gotten to dig yet, but I mean, it it looks so fun, and also following your daily challenges with it have been yeah it's a, a delight so yeah. like thank you i think kind of similar to what you shared about monster hunter it seems like this game has been a really positive ritual for you like as a person yeah mm. totally yeah i love i love having the ritual of getting up in the morning and immediately like hitting record on something and just being like brain dump you know that, yeah. that's really fun but even outside of that having a game like shovel knight dig to kind of tether that to have it like symbiosis where a thing uh, with a thing where like if you go back and watch the first couple of videos there, I do very poorly and like do multiple runs in one video, et cetera, et cetera. And at a certain point, there are like enemies that I used to avoid that I'm now like just, you know, talking about how I felt about the TV show I watched the previous day while taking out this enemy without even thinking. Those moments are what it's all about for me. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that mastery of, of the mechanics and also what's possible, like understanding that that possibility space mm. is uh is really like the sign of a good well-designed game so shovel night shovel night dig i think i think is like uh, it's up there for me it's Hell like yeah. really I, I i wish i could have put it even higher but i'm looking at my <laughs> remaining list and i can't yeah. uh but i i will champion this game forever I think, it's, I think it's awesome yeah i wonder sometimes though if it wasn't a shovel knight game if it would be like even, it, yeah, that's even what I bigger mean. deal like, yeah if it almost had the opposite effect they wanted it to yeah where it's like what is the spinoff versus like if it was like 
you know, any other IP. Yeah. Mm. But the thing is, like, the Shovel Knight stuff works so well in it. It the, does. The idea of every time you jump, you do kind of the pogo down. Mm-hmm. And even the ways in which it improves upon Shovel Knight's mechanics, I think, is really powerful. Like, in Shovel Knight, for example, if you wanted to jump in the air and then pogo downwards, you needed to, like, do a bunch of button inputs while you're in the air to make that happen. And Shovel Knight Dig, it's just, if you jump, you're pogoing, no matter what. Stuff like that, really smart. And uh, yeah, it's great. I wonder if they'll ever add the other knights to play as in Shovel Knight Dig. Like I would lose my mind. Plague Knight or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, King Knight. It's also fun. Have you? Uh, when you're done with with Treasure Trove, go and play this because this is technically a prequel. To oh, that. interesting. So it's like Shovel Knight and Shield Knight like hanging out. I was gonna say it is actually more thematically accurate to Shovel Knight's vibe that you're just digging this big, you know, spelunky pit. Yes, basically. exactly. It's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Shovel Knight Dig number five. Number five. This is Kim from Frog of the Week and Asynchronous. This is a tough goatee year for me because uh, I played a lot of games that in the moment I was playing them, I was like, oh, this is the best thing I've played all year. And that just sort of kept happening. And I never really whittled it down to a list. But reflecting back now, I think in terms of my favorite gameplay experience this year and um, a world that I find myself wanting to revisit, uh, I think my game of the year is Stray. Uh, I loved the distinct sense of place that I got from that game. And um, I think that's something that really uh, helps me feel so connected to that place was the way that the game encourages and rewards sort of quiet moments, moments of contemplation. Um, Anyone who's played probably knows the moments I'm talking about where you can just like have your little cat lay down and take a nap and take a moment to just like absorb the world that that they've created. And I also really love the hopeful message of this game about how, you know, even after great tragedy, there is always rebuilding that can be done. Even if there is great loss, beautiful things can come out of that. I think that that's a really powerful message after the last few years. Um, And it really spoke to me. Thanks so much, Brendan and Stephen, for having me on. And congratulations on another great year. Bye. Are we back to me? Yeah. Number four. Number four. World premiere. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we're finally catching up with games. I said, I'm going to talk about this later. Mm. Number four is Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Number four? Yeah. Interesting. I will say this now, now that we're here. I thought you were going to give me a number one holy shit moment. Yeah, I mean, so I was going to say this is the only game on this list that was also number one at one point. Um, This game's opening is so good yeah like the the opening act of xenoblade chronicles 3 it's like non-stop some of the most gripping storytelling i usually don't like i think we're past the era of like relying solely on cutscenes, but this game manages to really do well with it yeah because i think there's there's enough like there's enough like of an equation there where like you get to play for a good amount of time and often the cutscenes will lead right into a boss battle which is nice 
and also does the nice thing of modern rpgs where if you lose against the boss battle it brings you right back to the menu screen so you can like readjust things and then try again Mm -hmm. but this game i mean you and i i think had both kind of written off xenoblade and then were excited at the idea of not writing off xenoblade it was all up to this game (laughs) yeah pretty much and uh it's just it's just miraculous i think it's easily one of the best games on switch and definitely one of the best rpgs like you said like when people look when people do a switch episode one day yeah this is going to be on there yeah and i think the story like even though we talked about the pacing issues the main story never really stops delivering i just think it it does i i sometimes think like man if this if this happened earlier Mm -hmm. or this Mm -hmm. like because i think in addition to the pacing my other gripe with the game is i don't and this might be a hot take. I'm sorry, Xenoblade fans out there. But I don't know if the single player MMO really adds to the experience. Like I love the world. And sometimes I do like just kind of putting my brain in a collectathon mode and running around and exploring. Yeah. But like what you're playing the game for is the story and the combat. And like, well, I enjoyed the little side missions where you like recruit heroes who join your team and then you get those classes. Like yeah. that loop is really fun. But like there was a point towards the middle where I was just doing hero missions and they started to really blend together at a certain point. Yeah. There's and, kind of a lack of weight to when you're done with the quest line and you have the right. hero on your team, then it's just like, Oh, they're just, they're just an item in the menu. And for sometimes you. it's weird that they're there. Like there's a whole yeah. like prison infiltration sequence where I'm like, why is teach here? Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. I d- there are moments where like they kind of restrict guests purposely. Yeah. Um, and even sometimes I, I, I change to uh, the two like yeah. uh, animal companion characters. Yeah. Like I would switch to them in moments where I'm like, I don't want anyone else here. Like, this right. is just the and they're main. canonically in the party. So yes, like, exactly. Yeah. But uh, I mean, I really I was surprised at how much I enjoyed the combat because I think like I had watched my roommate play a bit of two back in 2017 when we were living together, and like it just kind of looked like nonsense to me. I was like, this looks like what I have to explain a JRPG isn't to people who are like skeptical <laughs> of the genre. Yeah. And I'm sure like this game has made me more curious to check out the other two. One specifically, I think one I want to give a shot An X I'm very curious about. Yeah. They got a port X. The weird Wii U mech one. Yeah. But this game, I think, does a great job balancing tone because it's it's a game that is simultaneously having these really dramatic moments by the campfire that feel like really human and vulnerable. Yeah. And then there's like screaming nonsense fusing into mechs constantly <laughs> and like punching a like draconic boss so hard that it spins through the whole battle. Yeah. And it's somehow like the same it works. story. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I think the game is also great at like being about more than you think it will be because mm. it begins essentially the the setup of the story is these two factions that are like fighting endlessly against each other and it's clear from the beginning that this war is kind of pointless also very near automata yeah um and you meet the characters from both sides and you're like okay eventually they're going to team up and be like this war is pointless why are we fighting but it's less about that and more about how do we find purpose when the only thing that's given us purpose is this war like who are we without this conflict yeah and then beyond that like what do we want out of life and if we were given a choice of like living forever in the present or accepting mortality like what would we choose i think i think to the game's credit also the the 
on on this point all of the marketing implies that it's going to be about the war yeah and then you start playing it and the rebuke of the war storyline happens within like the first two hours yeah and then the next like three or four after that is like who are we without this and then from like hour 10 onwards is like let's fall in love <laughs> yeah. and it really works and i mean really great voice acting yeah it's incredible incredible voice acting yeah. really great cast i think like I'm, the point i'm at now i'm at the beginning of chapter six and like I really wish this arrived 20 hours earlier because I feel like I'm at a point now yeah. where it feels like, you know, I have the airship equivalent and I have like, you know, a, a lot of combat options that I'm excited about. And I'm like, it didn't pay off to wait this long. I agree. And and yeah. that's the big thing about this game. But like, I can't really complain because everything I'm getting, I'm loving. And I definitely want to see it through. And, and I would love to talk about it again in more detail with you at some point. Yeah. And I I get it. I, I get Xenoblade now. Yeah. And I'm excited to, you know, I don't know how much more I'll check out. Because, again, it seems like this is the one that got it right in some ways. But I am curious, especially Xenogears, because it's like a strange PS1 game. Mm. And I love that era. Xenoblade the Chronicles 3, I just think, is an incredible RPG that is about something. Yeah. And mm. that's that's important. I've heard that that's also true of one. And I've played like 20 hours of one and still didn't really like get too many inklings of that. Yeah. Um, you know, outside of just like really great world building, I think I think one has um, the Switch version is great, and I feel like if you do get to the end of three and you're like, I, I want more of this, that's definitely the next one to go to. I also think this game has the best fake swearing of all time, <laughs> and it's funny because they also just swear in the game, which I don't know how they yes. got past Nintendo. Like yeah. Uni Uni's mouth is filthy in this game. Uh, one of my favorite lines is like. Tyon says something foolish to her and then regrets it. And she goes, the what you say it for, asshole. Um, <laughs> that's like stuck in my head forever. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I love these characters. This is another kind of similar to Three Houses. Like, I would love to see them again, even though it wouldn't make sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, I, had, I had a great time with this and I'm excited to see how it ends for real. I think it says so much that this game made both of our lists despite like maybe being about halfway in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would say I mean, like, it's a game that like super doesn't respect your time at all unless it's the one game you bought this yeah. year. <laughs> Never mind the the $30 like season pass DLC with yeah. other content. Which I did buy. Yeah, which I might eventually get <laughs> yeah. to. It's a good game. It it's is. still cheaper than the Marvel Snap bundles. I'll say that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You can get the Xenoblade Chronicles 3 season pass three times <laughs> or one of the Marvel Snap bundles. 1,500 credits. <laughs> and a card. And uh, But yeah, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 is number four. I, I wanted it to be number three just so it would match up, but it's number four. I loved it. Four is Elden Ring. Yeah, my number four is. You know, Elden so funny, Ring. AJ, I literally just wrote Elden Ring at number one for you without even like. <laughs> I'm like I'm like making the list over here on, nice. on, on my laptop, and uh, I just assumed it was number one. Okay, no, wow. You four. don't know me, Brendan. Number four, number four Elden Ring. Um, I have a really. I've been thinking about this game so 
much over the last couple of weeks because I knew that it wasn't going to be my number one. And I was really debating where it belongs. Is it number two? Is it not even on the list? Because I can't decide. Like I, I, it was, it was really up in the air for a while. Um, but I finally landed at number four this while we were recording this morning. (laughs) Um, uh, you decided today it was number four. I love that. That's great. (laughs) Um, Elden Ring is obviously a great video game. We're sitting around Um, an art book. Yes. Actually, it's a guidebook. It's like, a hardcover lore and guidebook Brendan got for me for Christmas. It's a tome with a with a picture of Ronnie like holding a wand yeah. down to the ground. And it's really worth noting that it's facing AJ as <laughs> if it's judging. Yeah, this like, Ronnie heard number four and is <laughs> going to steal the rune of death for you, yeah. my friend. Um, no, I I <laughs> this is awesome. Love this game? Uh-huh. Question mark. Um, I've played it for about the question mark. 130 yeah. hours. Yeah, I've played it for 130 hours. Sure. Right. So Amazing. the beginning act of Xenoblade Chronicles Three. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I just like if you asked me right now, do you like Elden Ring? I would say I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. It's an evil game. Like when we when we finished it for the bonus in March. Yeah. It was sort of like asking me like, did you like when like you lost your bike and like. <laughs> Yeah, fell down. It's it's like, I don't know. It's such an interesting case for me. Not having, I, I'm not a FromSoft person. Mm-hmm. I don't play super long games. Yeah. Um. I don't really ever replay games, which is something that I will talk about in a moment. <laughs> and so, like, this is an edge case for me in like every way. Sure. Um. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, it I think also you're not alone. Th- this is like, I mean, I know so many people whose first FromSoft game was this one. For sure. I think that's also a testament to this game's just broad appeal that yeah. like it could reach an audience that had kind of sworn off the reputation, at least, of yeah. these games. Yeah, and I think that's a testament to the, the game design. I mean, it's a thing that, it is a game that you guys talked about early on and that people have talked about ad infinitum that like, if you run up against a part of the game that's too hard, you can just go somewhere else. And I think that works really well. I think that is like a huge, huge plus of the design of this game. Mm. Um, And obviously I think is why it is one of the biggest games maybe ever released. Yeah. But something I have been saying for a while is that this game is, I kind of play this game how I play. I might've said this to you, Brendan. I kind of play this game how I used to play like super meat boy. Yes. Where I would turn my brain off And I would get into this kind of fugue state and I would just like play the game. And for games like Super Meat Boy and like Binding of Isaac and like FTL, whatever, that state of being (laughs) works really well for those games. And I think is a plus in that case. Mm -hmm. So my big question mark here is why I can't decide whether that works for Elden Ring or not, whether that's a plus or minus, I can't decide. Yeah. Um, because you're, a per- I mean, it's worth mentioning. Yeah. And, and you've already said this, but you're, you're a person who reads very big fantasy books. I'm not normally, I'm only doing that for the podcast. Yeah. I've never read a high fantasy book in my life. Okay. Until this series, which I, I've now tied my life to point being, <laughs> I, I feel like the game isn't very forthcoming with the, the, the stuff that might be the most interesting about it. Definitely. And maybe that's the thing that's that's holding you back that's from fully connecting with it in a way in the moment to moment where you're playing. Yeah. Right. Like you can consume all the videos you want after the fact, but in the moment Which while I you're am playing, doing. Yes. And I'm sure that's that's illuminating a lot for you. But when you're playing, you're not getting any of that information. Yes. I would say. Yeah, I would say. Interesting. 80 percent of the enjoyment I'm getting from the lore is from videos. Yeah. And from other people online right. and like, you know, Twitter threads or whatever. I get it. I mean, it's very atypical storytelling, especially yeah. in games. Yeah, uh, which which yeah. is which is fine. I'm not saying all games need to be like, you know, straight up 
uh, A, B, C narrative, yeah. like whatever. And I do think there is narrative in this game that I think works really well. Yeah. And I think is fun Kenneth to. Hight. Kenneth Height. Yes. Who I didn't run into until like hour like 70. He was oh, waiting. Wow. Yeah. He was just there. And then I, there I, I, I somehow ran across an area that I had never been in. Uh, what is the first area? Limgrave. Yeah. In Limgrave. Let me consult um, the guide. Yeah. <laughs> please consult the tome. Um, yeah. I have just like ran across him randomly. And I was like, yeah. oh, hi. I've already beaten the boss at your castle. So <laughs> go ahead. I was like, oh, Fort Height. Interesting. And then I ran into him. I was like, oh, it's yours. Yeah. It's even better fiction that Kenneth was waiting for someone to help him and it was already done. It's, it's, already done. it's been done for a hundred hours. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I finished that in hour 20. It's been um, done for a week. Yeah. But uh, uh, what was I saying? Um, yeah. So, so the, the, the narrative not being you know abc but there is interesting yeah. narrative stuff that is like fun to experience and be a part of like uh, i think the main story of this game you know all the stuff leading up to learning about radon and ronnie and mm-hmm. you know that stuff i think that stuff rules i think that story stuff is awesome yeah but it is just there's so much in between that mm. like all of the story stuff that i have experienced in this game could maybe be boiled down to like 30 minutes yeah. like if we took all the scenes and all the parts where you're talking to someone and they're giving you story bits i think it's maybe like 30 or 40 minutes at this mm. point um which is again not a knock against the, the the game or the storytelling or whatever it's just not what i want out of a game i guess yeah um in in some ways but like i am having fun playing the game i'm liking beating bosses there have been a couple of times where i'm like this is hell and i don't want to play this game ever again uh radon and the (laughs) the fire giant like the the that was kind of for a while this game was like i'm i'm not gonna bring this This isn't gonna be on my list like this game is garbage trash shit um (laughs) because i got to radon he was too hard obviously because that's like the wall of this game and i was like okay that's the point of right and i was like okay i understand i get it i'm gonna go do something else and i did literally everything i could have done besides radon yeah um this is exactly how i played too yeah <laughs> and and i i did so much i got so leveled i figured out a build that i liked playing with yeah and then i went back you know 40 hours later or whatever to radon and he was still steadily kicking my ass yeah and i feel like even the way that i was winning like that i beat radon ultimately was just like it didn't feel like earned. It didn't feel like I learned anything. It was just like, oh, I got a spell that can shoot really far away. So I don't even need to get near this guy. Mm. And I so I just used that spell over and over and over yeah, and over and yeah. over again until see, he died. To me, and not to get too into it, but to no. me, that's why Radon is there. Like I, I've said this before on the show, I think, but Margit, who's like the first yeah. like boss boss, I think is there to teach you how to play the game. Yeah, and, and then how to lose. Rad- yeah, and mm-hmm. Radon is there to teach you that cheating is fine. Like, yeah. use whatever, not even cheating, but like, Radon is there to instruct to the player to use whatever on earth you have. Sure. Invite all your friends, including the werewolf and the pot. Yeah. Like, do whatever it takes. Because I think the idea that, like, there's an intended way to play this game, there is. It's use whatever you have the yeah, most fun with. 100%. Like, this stuff wouldn't be there if it wasn't meant to be used, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. Like, it's the thing you and I said about Sekiro a lot. Right. right? Like, like, Sekiro literally is trying to usher you into the shinobi mindset of like you have all of these tools and traps and things and there there was a contingent of players on the internet who were like oh if you're using like the fire paper against this boss you're not really playing Sekiro you're not learning the blade the way you're supposed to like what the fuck are you talking about I have literally four choices of buttons that I can press one of them is sword and the other ones are items it's also like a direct commentary that the villains are these like noble samurai waiting to face you one on one and you're like in the bushes that are like red 
just so you hide in them. Yes, uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And and Elden Ring, I think, only reinforces that. I mean, early on, getting the the spirit summons and stuff. You know, that mm-hmm. it's very exact, like one to one tone of conversation on the internet about the spirit summons. Like they wouldn't have literally like twenty five of them in the game and like animate them all and and uh, you know have a whole set of mechanics tied to them and a whole set of lore tied to them if they didn't want you to use them. Yeah, they're not yeah. red herrings to see who the real gamers right, are. Right, you know? right. Yeah. yeah, you're not getting the Professor Oak. Thanks for collecting all the Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. You can print out the Game Boy printer. Yeah. Because well you done. didn't use the yeah. jellyfish. You didn't yeah. use the Boonville. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but I think to your point, Stephen, of like Radon is there to teach you that you can, you know, whatever means necessary to beat a boss, whatever. Yeah. Just like the, the means that I found to do it just wasn't at that point in your journey it wasn't like it wasn't you didn't fun. come back like i'm ready now it's like oh i just did this yeah, I, yeah. I totally it's right that. exactly i did, have it's, the exact it's, same I did experience. this yeah. like period not like i did this exclamation i love point. that you loved <laughs> the rykard fight though you're talking about that on 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 synchronous the like, rykard fight dude is so which is so funny because that's like a bit of a hot take but i love that you like like yeah i love that you loved that fight. because it's doing something different yeah it was like also one of my favorites doing yeah. something it's not trying to it, it's not trying to teach you anything about the game it is just saying like you did all this stuff for the volcano manor have fun yeah exactly like, it's your reward yeah. yeah it's your reward it's a yeah. reward i also to love fight that you Reichardt. can get to him either by like doing all the like the machinations for the volcano manor people or just like sneaking in you oh know? really i didn't yeah. know that like I found there's a hidden door. There's like an invisible wall somewhere that no like way. leads to the canyon of lizard people. <laughs> and there's a whole like legacy dungeon leading to Rikard. I didn't do that. Wow. That's what I did. Yeah. It was amazing. Consult the tome. There were yeah. lizard people that get long necks and they're like, yes, hey, the you sn- like lies and deceit. <laughs> I love the snake people. They're great. Yeah, they're awesome. Um, but anyway, I, Elden Ring is a good game. Is a good game. I'm thrilled, and this is not like this is not like a judgment of you putting it for. I'm just thrilled to see what's one, two, and three at this point. <laughs> You've really upped the ante. Yeah, this is great. So yeah, that's uh, number four. Elden Ring number four. Yeah. That's a shame that I'm the only one talking about it today. Yeah, yeah. it's a, a huge bummer. You and the Discord outliers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. wild. Okay. Okay. Well, now that you've gotten that off your chest. the air. Yeah. I do feel like a weight is lifted. I like, feel lighter. I've been having a good time, but I'm like, there's a secret brewing. <laughs> yeah, Somebody's withholding some There's an aura. Yeah. 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 <laughs> why is the moon especially powerful tonight? And why can't I die? <laughs> you saw like a second ghostly face on my face. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's very interesting. I think one of the, one of the fun things about this year, at least like based on all the games that we've brought to the table so far is just this idea that, Oh, this game has like one major flaw for me personally, Yeah, but I love it so much. It's still on the list. Yeah. You know, that Everything, has nothing yeah. to do with the game I'm about to bring up. I just like that. That's a through line. <laughs> yeah. you no, know, the, the game I'm about to bring up is perfect. It's number four. It's vampire survivors. Hey, yeah. oh, there you go. Vampire survivors is a perfect video game. I think it's like, <laughs> I, yes. you know, it's funny though. I actually did kind of have almost the inverse situation with you, AJ, with, with this game, mm. uh, with, with you and Elden Ring where like I started it and I played like maybe 10 or 15 runs, like around when the hype was starting to pick up. And yeah. I was like, I do not get it. Like it just, oh, really? it just is not working for me. Um, like I, I get why some people are interested in it, but it's not going to be for me because I mean, talking about Shovel Knight Dig, for example, like that's a game that is so mechanically dense and rich. And I feel like every minute, every 
move I make is so important. And Vampire Survivors, I was like, so much of this is up to chance. Right. Like really at the end of the day, I'm just like totally turning my brain off while I'm playing this. And it wasn't until I got a Steam Deck and started playing it that I was like, oh, I'm starting to get this. And then like you, the mobile drop. Yeah. Like I had this at number 10 for the longest time. And then the, the mobile release happened and it's all I've done. It's a game changer for man. like a week and a half. It's like all I've done every minute. Yeah. I spend playing vampire yeah, survivors. Same. I can't put it down. And it was like the first time I had a run go really, really well was when I was like, oh, this this is why everybody is playing. Because once you have once you have that experience in one run, you never want to stop playing this game ever yeah. again. The first time you unlock like the evolution of a weapon, the first time you like make it from, uh, you know, the, the the first stage to the second stage or the first time you find a relic or like the first time you unlock a new character and you're like, oh, wow, this is actually the only one I want to play as. All of these moments are these just like little dopamine hits that happen over and over and over again that just funnel you deeper and deeper and deeper into wanting to play Vampire Survivors more and more and more. Mm-hmm. I just think it's brilliant. I mean, it's it's like a game that we're going to be playing forever. As I was talking about before, like, I think it speaks volumes that this game was able to launch on mobile so late and immediately dominate all the people that had, like, blatantly ripped it off. Yeah. You know, like, this person created a genre and is so dominant in that genre that it didn't matter that everyone else had a six-month head start. Right. That is so impressive. Um, and, and I think says so much about why this is like the game that everyone is talking about this year. You yeah. know, this is like the game that some people are putting higher than Elden Ring in a lot of cases. Yeah. Like this is it's amazing that this small game that is currently for free on mobile is is like one of the best games of the year. Yeah. Um, I mean, even when it wasn't on mobile, it was a dollar on Steam. <laughs> and now it, he was like, I'm going to have to raise the price. I'm so sorry. And it's three dollars now. <laughs> what is and going it's on? on Game Pass. And it's on Game Pass. Like, what is going on with this thing? Yeah. I think it's amazing. I have to imagine this person is making bucket loads of money, yeah. even with it only being three dollars, just because it like it's it's so accessible yeah. you know it's yeah. so accessible Well, with the mobile ads now too it's like yes a yeah, constant yeah. revenue stream right i i just think it's incredible and 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 it was the first couple times i had runs that like really worked for me on the steam deck that i was like oh i really love this game and then the mobile thing was like this is a perfect fit for it i'm never yeah. gonna stop playing this yeah i i got it on game pass like two days after i played it on mobile yeah and started you know you start from scratch because there's no like cloud save or anything right yeah um but I did like three runs on Game Pass and I was like, this is just this isn't it. This is not it. Um, I went back to my phone. You and can't I was like, go back. It's 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 something about it being on that small screen, I yeah. guess, or whatever. It just like I think it feels like you're waiting less with the mm, with the display on mobile. Because I think like early on in a run, like there's so much distance. It's yeah, like, it's a little bit. Mm. There's more of a lag there. Yeah. I think. Yeah. But yeah. it's. Yeah, uh, I'm so glad that this game made your top five. That's yeah. crazy. It's it's incredible. It's an incredible game. Yeah. Um, I also love the soundtrack. I think the soundtrack yes, is amazing. Also, maybe up. one of the best treasure chest opening experiences. Yes, 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 yes. So yes. silly. Yeah. It's so silly how hard it hits when when you get the like five bees shooting at. It's yeah. like a oh persona opening scene. <laughs> yes. Whenever you get a treasure chest. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and it's like, do you want another whip? Yeah. Yeah. There was, shout out to our friend Pablo who pointed out that there was a glitch for like oh my God. a day. Yeah. This got patched like that day. That's so funny. Which is so funny. But there's a glitch for like a day where you whenever you level up, you get to choose from three items, uh, sometimes four, as AJ mentioned before. But 
for a while or for one day on mobile you could use three fingers and multi-touch and get all three upgrades so for like a day your runs were just fucked up like for a day you, you just like yes three 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 over and over and over again until everything was upgraded to max you were just like indestructible mm-hmm. and what was so funny was like i i tried it twice that day just because i was like actually it'd just be really nice to like jump start my collection because mm. i just wanted to get a lot of gold so i could kind of match where i was at on my steam version mm. Um, so I was doing it just to like accumulate a bunch of gold. And even in those runs doing all those upgrades, I still couldn't win. Yeah. Which I think was so funny. Cause I was like, yeah. what, what the fuck do I have to do to hit 30 minutes in this game? I still haven't done it of all the times I've really? played it. Yeah. I, I, I've unlocked a bunch of levels. I have like so many characters. I've maxed out most of the upgrades. I have, I haven't beaten it still, wow. but, uh, you know, I'm, I'll get there one day because <laughs> this is I, a game that's going to stick around for a long time for me. And a DLC update just came out for free this week. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. It kind of reminds me a bit, we were, you know, it, going back to our bonus about uh, Super Metroid and Symphony of the Night, we talked about like what what it is that makes Castlevania, like what is specific to that series when we talk about Metroidvania. And at least for me, the Castlevania games that I love are all about like how many silly powers can I get? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. Ari of Sorrow is basically just that as a game. Yeah. And I think like this is a like Mario Karted version of that. It's like, what if we just took that idea and that's all it is? Yeah. And it, it works so well. 100%. Um, 100%. It didn't make my list, but I, I really like this game a lot yeah. too. Yeah. Great stuff. Vampire Survivors. Vampire Survivors. Vampire Survivors. Number four. We're in top three territory. Three. This, three. Is, this is where it really happens. The, who's getting the bronze medal, Stephen, <laughs> in your video game Olympics? There's something. Uh, Backlog <laughs> automatically does like a bronze, silver, gold, like uh, oh, yeah. numbers on the thing. I'm like, ah. I'm always so disappointed I can't take part in that. Back, backlog.com is, is a website that I guess the, the three of I didn't, AJ, I didn't know you were using it, but the, yeah. the three of us use to like keep track of stuff throughout the year. It's like Letterboxd, but for video games. And they have this great game of the year thing that they do every year that's like so beautiful. And I always want to take part in it, but I can't can't because if i do it then it will tell everybody it's over by the time we release this episode usually we might sneak in this time oh really last year our game of the episode came out like early january so we might just make we might hit it okay cool maybe i'll at least do i'll at least give me a white best soundtrack that might not spoil anything (laughs) if you're if that if that spoils anything maybe i'm easy to read but uh anyway the bronze the bronze number three i think this might be a surprise We'll see. I'm so excited. Number three is Kirby and the Forgotten Land. That is a surprise. I thought that was going to be, I thought if it was on your list, it was going to be a little bit lower. Yeah. This was in that like number 10 contention spot for me. How far did you get? Almost to the end. Because the constant near automata comparisons we're making tonight are are not, yeah, not in Kirby and the Forgotten Land. (laughs) Um, I I think this game is really miraculous. I think it's also kind of easy to ignore because mm-hmm. like sort of like Shovel Knight, it's like a given that Kirby is going to be like charming and fun. Yeah. But right. we talk about a lot like Kirby has had a bit of like a identity crisis in the last decade. Yeah. What was the last good one? I feel yeah. like Planet Robobot on the 3DS is like a game that me and four people think is great. Yeah. And, and I feel like yeah. doing the DS episode, you could really see like a like Game Boy Advance. We got, you know, uh, 
what was it, Nightmare in Dreamland? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Um, but then we got the weird cell phone game. We're like, something's up with the flip phone Amazing game. Mirror, yeah. And then the DS, it was like, what if there were just a thousand Kirby's and yeah. you threw them around? That was the best one. Yeah. Um, so I, like I just think like squad. I've been Squeak Squad's <laughs> a lot of fun too. All that to say, I've been rooting for Kirby to like have a comeback. Yeah. But I didn't really know what that meant until now. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of wild because I feel like on one hand, this is Kirby's first 3D game, like in a 3D perspective, at least a traditional Kirby yeah. game in a yeah. 3D plane. And in in some ways, it feels like this should have been on the GameCube where it's like, yes, the idea that we are excited a game is entering 3D is a little bit <laughs> past the, the excitement yeah. mark. There. Right, right. But I think it's still so miraculous how well they've done that. Yeah. And I think the as a longtime Kirby fan, the focus on like what powers are in the game, what is their utility just beyond combat? It really did feel a lot like Mario Odyssey, where like the levels are designed around a handful of powers. But I think with this game, I mean, it's 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 hard to really sound interesting talking about it because like it's just really well done level design, really lovely art direction, and just such a joy to play. Yeah. But what this game has done which I think is the opposite of what people expected. When people saw footage of this game and we saw Kirby in like a post-post-apocalypse right. open world, everyone was like, oh, okay, this is Kirby Breath, it's Breath of, the Wild. of the Wild. right? Yeah, And it's the opposite. It's levels just like an old Kirby game. And what this does to me is it proves that that's still valid. Yeah. And there's like mm-hmm. strength in that. And you can make a game that is just like the old games of being divided into levels and worlds and it can feel fresh and modern if that's what the intention is. Mm-hmm. The bosses are unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, the finale of this game is not unlike Elden Ring, truly. <laughs> like, I'm not I'm not joking. This, the finale had me screaming <laughs> that you you big mouth a truck into like another dimensional <laughs> gate. I'll just say it so you have that phrase in your head somewhere. Um <laughs> I just think like I think this game isn't like it it did well and I'm not saying that like I'm the only one who played Kirby in the Forgotten Land but like I don't think it's getting the same praise that like the other big Nintendo first party games got and sure. I think Kirby in the Forgotten Land is is the best Kirby game in a very long time mm. maybe the best one in general and if like the series stopped here I think we'd be fine I don't mm. want it to but I yeah. think this is like they figured out what Kirby's about in this game and I do wonder if the Forgotten Land is in some ways a reference to like game design of the past where it's like, mm. can we breathe new life into something that every other game is trying to leave behind? And yeah. I think they did it. So Big Mouth Mode was a meme is incredible. I love I love that addition to this game. Uh, I, I think they really struck a nice balance of like having variety in the forms Kirby can take, mm. but also giving them weight and meaning. So when I decide before a boss fight, like, do I want the sword or do I want the ice? Upgrading those powers, the final form of the so sword fun. is Meta Knight. Like you have Meta Knight's mask. Yeah. It's sick. And slowly building Terrytown to be this like <laughs> hub to... <laughs> Wildy Town, like Terrytown, wow. you can see where my mind's at. Slowly building that as a place to return to and yeah. to constantly get new mini games and features. It's just amazing. I was surprised when I really thought about it, like, is this top three? And I'm like, I feel in, in my heart of hearts it is just because it's it's so it's like just so fun and yeah. so simple. And and I think it's easy to think this game is like simple or for a more general audience. But like there's so much here, especially if you want like a challenge. The whole post game is like wild. I think there's something for everybody here. And it's done so well that it was 
my third favorite game. I got the bronze. This is your this is your shovel knight dig in a yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's very much like why aren't we all flipping out about right. this? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It yeah. also looks beautiful. Like there's still some frame rate stuff with like distant enemies, but yeah. it it was that stunning. just seems to be like shorthand yeah. on the switch. Like for that that just seems to be like a thing that every developer does. And it's fine. Point, yeah. It's fine. I mean, Kirby Kirby's it usually awesome. doesn't affect the video game. If yeah. there if there were like five yeah. games, like anyone on earth got a switch, and I'm like, what are the five games that like everyone should play and we'll have fun with? This will be one of them. Mm. I guess I have to buy the Kirby <laughs> game now. It's really good. And you can play co-op with your friends. Oh no! yeah, Waddle Shit. D. Waddle D. I love playing as Waddle D. Waddle D's great. Yeah, really fun. Uh, yeah, when when I was playing it with my partner, I was like, I'll be Waddle D because <laughs> I actually really like having the limited move set. Waddle yeah. me. just like teleporting all over the place. Waddle me. Yeah. That you said. Okay. <laughs> this is a family show. AJ. Uh, <laughs> I love I loved Kirby in the Forgotten Land. Yeah, it, it was you know it didn't make my top ten, but uh, was pretty close to making number 10 uh it was great the reason for the post game existing is is truly eldritch I'm you would not believe me if i told you what you're trying to do oh man i'm excited i'm definitely gonna finish it yeah soon, you should so it's the I'll finale i think will make you rethink its placement man. really alone this okay the big mouth truck is incredible cool. um but you know it's it was it was a great time yeah Loved it. i'm so excited yeah it, i think it was our first episode talking about it that was kind of one of the big points that we brought up which is like it's you can't overstate how hard it is to make this thing seem unexciting yeah you know what i mean like mm-hmm. it seems like oh yeah of course i'm just playing kirby it's like no no no, no. they've never done this before yeah. <laughs> it's so difficult to make you feel that way and they nail it yeah yeah it's awesome that's kirby in the forgotten land Number three, the bronze. The bronze. <laughs> the bronze. My AJ, number, who gets your bronze? Uh, the bronze for me goes to Case of the Golden Idol. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, Case point, of the Bronze Idol. There you hey. go. Uh, oh, God. Uh, <laughs> no, you're good. Uh, point and click, mystery solving, murder, detective yes. uh, game. Absolutely incredible time. It's so good. Blew my mind. Uh, the... the I, I, I don't know exactly what it is about this game. There's so many parts of it that I love so much. I think the art style from the get go is just like absolutely like obscene and horrifying and disgusting and enthralling and really aids kind of the whole vibe of of the thing it's like the scary looking characters in Rocco's modern life yes (laughs) yes is the energy everyone in this game everyone in the game looks like that and and the fact that they look like that and you are solving a murder at the moment of the murder yeah i love Uh, that it's like it's like animated forever in that final yes forever in that final moment exactly yeah it's just an absolutely awesome like framing device for all of these things um and all of that matched up with the mad lib style mystery solving of every level is, yeah mm, it's peak peak <laughs> game design for me this year um it's just absolutely amazing in every way this is another this is another game that i played with my partner tara and we played it in like three sittings hell yeah there's a dozen cases and an epilogue and 
the story of this game. I don't. Awesome. Did you finish it, yeah. Brendan? Yeah. yeah. It's so the story good. of this game is wild. Yeah. I'm telling you. Yeah, I feel. I feel. So when I when I first played this game and brought it to the show, I think I was like maybe four cases in yeah. something like that. Yeah. And it's like right after that point that it like pops the fuck off. Yeah. Well, I was like, oh, yeah. I, I know. I know what this game is doing. Like conceptually, like you've no fucking clue what this <laughs> yeah. game is going after. Yeah. And then even even after you finish the final mystery, which is an awesome moment of gaming this year in general um that final case you're still like wait what and then there's an <laughs> epilogue and the epilogue is like wait what yeah um in like a you know you finally figured everything out way and it is just <laughs> it's so good the slow kind of drip feed of information but also not forcing you to have to remember like people or things between scenes because yeah, yeah. The i love the detective book yeah, yeah. Cause, because due to the mad lib style of it if a person is in you know if they're in concurrent scenes you're gonna have to find their name somewhere in the scene anyway you're not gonna have to remember somebody's name because you're gonna have to click it in order to add it to your word cloud um so it's like it's that that is really great uh the mystery is really great there's only one moment where i was like how the fuck was i supposed to figure that out um yeah but the rest of it is is awesome and it gives you the options uh, uh you know the classic issue with point and click games is like where the fuck am i supposed to click yeah uh there's just an option to turn on like a little tinkle that'll show That's, you it's such it's so helpful it's so great yeah um, i can't imagine sparkle is the word that. i should have used but instead no, of tinkle's great it's kind of like um ace attorney the great ace attorney chronicles right. adds like if you're hovering over something that's interactable, it will give you like the icon will change. Mm. Whereas in the old games, it's just like anything goes, <laughs> which like that's like the <laughs> major thing to get over yeah. in the original trilogy. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, I, I love this game and I wish that I could erase it and play it again, um, which <laughs> I think awesome. is it's one of those. Yeah. 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 Which is true of at least another one of the games on my list. This um, is yeah. I, I this is a game that like the only reason it's not on my list is I didn't have as much time to play a lot of it. I played like the first couple missions or the yeah. first two cases, and I really enjoyed it. But I just like had to do some gut checks like towards sure. the end. We talked this is something about, I'd be I want to put more time into. Yeah, we talked we talked a little bit in the last episode in, in our like goatee prep segment just about like okay now that we both have Steam decks and we have access to like most of the breadth of like games that come out. The only thing we're limited by is time. Yeah. And every once in a while there's going to be a game like this where it's like you just can't get to the exactly. end, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. I, the, I had that with a couple of games that I know are on like people's lists that I like. Yeah. I it's like this and Signalis are like another life. Yeah. A Chrono Cross existence. We could have. Yeah. It yeah. could have been the bronze. That's, that's how I was. I mean, first of all, with Xenoblade 3, yeah. as, as we already <laughs> mentioned, but also like Norco is one of those games. It's yeah. like it's not on my list. I wish it was like I have it ranked, but I, I couldn't get to the end before it was time to do this episode. Yeah. Um, but I've heard that like, you know, towards the end of the game is when it really all kind of solidifies kind of like golden idol mm-hmm. um and I, I just couldn't get to that point so but golden idol rips golden idol. that's high praise yeah anyway yeah. anytime someone says like i wish i could see it again like the, for the first time yeah that's that's high praise yeah because i mean especially that since it is a mystery game it's like once you know the mystery there's not much else to go yeah. back to the game for which is unfortunate which is also kind of why i had a hard time of like can i put this at number three because i can't ever play it again right <laughs> um but like yes i think i can because sometimes like, it's just like you know i experienced it once and that was it yeah i, I experienced it and it was incredible and i would suggest anybody anybody play it because oh, it's yeah. so good is replayability high on your list of i don't think criteria? so i don't think so but it is definitely on the the, the list interesting stuff, which is interesting because i probably won't replay most things yeah yeah you've already, you've already said you don't go back and replay games yeah. a lot that's interesting um, 
graphics, yeah. sound, replayability, <laughs> fun factor. Yeah. Microsoft endorsement. Microsoft yes. endorsement. Does it does it have a plug-in for Word? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, number three. Oh uh, man, if you could export all the words into Word. Into a sh- uh, into Word? Yeah, into Not Microsoft into Word. Excel? No, into Word. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> number you could, three. You could just play that game on Excel. To be yeah. clear, you could just have that game be on Excel. It could be a yeah, it could be a board game. It yeah. could be uh oh, that'd be a Sherlock fun, Holmes, right? It, like yeah, the yeah, Sherlock consulting Holmes detective. consulting detective. That'd be like, a very fun board it game. It could be that, you yeah. know, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. I have it. You wanna play? Curse of the Golden Idol, the board game. I actually do want to play Sherlock Holmes Consultant Detective. It's a fun time. I've never played it. I've always wanted to. I mean, obviously, I know you're also a big Idol Thumbs fan. Is that how you learned about it? No, I um, found it at Barnes & Noble. Oh, really? <laughs> and you just picked it up? Mm-hmm. That's amazing. I was yeah. like, wow, a game that comes with a bunch of paper? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Uh, anyway, number three. This game is fake money? <laughs> <laughs> And it's actually hat? fake newspapers, Stephen, please. <laughs> I that- get $200 by pass go? <laughs> Dude. Holy shit. Brendan, what's your number three? <laughs> a little car made of metal. Um, what's the bronze? <laughs> yeah, the bronze for me. I can't believe this one. Uh, the bronze for me, Pokemon Legends Arceus. Oh, hell yeah. Man, I know some people listening to this are probably flipping out right now. Uh, here's the thing. Pokemon Legends Arceus is one of two Pokemon games that came out this year. Uh, Scarlet and Violet also launched recently. I think that those games are pretty good. And I don't want to be like direct one-to-one comparison between them. Um, we've said, and I've said multiple times, like I think by the time I'm done with it, that might be my favorite like mainline Pokemon game. I think Pokemon Legends Arceus like, is my favorite Pokemon game. I think when it launched, there were definitely some bugs and issues with it that eventually got patched and as far as i can tell from like the past month and a half of like revisiting it in anticipation of of doing this episode like it is running smooth at this point (laughs) you are just getting the full pokemon legends rcs experience at this point but all that having been said it is essentially like a dream realized for me and i think for a lot of people who have grown up playing Pokemon and have always wondered to themselves, like what would the big console level experience for Pokemon look like? And I think coming in the form of something that's not just like running around and getting all eight gym badges was a breath of fresh air for me, at least as, as interested as, as I was in seeing that happen, especially with Scarlet and Violet, I was more interested in like, yeah, give a team at Game Freak like free reign to just, you know, experience and mess around with the hardware and do the thing that, you know, everyone has been asking for for a long time. And to see it show up in such a creative conceit where you are playing as a character back in time, writing out the Pokedex for the first time. <laughs> Given a cell phone by God. Yeah. yeah. But just like being the person who is experiencing all of this for the first time, like when you show up in the village, everyone is afraid of Pokemon except for like a, a small contingent of people who have like devoted themselves to research and devoted themselves to going out into the world and interacting with them and being like, we need to coexist with these things or else we're going to, you know, get wiped out essentially. Um, and we need people on this team to like go out and and figure out like the pros and cons of like living alongside these these creatures is really 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 compelling just like as as a setup but also 
I love, you know, coming into the game with you literally being a character from the present day, getting sent back in time to do this. <laughs> and your character, who is a person who doesn't speak outside of like choosing dialogue options that mean nothing every once in a while, just being like, okay, I live here now. <laughs> it's so funny. That's such a weird and stupid yeah, thing. Does, does do. the I came from the future ever like intertwine with the story at all? No, not really. <laughs> Holy shit. It feels like you could have just been like a kid who's excited to meet Pokemon. Yeah, and the, the mission from God via cell phone is so funny. Yeah, it's weird because you're not a you're not a kid sent from our reality back in time in the Pokemon world. It's like you're a kid from the Pokemon world in present day sent back in time. Yeah, which is even also the Pokemon world. Ways. So it's like they already yeah. know what's up with Pokemon. Yeah, uh, it's fascinating. It's a really weird conceit. It's a really weird setup for the game. But when you get into it, when you get into the loop, I found that the experience of like okay you they give you kind of um small open worlds to explore like there are multiple levels i think there's four or five total um but you set out into each one of these one after the other with like a set of missions and quests and things that you need to do there's like a big scary pokemon that's like raging around that you need to fight as like a big boss battle it's kind of like monster hunter worlds like they have the zones yeah i i found i found those boss battles to be like the weakest part of the game and the thing that really struck me the thing that really worked for me was the slow drip of like I'm going to go out, I'm going to crouch in tall grass and I'm going to like watch this Pokemon move around for a while uh, and just like exist in the world and, and, you know, wait for it to turn around so I can catch it and then <laughs> catch like 45 more of them. Um, that experience by itself is really exciting, but seeing the impact that I was having on the village in turn, I think is the most interesting thing that I've ever seen in a Pokemon game because mm-hmm. like even some of the smaller quest lines, like there's a guy who's like a gate guard who is like terrified of Pokemon and you get him his first Pokemon. And like over the course of the game, if you continue to talk to him and continue to invest in the town, you can see him slowly starting to like cozy up to the Pokemon that you got him. So he's no longer afraid, but now he's like actually okay with it existing. And then it evolves. And then I, th- and then eventually it evolves to like its final form and, and seeing that kind of story play out almost wordlessly over and over and over again with all the different members of the town mm. was so beautiful and so human in a way that I wasn't expecting from a game like this of all of all things you know like i came into this being like okay this is going to be just like a a weird experiment in the pokemon franchise and like we'll see if it works you know because the track record has been like fine with pokemon recently and it came out and a lot of people weren't a huge fan of it and a lot of people still aren't a huge fan of it but i walked away from it being like i think this place is beautiful i think this world is beautiful i think i'm getting what i i've always wanted which is like seeing Pokemon in their element. But more importantly, I think what I've learned, I really love about Pokemon. And like one of the things that I found so compelling about the movie, even the the like live action movie, Detective Pikachu, even though I, I didn't like love the movie, the thing I, I took away from that was like the interplay between people in Pokemon, I think is the most interesting thing. Like yeah. the human experience played against Pokemon, I think is like the most compelling part of storytelling in that world. Mm. And Pokemon Legends Arceus is the best that's ever been. And that's, I think, the reason it's probably, like, my favorite Pokemon game at this point. Yeah, I think it has the strongest sense of place other than, like, or since second gen. I really, really loved just the sense of life in the village and, like, that return to that place. It did remind me a lot of the village in Monster Hunter Rise. Yeah. Where, like, you know, you go out in this unknown place. And I think the difficulty was a really nice touch in that game where like there was a threat like it, it was yeah. it was always kind of uncertain how your pokemon were going to fare and and i think now that we're in a scarlet and violet world where they have a uh, turning the pokemon into crystals which is not it's fine yeah but i think like every pokemon game since black and white has had like a central 
combat gimmick mechanic. Yeah. Like mega evolutions and stuff. And I love what they did here where it was like fast mode, strong mode. Yeah. It's so simple and it's way more interesting to me yeah. than most it's of those amazing. It's an amazing yeah. conceit. Yeah. So the, the way that works just to go into it is you're seeing the turn order, first of all, for like the first time ever in Pokemon. Yeah. You see the turn order on the side of the screen. Um, and at any point for some of your Pokemon, eventually all of them, you can change what moves you're using from being like standard. So it'll just like not affect the turn order at all to a fast mode, which does less damage and moves your Pokemon up in the turn order. So you can, do more moves in more succession or or in succession or a stronger mode which is like i'm going to do like a much more powerful version of this and on the flip side i'm going to bump myself down the turn order pretty significantly but like if you know that your pokemon has like the type advantage and you just want the the battle to be done with quickly you can flip over to strong mode and then immediately take them out and then just be on with your way which i think is a really cool layer of depth and is the first time ever that I've decided like, Oh yeah, I'm one of those people now that's going to demand that this comes back all the time. Like if they make another legends game after this and it doesn't have that exact battle <laughs> mechanic in You're there, gonna I'm going to, I'm going to be like bummed out. Yeah. I'm going to be, I'm going to be bummed because it's the first time I've really connected with one of these things. Like, like you said, the, the, um, terastalizing and Scarlet and Violet is like fine. But it's like fine. it just, it just like changes up the types of some Pokemon every once in a while. That's okay. Uh, the the Gigantamaxing in, in Sword and Shield, like that was fun for spectacle and like fun for that game, but I don't need it ever again. And this was like, oh, you added a meaningful change to the way battling works in Pokemon so much so that I feel like I can't go back. Yeah, and I, I just think it was a very, like the region had a lot of charm and personality, which is something that the Pokemon games have been really good at recently. Yeah. Um, but I think that the identity of the world's intertwined with like what the game was asking you to do yeah but specifically also taking a region that historically people don't have that much of a strong connection to in terms of like what's going on there Sinnoh yeah yeah like saying okay we're gonna go back in time there it's like oh wow suddenly this place is filled with life and I'm so interested yeah. in it and you can see you can see where some places uh you know became landmarks in gen 4 eventually things like that it was really really or like the origins of team galactic and stuff yeah yeah it's a fantastic game i really really enjoy my time with it like you the the boss fights were whatever yeah. it's kind of interesting because i feel like scarlet and violet do the big moments really well yeah and the in-betweens are where the game kind of falters and this mm -hmm. game's the complete opposite we're yeah. like it's the moment to moment slice of life and just like living and breathing in the world that that is why you're playing it yeah and and in this case you know in scarlet and violet it's like okay, the big moments that it's doing really well are kind of few and far between, right? There's like the eight gym badges and then the eight uh, like big Pokemon or maybe there's not even eight. Um, and then there's like the the team fights that you do. And then, you know, the, the other 80 hours of that game are you just kind of moving between those spaces, which like can be good and can be fun. And, you know, again, I'm not trying to dunk on those games because I will finish them and I like them a lot. Um, yeah. But the big moments that RCS falters on, there's literally like five of them in the whole game. And then the rest of the runtime is you just like existing in and that honestly, world. Like I definitely felt more gripped by the story in RCS than like any Pokemon game. Cause you're just helping people. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, it's not like I'm not trying to save the world. I'm, tr I'm trying to help people live, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think, I think that's such a compelling and such an interesting thing and why I've enjoyed the post game almost more than the main game. Cause when you're done with the, the story, which doesn't exactly have a world ending plot, but doesn't not have a world ending <laughs> plot. Um, once you wrap all that up, the game is like, 
All right. I mean, you're not done with the Pokedex. So and you they don't unlock, have a shiny Mr. Mime. Get up there. You don't have a shiny Mr. <laughs> Mime yet, my guy. And and there's a shitload of side quests that they throw at you all of a sudden. And yeah. all of those side quests are so interesting because, again, it all comes down to just like seeing a person out in the wilderness, like picking flowers on a beach and being like, hey, can I help you with that? Yeah. That's awesome. I think it also is one of the we talk about like games that have been cited as influence often and then what is the influence it actually had or what is like being carried over yeah um like tunic with dark souls and like taking things that like actually work and are interesting and not just bonfires and fog walls i do think pokemon legends understands the elements of the design in breath of the wild that make that world feel special Mm -hmm. you know the the quiet moments and just sort of like the idea of life existing in a land that maybe isn't ready for it or is trying to understand like the balance between people and Pokemon. Yeah. It's, it's the closest I've ever gotten to like the dream that's been in my head since I was a kid. Yeah. You know, like I, I really, I really think Arceus for, for all its faults of which there are, you know, many, I think at the end of the day is like a huge success for me personally and gave me exactly what I wanted. And then, and then some, yeah. And I'm really excited. I mean, this is another game that you can just graft on other settings and genres too. like, give me a Pokemon black and white setting. Like, yeah, give me Jersey. (laughs) <laughs> but with legends mechanics yeah i mean sign me up yeah pokemon fit to be grafted <laughs> <laughs> so where the hell is godric yeah um yeah even even when you finish the game there are like some kind of offhanded remarks where it's like oh yeah uh you know that camp that you set up in this one area is like i think we're gonna set up another village there it's like that becomes one of the, like the gym oh cool league places in, in gen 4 eventually like little things like that are really fun to notice here and there but at the end of the day it's all about the people. It's all about the people. Yeah. Wow. Legends Arceus, number three. Three. Number three. The bronze. The bronze. Wow. Dear listeners, my name is Scout. I make the cover art for Into the Aether and Asynchronous on the TWG Podcast Network, and somehow I have tricked them into once again letting me speak into a microphone. 2022 has felt blink and you miss it fast. I've spent a lot of my limited gaming time revisiting old friends, looking at you, Hades, my 2020 goatee that I put another 80 or so hours into this year, but I've squeezed a few new releases in too, and that includes my personal game of the year, Pokemon Violet, or Scarlet, take your pick. Though far from a perfect game, the new Pokemon adventure gave me the most satisfying narrative arc in the main series to date, and most importantly, it gave me a cast of little weirdos, and I couldn't be happier. Much of my year has been spent learning and accepting the ways in which my body and my brain differ from society's so-called normal. So to watch the lives of various social outcasts intersect in productive ways and to see them reconnect with their peers and find their own unique places in the world really soothed my soul. It was a much needed reminder that we all fit somewhere. It's just a matter of making sure the pieces around us match up to ours. So here's to 2023 and to all us little weirdos looking for our perfect spot. 
I, I'm almost more excited about the number twos than, than the number ones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why is that? We said Elden Ring wasn't going to be brought up. I don't know. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Does that mean we're back to me with the silver? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Kingdom Hearts 3. <laughs> number two for me for I feel like I have to say that once a year. What? Kingdom Hearts 3? Kingdom Hearts 3. I just need to say it into the microphone once a year during Goody. <laughs> number two for 2022 is... I was a teenage exocolonist. Oh, shit. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. This game, uh, yet another great yeah. sci-fi game about being yeah. a person. Totally. I think this game is... is I've mentioned this before on episodes. We've talked about it. Uh, I think the, the way it markets itself and the, the title of the game, I think, is a bit misleading. Because mm-hmm. it, lo- it, it, it is by all means a dating sim in terms of the mechanics but it kind of looks like that's all it's going to be and the game is much more interested in just the narrative and just sort of like being a work of sci-fi yeah and essentially for those who don't know it's a game where you play as a character who who is amongst a group of children who are born on this new planet Uh, a group of people left earth and are settling on this new planet for a fresh start and the game kind of has like a persona calendar where you spend your actions in town, like either going to school or playing sports mm-hmm. or like relaxing yeah. or exploring with the weird kid. Um, and basically it goes from ages 10 to 20. So another thing is like the, the characters you see on the cover, that's how everyone looks when I think you turn 17 or 18. So it's like really the game like ends when everyone is at that point in their mm-hmm. life, which is really interesting. And I wasn't really prepared for that. But I think one thing that really caught me off guard and I thought was really powerful about this game is that in in the first time I played it, which the game encourages multiple playthroughs without saying too much. Um, and I think a single playthrough is like, Anywhere between three to five hours, roughly, depending on how long you do certain things. As this kid on this alien planet that is like, it's uncertain, like how successful this is going to be. But all the adults are like, well, we left Earth and therefore all of Earth's problems are also behind us. Right. So when you learn about history, largely from this AI, but also Professor Hal, coincidence, um, (laughs) it's taught to you in a way of like, this is what happened on Earth. But those problems are over. Right. You know, you are no longer there. We don't have to worry about like global warming or war or all these things. And without saying too much, like all of those problems catch up with you. Yeah. As you see all these kids grow up, you know, you you only have so much time to invest in certain relationships. So usually in a single playthrough, you'll only get to know like two to three, maybe four characters like well. Yeah. And maybe only one like really well. And so it kind of has that three houses effect where like the kids who aren't in your house, you just sort of see like, oh, what's going on with Lorenz? Why is Lorenz (laughs) going down this path? And an exocolonist, you know, there's a sort of shift in the game around when you turn 14, which is not a coincidence. It's when everyone's like going through puberty and changing as a person and Mm -hmm. like, you know, asking more questions about themselves and society. And that's when like, life gets a little scarier on this planet Mm. and i think what's so brilliant about this game it almost feels like a deconstruction of the dating sim because all these characters on one hand are allegorical like they represent the people who you can spend time with like the other kids who are growing up with you they all represent like certain attributes and they're connected to an activity yeah but they also all are so flawed and they even the really nice ones all make really big mistakes And I think ultimately it's a game about learning from mistakes and learning from history Mm. and recognizing 
what you have control over and what you have the power to do because you know you might be a car- in my first playthrough i focused almost entirely on like school and like sciences and the humanities yeah, fucking nerd and <laughs> and a little bit of uh relaxation yeah and i took a very sort of uh (laughs) anti-war stance on some things Mm -hmm. but when like conflict arose i was completely useless Mm -hmm. so then i think like by having weaknesses and by having shortcomings in one life starting the game over replaying it and focusing on different things and seeing without saying too much you can carry over some things from previous playthroughs and I don't think you need like I felt actually pretty good like it was bittersweet but I felt good about my first ending and I'd be in the game twice and what I've learned at least playing it once more is that like I think the game is taking an optimistic view in humanity but kind of reminding the player like it's not going to happen in your lifetime like it's it it takes the action of multiple people over a long time and you are a link in a chain yeah but it's saying that in a hopeful way I don't think it's saying like you don't matter it's saying like focus on what you can do and on the people in your life and how you can maybe guide them to a better reality and this game also has what i call the anti fire emblem paralogues because in the endings you get you see like little epilogues of the characters who you either romanced or like got very close with and like most of them are like somewhere between bittersweet and tragic and like Mm. that's kind of how lives play out Mm -hmm. and i think by doing that it's not being nihilistic or negative but it's saying like we're not summed up by how our lives end but what we leave behind and the fact that i'm saying this shit is just a testament to like how powerful this game's story is i think it deserves way more credit like it's definitely getting attention yeah but i think it's easily one of the strongest narrative experiences i've had in a game yeah and I think like the card game is fine like the card game is like mm-hmm. there to gamify what is mostly a visual novel but I think the the way that the story and the events in your life intertwine with the card game and, and how you get cards and how you forget cards mm-hmm. is masterfully done. I Whenever I play this game, I can't stop until that life is over. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's no way just to casually play. I was a teenage exocolonist. This is another one that I considered number one uh, alongside Xenoblade. And in many ways, I think all these games, this goes back to what we said at the beginning of the episode, but like all these games are so different that I think they're all kind of in my mind, the best at what they're trying to do. And for all sort of the visual novels about like society and the individual and our lives like this, this did the best for me. I think it hit the hardest for me. So Mm -hmm. for that reason, it's number two. Wow. That game is really fucking good. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I, uh, I'll be honest uh, on my end, the, the card stuff is what, yeah, sure. I had the hardest time with and as much as I loved a lot of what was going on narratively I had a really hard time continuing the game because of the card stuff uh, I, I just I just couldn't get over for some reason as much as I wanted to because it came, it came so highly recommended from you and my partner also played it twice I think at this point like yeah. I just feel like from and the discord like from every angle it's just like you gotta play this you gotta play this and I just like I couldn't get there but I loved what I saw of it and I love all the experiences I've heard from people who have played it so I, I trust that it's great um, it's still even though I only made it like maybe halfway into one run it's like still in my top 20 it's still like yeah i was so impressed by what i had seen even just in that little bit that i was uh i was sold on it yeah, yeah. it's uh it's a really special game but the first ending was like a little bit too close to home it's like you like drawing comics and writing i'm like oh. <laughs> <laughs> you moved to chicago yeah <laughs> pretty much <laughs> 
but yeah, that that's my runner up. Yeah, Adrian, you play this. Game I too, right? yeah, I was gonna say I played a bit of this game. I only got into like this. <laughs> killing me. No, it's okay. <laughs> second year, I think I didn't get super far. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. I really just kind of played, got the vibes, and then that was that was it. Yeah. Um, not for any reason in particular. Uh, I mean, for for synchronous specifically, I was trying to play different games every week because I was trying to yeah, honestly, kind of for this episode, trying to play as much stuff as I could. Hell yeah. Um, that I had been wanting to play. Um, and this was on that list, but I, I only played so little of it because I knew that I would love it. Yeah. And I knew that I didn't have to experience the entire thing to like n- already know that I would love this game. I, I do feel like I, I wish that I at least had finished one run so that I could feel yeah, like I could I, rank it. But I don't want to, I don't want to pressure either of you, but like, I think if you were enjoying anything about it, like just for your own enjoyment, like forget yeah, lists no, that's, and everything. That's what like, I mean. like once I think you'll be happy. You, you saw at least one run. Yeah. Through. I think once, you know, once Goaty season is over and, and all this stuff, like I'm going to go back and just like finish a bunch of games um, and then just like not talk about them. I think I sent Brendan like <laughs> I sent Brendan like a misty eyed voice memo when I was done. Yeah. I was like, that was a really great piece of interactive storytelling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but no, I'm I'm excited to check out more of it and uh I'm happy it made it this high on your list. Yeah, yeah I, I uh, very pleasant surprise. This is also a late edition because I didn't, hmm. it didn't I think it came out earlier this year, maybe yeah. around the summer, but I didn't play it until the last couple months. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful game. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah, I'm glad it's number two for you. Yeah. That's so cool. That's great. Yeah. My number two. Yeah. I'm so excited. Nick. To Nick. Oh, oh hell yeah. <laughs> there you go. I was like, Nick. What? <laughs> I thought you were going to do the Nickelodeon thing for a second. I was like, what the? What, no. what is what? Nickelodeon? Uh, my number no, two is Kablam. My Action number two. Now. SpongeBob Bow for Bikini Bottom Rehydrated. <laughs> uh, no, my number two is Tunic. Nice. Um, hell yeah. What a fucking video game. Yeah, that's great. Y'all. Um, Tunic did a lot of, and I've said that some of this in various places, but Tunic did a lot of what I really loved about Elden Ring mm-hmm. with discovery and stuff. Yeah. Um, but like you had said that I had said earlier, Stephen, <laughs> Tunic prioritizes the discovery mm-hmm. and supplements combat whereas Elden Ring does the opposite prioritizes yeah. combat and you know Playing it's, Tunic it's right not... after beating Elden Ring was like the perfect like was... nicotine patch yeah. it was so weird <laughs> yeah. yeah it was such a weird feeling to have Tunic come out like right then yeah. yeah but like I just like constant moments of like holy shit in this game over and over and over and over and over again and I I, I, I honestly I don't even know like what to say about this game it's just like so good and so meticulously crafted in every single way to the point of like speedrunners like quote unquote exploiting the game and then the creators going oh yeah yeah, yeah. we put that there for you <laughs> like, <laughs> like no, no, yeah we put this there for people to speedrun with yeah that was intentional um, so cool. right and it's just like i love that blows my mind the level of like design that went into this game. oh yeah 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 when um, you think about how long it's been in development too mm-hmm. like it, it's really clear that so much of that time was like i imagine sitting down to figure out how this game was going to work must mm-hmm. have taken years by itself before you even start like yeah. putting pen to paper for real yeah. yeah um and there's just so much about this game that i could gush about forever but i think do it for a little bit why not uh, yeah <laughs> gush this is this gush I, in the episode do it i, I just think that's what the g stands for gush <laughs> gush of the year <laughs> Um, I, I just like from, from the get go, the, the game starting you off with like, look, here's a cave. 
what's in this cave? Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a chest. Ooh, what's in the chest? And you're like, oh, it's a sword, because I've played Zelda before. It's like, fuck you, it's a stick. <laughs> you get a stick for, for the first two hours of this game. Eat yeah. my ass. Yeah, um, that's a great decision. It's a great, it's a great d- decision. It's an, it's an amazing subversion. And even before that, like, there's like two other things before that. You pass the big yellow block, and you're like, I have no idea what the fuck this does. I'm just going to keep walking past it. Yeah. You find a mailbox, and you're like, oh, what's in this mailbox? And there's a language you can't read. Yeah. It's like, okay, <laughs> cool. Yeah. <laughs> what am I, what's, what's happening? But so, yeah, so starting from there, and then just continuing forward, um, the game just had me like laughing at how much fun I was having. Yeah. Um, the, the final puzzle of this game or to get the last page of the book, the final puzzle of this game, I was sitting down here hysterically laughing at my television, scribbling in a notebook. Yeah. I felt like I had lost my mind. I was having so much fun with that final puzzle. Yeah. The notebook experience is perfect in this game. I love any, any game that causes me to bust out a notebook. Yeah, I'm all about. I have never ever been a notebook oh, really? wall gaming person. No, never. And even while playing Tunic, I only did it for that final puzzle because you literally have to. There's simply no way you can do this without yeah. cheating or <laughs> or writing it down. Signalis <laughs> is the only other game that I had a notebook for. Oh, interesting. Year, yeah. Mm. So that's just like simply one of the best moments I've ever had in a game in my entire life. Yeah. Uh, and for a while, this was my number one um, for that reason. But I do think thinking about whether the combat really needed to be there or not, um, mm-hmm. I think is kind of what bumped it down for me um, because I feel like the my number one game is like everything that's in it is there for a reason. Um, and I have no idea what it is. For, so excited. For, for Tunic, it's like, did the combat really need to be there? And I don't think the combat's bad. I think the combat's no, it's good. Fun. It just doesn't serve everything else. Right. It feels yeah. extraneous. Yeah. yeah. And and just like, yeah, the, and the, the, the levels of discovery just throughout the entire game uh, the levels of subversion, the ways that you can sequence break on accident. Apparently, I sequence break sequence broke my ending. I like didn't oh, really? I didn't do something to like get the final true ending. And oh. I like was in the discord. And I was like, yeah, I didn't like people were talking about this. I was like, oh, I didn't do that. And yeah. they're like, wait, what? How? Yeah. <laughs> How did you not do this? That's I was like, so uh, interesting. I don't know. Cool. Um, yeah. So I, I guess I, I'm a speedrunner now is what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, but no, it's 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 great. And I think the the message of this game is not something I can fully put my finger on, <laughs> I think. Um, but it's definitely about, I think it's just a game about expectation, right? Yeah, and, and, and knowledge, game, I think. And knowledge, yeah. yeah. And it's and it's about, like... I feel like if I talk about my read on it, it's going to be a little spoilery. Mm. I think it's, it's, a, it's a game kind of about legacy, right? And it's a mm. game about, like you said, Stephen, knowledge and, and expectation and stuff. And I think it's it's just a great piece of of media talking about that stuff. I think... If it were to be more of like a if I were going to give like a media studies read of it, I guess I, I would wish it could be a little more clear um, or straightforward in some ways. But I don't know. I, I I I am just like talking now to try and come up with more coherent points besides like I really liked this game yeah. and it was really, really good. I think that's so many of the games this year. Yeah, I, I was. I mean, as, as we were saying in, in last week's episode or last week for us, I guess just a lot of the games on my list this year are games I just think are great. And I don't have, I, last year I had so many like emotional, like heart wrenching attachments to so many games. And this year is like, man, Vampire Survivors is just fucking good. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're telling me I could watch the white Lotus and play Vampire Survivors at the same time. I'm going to do it. My guy. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's just how the game, that's just how the year worked out. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, yeah. So the white Lotus season two is your number two. <laughs> uh, yeah. Tunic. That's, that's Nick. Tunic. Tunic. Really great. Also the soundtrack. Obviously amazing. Amazing. Yeah. So. yeah it's really good. Yeah. Um, and there's secrets in the soundtrack. Cool. 
cool. I think I know what your number one is. I think eagle-eared listeners might know. I believe so. Yeah. Anyway, uh, number two for me, very excited about this one. Uh, maybe not a surprise. Immortality. Oh, yeah, nice. Number two for me. I'm glad we're sitting in front of a virtual fireplace. <laughs> Feels fucking apt. Uh, oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, if you if you haven't heard of Immortality, um, I imagine you have because we talked about it recently. But if, you, if this is your first episode and you haven't heard of Immortality, Immortality is a game in which you are scrubbing through footage, clips of footage from three different movies. Um, the big twists are that uh, all three movies star the same person and none of those movies ever came out. And also... The movies just aren't real, I guess, in in real life. Um, they're all three fictional movies created for this game, starring the same person by the name of Marissa Marcel. Um, and over the course of the game, uh, you are asked to piece together these clips and figure out what happened to Marissa Marcel. Um, why isn't she acting anymore? Where is she at? Uh, and why didn't these movies come out? And that's kind of like the baseline question that the game is asking you and the much higher level questions that the game are asking you are why it's number two for me. And it's I can't really talk about it at length without spoiling it. Thankfully, Steven and I recorded a spoiler bonus about this game recently. I will say that this game made me ask so many questions of myself uh, about like, why do I sit here and record this podcast every week? Like, why do I put things out in the world? People constantly ask me like, okay, you just released a song this week. Like, where did that come from? Why did you decide to sit down and write a song? Like, when did you start working on this? Oh, I started working on it yesterday. What you released it on iTunes today. It's like, yeah, I don't know. I just felt like doing it. Like, (laughs) what is that part of my brain that is constantly getting activated at times that I can't really control? Just like forcing me to create and put art out in the world. This game is about that. This game is also about the nature of, humanity and what it means to exist on the planet and you know the game is called immortality the game is asking big questions about like the limited time that we each have on the planet and what that means and and is that humanity's greatest strength is that our our time here is limited and the more weird fucks who are so rich try and break that curse and and make themselves live forever the more they're losing their humanity like there are so many reads of this game that are so fascinating and i think it's to me one of the strongest ever examples of a game that i can point to and say like i don't i don't care that you thought this was difficult i don't care that you thought this was like hard to get through i don't care that you like didn't take anything away from it the game is doing things that are important and interesting and cool and good yeah and like you're gonna get that out of it if you go into it looking for it like if you go into this experience understanding this is like a big piece of art with huge ideas that is asking some like really interesting questions and you analyze it the same way you would like a great fucking book, you know, that's like stood the test of time forever. Mm. You know, like you're, you're not going to jump into, uh, I don't know. You're not going to jump into like an AP English class and read a book and be like, I get it all immediately. The first time I read it, you know, like that, that's why you sit down with a class and you have a conversation about it, you know, yeah. because there are different ways to interpret it. And there's so many different ideas that are coming up. And even just sometimes the act of reading a book can be difficult by itself. So the more I've thought about this game, I'm not trying to be like an apologist about it, but like, I know, I know the control scheme is difficult, but also it's all set up the way it is for a reason i'm trying so hard to not spoil things but there's there's one thing about the control scheme that i know rubs a lot of people the wrong way and 
I don't want to be shitty, but like the game does telegraph how you're supposed to play it. And you just need to be willing to understand and, and, and learn that and put it into practice and figure it out for yourself. I think one of the main things that kind of gives that away, if this is like a little bit of a hint, is when you're first learning the controls, you know, they show a thing on screen that's like, use the, the analog sticks to scrub back and forth between the footage. And then the second tutorial box that pops up is a bunch of buttons and none of the words make sense and they're not even complete. And to me, that's just screaming, like, just fucking press every button. Just figure it out. Almost like Tunic. Yeah. Like there are things you don't even realize you can do until you get the pages in Tunic. Yeah. Immortality is the same way where it's like, just start pressing buttons at weird times and see what happens. And eventually it'll all fall into place. I've mentioned more than once on the show, I played this game twice. The first time I played it, I had a read of it that I thought was like pretty complete and pretty interesting and cool. And I think the game is really compelling. And some of the stuff that it's doing kind of on the higher level that I can't spoil is interesting, but that that becomes a, a magnet for the player. As soon as you understand what the game is trying to do at a certain point, it's like, fuck everything else that I'm trying to do in this game. Like, I, I don't care at all about unlocking more clips or whatever. I just need to follow this through line until the game is over. That's really cool and great. It was on the second playthrough that I understood and really it all clicked into place for me. Like, oh, wow. Not only is that really interesting and compelling, but each of the three movies by themselves are all aiding that theme. The conversation that each of these characters are having as actors in between takes of these scenes in these three fictional movies are all aiding the themes as well. And the overarching storyline about these actors living throughout the course of these three movies is also aiding the themes. And all of these themes can be read in different ways. And no matter which way you read it, all of those component pieces add up to the same result over and over and over again. Every read you have of this game comes out complete and feeling like you walked away with like a, a soul enriching experience about like the optimism of, of the human existence. Uh, and I think that's amazing. Yeah. Saying, hearing you say all that uh, and remembering earlier today when I was shuffling this and Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes <laughs> in the same place makes me feel like a dunce. <laughs> but uh, I, I mean, I it's, true. you know, I, I obviously know everything is its own experience. Um, but yeah, I mean, Immortality, we talked a lot about it. I, I mentioned I played it in one sitting before an early flight and it truly felt like a <laughs> satanic experience. Um <laughs> I think ultimately, I, I definitely know what you mean about like meeting the game where it's at with the controls. For me, the reason it's an honorable mention for me because I, I couldn't not highlight it because I, I think it's the reason I highlighted it and the reason it's also not on my list is I enjoy thinking about it and talking about it more than playing it. But that thing is also intentional. Like, yeah. I think that's also Ooh, part of the game. I think so too. And yeah. I think it makes you question like, what is more important? Yeah. You know, is and that goes back to mortality and mortality. Like, is it is the lasting impact more important than the actual time together? Yeah. Which is fucked. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. I totally think it is. Yeah. yeah. I, th I think this game just has layers and layers and layers and layers of subtext that you could just analyze and talk about forever. I mean, like, like I said on our bonus, but like we spent, you know, about two hours talking about the creative angle and we didn't even get into like the gender identity angle at all. Right. But like that's a whole second read of the game that you can go down that exactly. path. And the more you think about it, and this is, this is a discussion that my partner and I have had a lot about this game as we've talked about it afterwards, but like that's a wholly complete read of the game also. It, I, I'm not one of these people. I want to be clear. I, it's a little weird that people who read Infinite Jest get dunked on, but like that's a thing. That's a thing that happens. Like you see a person carrying around a copy of Infinite Jest, it's like, oh, look at that fucking guy. I have not read it, but I know that the act of reading Infinite Jest is like difficult. It's like hard to get through. But the people I know who have done it and have gotten to the end are like, it is actually a really enriching experience. 
that's very much how I feel about immortality. Like, I think it's difficult to get through for multiple reasons, least of which are like, you know, some some of the actual like content warning stuff that happens. Yeah, it's a heavy game. It gets really heavy at times. Mm -hmm. Um, But even Even just the footage of the films can be very uncomfortable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 What's actually happening in the three movies can be tough sometimes. But even like down to the control scheme and the way that it works mechanically, I, I think it's difficult. But if you put up with it and once you have the like, oh, oh, this is how to reliably do X thing or this is how to reliably do X thing or, you know, realizing that, uh, that I didn't even mention this, but the, the way you progress through the game is as you click on objects or people in one scene, it'll take you to another scene in any of the three movies that will include either that object or person or like a version of that object or person. Like if you click on a door, you might go to a different door in a different scene, things like that. But even just getting to the point where like, I think I've seen every single scene in here. What else can I click on? You know, what other new things are there to explore? Maybe there's none. And starting to slowly realize like, oh my God, when I clicked on this person's face, it took me halfway into this clip. I didn't even see the whole clip and realizing if I press L3, I can rewind all the way to the beginning of that clip and watch it from the top. It's like, wholly new information being revealed before they even started shooting the scene. And sometimes there are scenes that purposely feel like behind the scenes footage yeah. that are scenes of a movie. Right. Yeah. Uh, yes. So like, yeah, specifically in the third one, when someone yeah. yells cut, you're like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. People are yelling cut like three times yeah. in a scene because like, it makes sense in the context of the movie. And then again, in, in like the behind the scenes moment. And then again, in the context of like immortality, the video game. So wild. It's so wild what this game is able to pull off. Um, and, and the fact, the fact that it all works at all is a miracle. And the fact that it all means something greater, I think, is even is even more uh, of a miracle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's an incredible experience. Yeah. I'm, I'm really grateful to have played it. Yeah, me too. Uh, and I'll, I'll probably play it again at some point in my life, I imagine. I think, yeah. it's, I think it's one of those things I revisit every once in a while just to like kind of reframe myself in there. And I think you and I talked about this a little bit in the, in the Patreon bonus. I don't want to go too deep into it because I think it does get a little bit too close to spoilers. But there is a little bit of a potential read of it that's like, you know, we're fucked. Humans suck. Like, there's no reason for us to keep going. Like, what are we worth? You know, why are we making things? Why are, why are we continuing to move on? And I think once you round that corner and get closer to like the higher level readings of the game, it does become this more like operatic, optimistic view of the human race in a way that I think is really beautiful and is something that I, I think it's helpful to have wrapped up in something that seems so fucking dark. Yeah, that's you know? also weirdly a common factor in a lot of these games. Yeah. I mean, between Stray, Citizen Sleeper, Exocolonist, and Xenoblade Chronicles 3, yeah. all of those games are kind of about like, you know, it's worth trying. Yeah. Like it's it's yes. worth trying to uh claim at least the construct of humanity. Yeah. yeah. That's and and again, like I think like my dad has a metric, which is like a very dad quote, but it stays with me where he's like, I know a movie is good if I'm still thinking about it the next day. Mm-hmm. And immortality, I think I'll be thinking about for my whole life. Basically. Yeah. yeah, me too. It's going to be a point of comparison for for a long time. Yeah. I think about the last line at least once a day. Oh, yeah. And I don't want to say anything more than that. <laughs> which we <laughs> which we had a fun take on in the, in the <laughs> yeah. of things. I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, AJ, we you bazing- played it yet? We bazingered the last line of that game. Yeah, we did. So, sorry in advance. Sorry. No, I, I haven't played it yet and it's on my list. So I've just been um, being silent until you guys were done. <laughs> so until you guys were done so I could go, but what if Mario was in it? <laughs> <laughs> 
Why? I don't know. It's just I didn't have anything meaningful to contribute, and so this oh, whole time, the last like I'm so ten sorry. minutes. But no, 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 no. It's good. I'm real. I really, really wanted to play this game before we got here, but it's just been like, yeah. I want to play it with Tara because Tara also wants to play it, and it's just been like a, a crazy week. It's the week before. <laughs> it's the week before Christmas. Don't you want to uh, say the last line in Mario's voice so bad right now? <laughs> I want to do it so bad right now. I am having such a hard time not screaming it. AJ, <laughs> maybe put that like at the end end. And we can- <laughs> I'll add it to the Patreon bonus before oh, perfect. it gets out. Perfect. <laughs> and then people will not know what that means <laughs> until they hear this. Yeah, and Beautiful. that's weirdly like immortality. Yeah. That's oh, a yeah. Ju- it's a match perfect. cut. Yeah. Perfect. perfect. Wow. Anyway, uh, no, I am. I, I really do want to play this game, and I think I'm really going to, I know I'm going to love it and like be blown away by it. Um, yeah. It just I think playing it with a friend or a group, like it's definitely like very powerful by yourself and like a, you know, good horror movie kind of mm, yeah. scary way. It's not. It, it, it's it's horror and it isn't horror. There's yeah. horror elements, but it seems like it's like surreal at most. Yeah, I, I would say like it's very David Lynch. Yeah, exactly. For lack of a better comparison, honestly, I think the reason you're gonna like it a lot is because the the game that I played this year that it reminded me most of is Case of the Golden Idol. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. But I was gonna say like for those who haven't played it and who want to, I think playing it with a group might if ev- everyone's like on the same page with like what's in the game. Yeah. yeah. Like make sure everyone is seeing. Yeah. The just like read warnings. the content warnings yeah. beforehand. Yeah. Which are in the main menu, which is awesome. Oh my god. Yeah. Biggest tip is read the about page before you start playing. Yeah. Because they don't they don't tell you to do that, but you really should do that because it actually just like frames what you should do mm. in the game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's very cool. silly. Awesome experience. Immortality. 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 My number two. two. Wow. AJ, before you share your game of the year, I just want to thank you for, I mean, you're always Aww. with us and you always host us, but it was really fun yeah. having the full list with you this time. Yeah. I was really uh, excited that I was able to have 10 2022 yeah, video games. Awesome. <laughs> so good. Um, yeah. Just thrilling, thrilling stuff. All right. Well, let's hear it. What's number one? My number one, as Brendan said, eagle-eared listeners may have caught that I said citizen sleeper would show up again oh wow yep number one is citizen sleeper hell yeah um for a while it was tunic mm. and i was flipping back and forth between citizen sleeper and Good tunic choices. this yeah. morning um tunic's got two in the name though is that why you, is that, is that why you did that <laughs> no i actually it was the it was the it was steven saying the like the combat like maybe couldn't have been there oh. um it's not because they didn't call it one nick <laughs> oh <my laughs> just God. a single a single nick <laughs> that's the fox's name nick. actually his name is nick <laughs> Good lord! <laughs> you know, there's a secret language in the game. Sometimes, like the the information is yeah. right there. And in this case, two is waiting for us. <laughs> um, Citizen yeah. Sleeper. Citizen Sleeper. My number one game of the year. Just an incredible game from start to finish. I think uh, uh, the the story is great. The writing is great. The soundtrack is great. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that it's like, hey, 
here's some board game rules in the very beginning instantly in oh yeah instantly in yeah Yeah, that was my that was my shit i love to read rules i love to know what different dice do i do wonder if you can make like a tabletop version of this i I constantly am thinking about it i I guess you'd have to write your own characters and stuff yeah well it's such an interesting this is a very interesting thought experiment um that i have thought a lot about uh if you were to make a citizen sleeper like board game i think it would be unlike basically any other board game that currently exists there's like fog of love which is kind of about creating a a rom-com story like there are cards like wait a second that sounds great it's a two-player game i have it it's great okay it's a two-player game and you each play the opposite soon (laughs) you each play the opposite (laughs) side of a rom-com yeah uh and you choose like personality traits and all this stuff and whatever um one nick and two nick living in the same house uh and i think (laughs) what's gonna happen (laughs) get the fuck out Get the fuck out, Tunic! <laughs> Sorry. But I think... Uh, I had some late night energy. You know? We've been recording for a while. It's, it's dark outside now. Yeah, it's now. dark. Yeah. It's a dark it hour. has gotten dark out. Um, <laughs> no, I think... But but to, to finish this uh, thing, and then I'll go back to talking about the actual game, I think it would it would be kind of a situation of like choosing these cards that like make up a personality and then rolling dice based on the yeah. stuff that happens and you'll be pulling cards for like events and stuff is what I think yeah. uh, an actual board game version of Citizen Sleeper would be. Yeah. Uh, and at the current rate that there are video game board games coming out i would say probably 2024 we could expect a citizen sleeper yeah, board game announcement Slay the spire came out this year right? Slay the spire came out this year elden ring already has one dark oh, no uh, way bloodborne yeah. came out with one a few years ago yeah, yeah. Elden ring, i played the bloodborne yeah. one it was awesome yeah yeah um but i, I don't know I, I think it's not completely off the table like mm. this yeah. the, the the mechanics and the rule system in this game carry over very easily i think mm. to real life or to like a, a, a terrestrial a terrestrial a, a, like a tabletop yeah game. totally anyway <laughs> the actual game is is outside of the mechanics i think the mechanics are really great uh, brendan when you said on synchronous last week every morning you wake up and it's a literal roll of the dice of how good a day you're gonna have yeah. that like cracked my skull open <laughs> um just in terms of like you know the figurative language of like uh, it's a roll of the dice every day but it's yeah. like literally no it is a roll of the dice every day uh and i was talking to somebody else uh who was in a discord server with me if you're listening, hello, uh, who's just started playing the game because on my recommendation and was like, we were talking about the dice rolls and stuff and and the 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 system of like, oh, well, if you roll really low one day, you just stay inside and you're on the, you're on the Internet all day. You, 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 oh, my God. You don't leave, yeah. You just go on the Internet all day and then you go to sleep. That's so funny. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's exactly. That's just, that's oh just exactly is what it is. I love that. Um, <laughs> but I think uh, analogy aside, I think that system of like being able to use high and low dice I think is absolutely incredible. I think later yeah. in the game, um, when you get to the Haifa commune, the the greenhouse mm-hmm. part of the ship, um, I guess light spoilers for areas of, of Citizen Sleeper. In the Haifa commune, there is a space where you can do work in exchange for energy, and no matter what die you put in, you always get to you always get energy. Mm-hmm. And it's like the storytelling in that bit alone yeah. of like as long as you're giving something you will you will receive yeah you know you will you will be provided for in this community right i think is incredible like i get i get goosebumps thinking about that specific thing um because it is just such incredible storytelling with such little like effort if there's not there's no like like oh well you did a day's work and then you get whatever it's like you just put a one in and then it says like yeah you're gonna do work and then you get energy it's like i mean yeah so much oh. of, of D and all tabletop is like 
giving a, a dm giving story and action to a dice roll yeah and the game is letting you do that and yes it moments. lets you do yeah. it personally and i think that's that's a really inspired choice for that spot specifically but i think using the dice as as storytelling devices is is really really incredible the fact that it lets you fill in those blanks of like oh well you know i i lost a couple condition here because i put like a two in that i was kind of praying for like a good result and it went bad and you have to kind of fill in the blanks of like what actually happened and whatever yeah. and it's like not super important exactly what happened but you know you made those choices and those things did happen right um and i've been like scribbling little notes this whole time about stuff that i wanted to make sure that what i brought Mario up was in it <laughs> <laughs> citizen jumper um that's pretty good citizen thank you. mushroom yeah, <laughs> yeah i mean there's already the games yeah, yeah yeah that's true um you get big you get big uh but i think <laughs> the idea of of cycles in this game like being such an obvious huge part of it the the, the 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 themes and the message of this game similar to a couple of games that have been on my list uh, uh already this is kind of a game about collective action yeah. i think and this is something i wanted to bring up with tunic as well as stray those are also games about collective action and about these small creatures being able to affect the larger world around them right um and in citizen sleeper it is another one of those stories um and i i I wrote here that like kind of like a sleeper kind of being no one means that a sleeper can kind of be everyone totally Mm -hmm. and so like you are the acting force in all these stories but like it didn't have to be you it could have been anybody, you know, yeah. it could have just been a person doing a good thing. Like you're not doing anything extraordinary as a sleeper in this game. You're just like helping yeah. people. Even even the AI stuff, which is more out there. Like, yeah, it's still grounded in like that world. Yeah, you know, it's grounded in that world. But even the the, the stuff that you're doing for the, the vending machine AI is like. <laughs> You're just helping. You're just yeah. helping them do a thing they can't do. Yeah. And, and and then and then I think the vending machine is an apt visual metaphor as well, because like, you know, there's a point in this game where I, I've seen some critique of this and I've talked to some friends about it where like mm. it's not that hard once you're like more than halfway in to like get pretty settled like have mm-hmm. enough money to be yeah. okay yeah have enough of the medication you need eventually you can like find a way to craft it and like you could argue that the game loses a bit of its bite in those moments, but I think it retains it because you only got that through other people. Right. Like you only got that yeah. kind of by luck and also by helping others. You you gave a vending machine money and you mm-hmm. got something in return. I will yeah. say my first run of the game, that was definitely the case for me. And the second run of the game has been a fucking travesty. Oh, like, really? <laughs> I, I, nothing has worked out for me. All of my roles are getting fucked up. Like yeah. really not going very well. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's as much a part of the story as any of the other stuff is. It's like the dice can just be bad and you yeah. can just have bad luck. Yeah. And it's like, like you said, Stephen, halfway through the game, chances are you're going to be pretty settled. You're going to kind of find a stasis with, you know, your money and your stabilizer and stuff but like maybe not it also reminds me i mean like you know it made me reflect on my own situation which Mm -hmm. like you know i i I consider myself fairly stable it's okay i have a job i have health insurance like all that can go away yeah you know and it's like the illusion of stability and how close we all are to to being reliant on the help of others Mm -hmm. 70 if not more percent of the country i think is at that point you know 
Yeah. Not like 90. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I think it's so interesting too that, I mean, for all of us, at least on, on my list, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six games on my list are indie games. And so many indie games this year are tackling exactly this. Yeah. Mm. And like, what's going on at the indie scene? It's usually like, you know, small teams or single developers that are like reliant on, of course, you know, government mandated healthcare uh, instead of, you know, something better and even if it's not like what the story is trying to directly tackle like our reality informs the art we create yeah mm-hmm. so it's not a coincidence it's not like everyone was like you know what's hot this year yeah <laughs> talking yeah, about being like reliant s- on healthcare. yeah there's not a secret discord where all of the best game developers are hanging out and being like yeah. okay 2022 is the year of anti-capitalist video right. games yeah. like no that's just kind of the sentiment yeah yeah it's it's cool to see art reflective of the times yeah. you know and 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 also have a stance to make. Yes. Because I think it's easy just to be like, isn't this shitty? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. And that's totally. And this kind of goes back to what we were saying a while ago. And I don't remember what game we were specifically talking about. It's something you were talking about, Stephen, but like uh, hope in the face of a hopeless situation. Oh, like, it was Mario. Had, it was. Sorry. <laughs> I, mean, I will the stop straight doing that. face for a moment. I was like, "Did we talk about Mario?" Holy shit! Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, <laughs> it's kind of Mario too, though. Huh? Lost it, levels? Yeah, it's yeah. not the lost levels. Can, that's can, that's just what if isn't can, it shitty? Yeah. Yeah. That's the nihilistic Mario. Yeah. God. Um, anyway, I'm so sorry. No, you were good. you were on a roll. But it was like, but it's 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 these these narratives of of being hopeful in the face of like a seemingly hopeless, not yeah. even just situation, a hopeless world. Yeah. yeah. You know, like the eye being Erlen's eye being this kind of like just this thing mm. that is that is just like in the middle of space spinning and yeah. it's just like on cycles forever is just uh, i don't know i think there's something so compelling about telling stories in spaces like that yeah um and and to go further with the the cycles that this game is 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 about like not just mechanically but like the the cycles of life that your sleeper has gone through like at one point your sleeper's consciousness at least was a person who made the decision of like i will emulate i will allow a company to emulate my consciousness because i am desperate for xyz yeah, there's an unsaid story there yes where it's like there's a desperation or there's yes. like such a lack of self-worth that yeah it's like i will sell whatever's left of, of like my soul basically right. yeah yeah and the fact that that you know you start you know whatever the 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 work the, the sleepers work life was like whatever that's another cycle and then we come to this cycle of like starting a new life trying to free yourself from those previous cycles yeah. you know and and in some ways like it doesn't matter specifically what happened in the past because that stuff is done and you are here now mm-hmm. doing what you're doing you know helping people having people help you like those yeah. those are the those are the things that matter now is the time that matters it doesn't right. matter any of the stuff that happened in the past regardless of if it was good bad whatever and just like giving the sleeper who narratively is like a being created without choice as technically i guess we all are you know nobody is is yeah. asked to be born um i did but yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm an outlier um, <laughs> But like the, the the sleeper coming and, and being able to have these choices now and have agency over themselves and, and what happens yeah. with their story for better or for worse. Because like I said on Synchronous, like I chose an ending that felt right and it was bad. Like mm-hmm. it was sad and it was upsetting and it was like right. Like that is the ending that happened. And it's it's also like you were saying, Stephen, earlier with 
the Mario um, <laughs> that, that like was you it exocolonist. Know, it, it, I think it was something earlier than oh, that, okay. but it doesn't matter. But like the choices you make aren't always going to work out like how you want them to or how you think they should. But like those are the choices you make and you are you are only the result of your choices, you know, yeah. and like no matter what the outcome of those choices are, it's just up to you to make more choices in the future to affect you know your life moving forward and i think this game is just it's 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 about choice and it's about agency and it's about what it means to be a person in a place in a community um yeah. and i just think it's a really beautiful thing and and I, I i wish i could be in that world uh kind of forever because it is just like despite being kind of this you know corporate hellscape is this place full of such hope and and such like optimism for what is to come isn't that amazing it's, yeah. i mean this is very it reminds me a lot of midgar we talked about ff7 mm. where it's like a similarly bleak place that like is given charm and appeal because of who is there mm-hmm. yeah and uh yeah I, i'm that was beautifully said aj thank you yeah yeah it's a uh, sin sleeper is an absolutely incredible piece of interactive media it's great <laughs> um and and i i want to experience it again and it is another one of those games that i wish i could erase from my mind yeah. and start over well you can sell your consciousness and <laughs> that's right yes play it as a sleeper there you go another yeah. great soundtrack i don't know if we mentioned another soundtrack. really good soundtrack yeah, yeah. yeah. all good so- all these games incredible soundtracks. all these games really good soundtrack except so. for mario but <laughs> <laughs> So is that bring it to me and Brendan for our number one? To you and Brendan for your number one. You want to say Mario on three? <laughs> <laughs> why, think, why is Mario the joke? <laughs> I don't know. It's funny. It's, work, it's, make it, it's, it's making working us laugh too. at least. I know. I can't believe it though. It's just yeah. like. I it's feel worked like, like six times. I know. I feel like we've deconstructed video game podcast to its barest form where it's just like Mario. Yeah. <laughs> Losing my mind Christ. about just the existence of Mario. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, when you're right, you're right. When you're right, you're right. Yeah, sure. Uh, it's Elden Ring. <laughs> so, I was about to say, AJ, give us the theme. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no surprises. And I don't want that. You know, it's it's tricky. I feel like in this, the challenge this year, I'm not saying this because Elden Ring was number four, <laughs> but the challenge for me was sort of a devilish imp on my shoulder being like, wouldn't it be cool if Elden Ring was number five? <laughs> Don't you want to have an original number one? Yeah. <laughs> and the appeal was was great. I was like, wouldn't it be fucking sick if Exocolonist is number one? Yeah. And and again, like they all like are fantastic in their own way. Right. But Elden Ring, I, I, it's the kind of thing where like in my lifetime, I think there are like two, maybe three other games that have achieved a level like delivered on the hype that was behind them. Yeah. 
And we're so easily numb to spectacle at this point. Mm. Like we, we live in a time where like shovel night dig is ignored and like <laughs> technology is wild. And we're just like, whatever. Like yeah. I, on my phone right now, I have like a 3d Colossus card that just like moves when I move it around. And like, <laughs> there was a time in my childhood where I paid like 30 bucks for like a weird plastic toy full of dust that yeah. I could yeah. resemble a Remember shape. Hit clips. Remember we used to pay like $10 yeah. for five yeah. seconds of a song. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and an MP1 of a song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> sorry MP1 really got me MP1 <laughs> audition has an option to export things as an MP2 every and I'm no e- way and every week I'm like maybe I do an MP2 I just want to point out we've had recurring bits about Mario and the numbers one two and three for a, a, a large portion of this episode but yeah, I mean Elden Ring is is I think Brendan said in our episode about it that it delivers on the promise of video games yeah mm-hmm. I mean that's like kind of the best way to sum up everything that's yeah that's exactly how i feel about you know, it i think yeah. like you and i brendan like we've been from soft fans for a while i yeah. got into from soft i played the first dark souls and like wanted to get it but didn't really i got up to the bell gargoyles and i was like i was playing it on like a somewhat broken 360 mm. and i was like this feels like not the best way to play dark souls <laughs> yeah um and i ultimately just got more frustrated than not then Bloodborne came out and that felt like, let me try it again. Right. And I feel like a lot of people have a similar like ramp onto FromSoft stuff where it's like initially there's like this Mr. Darcy acceptance of it where it's like initially <laughs> you have this like really bad opinion mm. and then eventually it just will find you at a time. Mm, most ardently. Yeah. But <laughs> uh, uh, See, we have good jokes too. Yeah. It's not just Mario here. And We're cultured. I don't know if that was as good as Mario either. <laughs> We're all all just trying to hit the same high of Mario, yeah. Yeah. But um, regardless, I think the thing about, and and not to put them against each other, but the thing about Bloodborne and Dark Souls and Sekiro is that I feel like all those games ask you to meet them where they're at. Elden Ring does in some ways, but I do think, I would say one of the reasons for its massive popularity is it does allow you to play it the way you want. Yeah. And I think if there's any element in a post-Breath of the Wild world of like, what is it? that makes a good open world game it's trusting the player and and leading by curiosity yeah and i think for for a series that is known for like euphoria from banging your head against the wall over and over again (laughs) it's always the phrase that's used yeah i think elden ring does allow you to prioritize what what is meaningful to you Mm. you know and that that comes down to like how you play it in the combat who of the NPCs you prioritize like getting to know and doing their quests, where you explore, where you end up, and if you run away or stay there. And I don't know, I, I, I personally really, like, I've learned that my pet peeve in games is, and, and in media in general, is when there's not, there's not trust in the audience. There's, like, oversight to the point where, like, everything is pointed out. I think a lot, and this movie's fine, but I think a lot about the scene in American Hustle where uh, Jennifer Lawrence and uh, Christian Bale are arguing. And while they're arguing, there's a microwave, the microwave in the background. Fire. Yeah, and then it blows up. And then she goes, see, this is just like our relationship. And I'm like, you couldn't let us just, like, trust that the microwave was, like, aiding the scene where yeah. you're arguing? Yes. And, and like... I don't know why that stuck with me as the example, but like that really gets to me because I'm like, you're not, it, it, it speaks to a lack of confidence mm. and it goes to like, especially when you see like a play or especially like stand up or any kind of performance on stage. If the performers don't believe in what they're doing, the audience is out. You mm-hmm. know, if they're like, oh, this is weird, we're out. 
yeah. you know, and I think there's it's a totally different medium, but I think there's something to game design where games like Tunic are so confident that even when it's obtuse and even when we get lost and it's frustrating, I would rather that than this microwave is like our relationship. Yeah. Elden Ring, like I definitely think you can't excuse the lack of accessibility options, but I do think like the game design, really the lack of accessibility is like I want other people who like physically can't play this game to be able to have the same experience and what the experience is is like understanding a world that is so alive and so rich mythically that it doesn't know you're there until you prove your worth and that's fucking cool. Yeah. I'm looking at the it's cover. It's so metal. Yeah, it, it really <laughs> is. And like, there, I, I think um, I understand why some people might need a more direct story. If you want that, honestly, Sekiro is your FromSoft game. Like, Sekiro had a story that is like actually happening in the yeah. present reality it's, of the game. It's the closest FromSoft will ever get to the like over the shoulder Sony yes. Studios mm-hmm. exclusive. And I think yeah. it paid off for that game. I yeah, think like narratively, I so like I really was invested in those characters and like the relationships between Wolf and the ensemble around him. And Elden Ring, I think learning about these demigods, you know, the classic from stuff stuff through like the boss fights. Mm -hmm. And of course there's like lore and the items, but even just like being comfortable knowing you're not going to know the full details and just accepting it at least in tone. Yeah. There's something so unknowable about this world that I think it just invites that sense of mystery and that sense of adventure that so many games dream of having. Yeah. Uh, And I I mean, this is a game that I'm going to be playing forever. And thank you for getting me this book that I'm just staring at the cover of. I mentioned recently that in our time doing the show in the games that have come out in that time, Hades, in my opinion, is like, pound for pound the best game i've played yeah and i think melina and zagreus are doing like a predator high five in this <laughs> moment because elden ring is right up there i think it's just like it's just everything open world games as we know them now are capable of achieving yeah. without being hyperbolic yeah no i think you're totally right yeah it, it was that was all really well said i, I feel like you you speaking to the more holistic elements of like why this game is a success makes me kind of almost want to like drill down into like specifics Please. i just feel like this game gave me some of the most like hype jump out of my chair moments Hmm. i've ever had playing a video game i i don't want to say too much for spoiler reasons i guess in case you out there dear listener haven't played it but like there's a moment where you take an elevator that goes Uh, down yeah that is like one of the coolest things that has ever happened to me (laughs) real or not i'm not talking about video games i'm just like the feeling and the amount of expressions that my face cycled through Mm -hmm. watching this happen like unseated me from my own consciousness for a minute i was like i can't believe that people thought of this (laughs) (laughs) and then said yes to it yeah and then built it and put it in their game that only cost 60 dollars it was like that real that fucked me up but even even outside of that, I think just the the understanding that the strongest component of all of these FromSoft games for the longest time hasn't always just been like, yeah, the combat's really hard, man. Yeah, it's difficult. Yeah, yeah, dude, it's going to feel so good when you beat this boss. But like is more when you beat the boss that enables you to see more yes. and to understand more. Yeah. And from soft as a developer being like, Oh a- uh, shit, that's it. That's actually it. Let's just make a whole game. That's just that. And every once in a while there's bosses in it also is some of the most brilliant thought or like line of reasoning I've seen from a developer. And I feel like there are so few instances. I actually super giant's a great example of this. There are so few instances where like, 
you can see the actual progression of the the talents of a team reach their climax. You know, like Hades was so many ideas that started in Bastion and then Transistor and then Pyre that like culminated in Hades and created a moment, like a mm-hmm. moment for video games. And that is so much of what FromSoft was able to accomplish with Elden Ring, where it's like, like you, I started playing these games when we were both writing for that other video game website. And it was like around when the second one yeah. w- was coming out and I was tasked with reviewing that one and I had not played the original or Demon Souls. So it was like the first inkling I'd ever had was, you know, also my first foray into like games media and all that kind of stuff where I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to do the thing that now I do fucking constantly, but I'd never done it before where I was like, I'm going to go play Demon Souls on my PS3. I'm going to play Dark Souls one. And then I'm going to, review dark souls 2 through that lens of like hi i'm new to this let me see how this feels and having been around from soft for that long and watching this lineage and watching the thing i love so much become this like unequivocal biggest game of the year and not only that but like a sea change again for how we perceive open world games and what games are even even capable of was like such a fulfilling thing that was such an exhilarating thing to watch this game like skyrocket i know i shouldn't be like yeah dude fucking companies man like (laughs) they made so much fucking money like and i'm so glad to help them make so much money but like it was so exciting it was so exciting to watch people who had sworn this franchise off and this this developer off come come to Elden Ring and be like this is a place that I feel comfortable being and and coming to me and being like I had the coolest experience and just like you know give me the download of like the cool like three or four hour session that they had just had and be like man I never thought that you would have even considered playing this game and knowing that like not only are you you know this deep into the game but you just gave me a complex breakdown and Excel spreadsheet of your build and what you're thinking about doing next time so cool one of yeah one of my biggest joys in doing this show is encouraging Encouraging people who have maybe convinced themselves or have been convinced by external factors that games aren't for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that like you shouldn't swear off an entire medium because of shitty early thousands marketing. Yeah. You know, like yeah. and and I get why. I mean, we grew up with this. I think it's easier for us to kind of experience it, but like I'm always so happy when people who like don't have a history with this are able to check out stuff and be like, oh, like I love this. Like I, now I kind of know like what sort of games I like. Yeah. Right. Um, and I've, I've, I've had multiple friends who have not played like any games get into Elton ring, <laughs> which is a wild first one, but Sick. I think like they're able to enjoy it on their level. Like I had a friend who like stayed in Limgrave for like dozens and dozens of hours and I like, didn't even beat Margit until recently. And like, that's a totally valid way to play this. Yeah. There's so much to see there. Like Bach, the seamster mm-hmm. that I totally missed the first time. I don't even know why we talked about it. The the first time if I hadn't seen Bach the Seamster. Um, it was weird that you didn't bring him up. Yeah. And now I know why. <laughs> but uh, I, I also think, I mean, going back to the constant theme of, of the constant recurring themes of these games is like Elden Ring is yet another example of a game that is asking you what is best for a world that's stuck in cycles. Yes. Th- what is so exhilarating about this game, especially paired up against something like Citizen Sleeper, which yeah. is a much more like human kind of down to even though you're playing as you know an android but it's like a very human story it's a very down-to-earth story it's like oh yeah me me and these people that i live on the eye with are going to work hand in hand and make each other's lives better and that's you know that that's valid and that's a way to live life and that's cool in itself but as i said earlier one of the beautiful things about that game i think is that it, it's not you know positioning itself of being like we're going to dismantle all the systems that hold mm-hmm. us down we're going to fucking revolt like the citizen sleeper does 
not end with like, and the eye blew the fuck up, and <laughs> and uh, you all just like rode on your pile of cash out of there. Like yeah. that's that's not how that game ends. That's what Elden Ring is, though. Like Elden Ring, by being like this big high fantasy thing, is like, yeah, dude. There's a cycle of violence and and horrible, like, just you know, hoarding of wealth and power that has existed here for so long that people don't even know how long it's been going on. And uh, yeah, dude, you're gonna dismantle the shit out of that. Yeah, <laughs> is it, it's like power fantasy to the greatest degree, you know. And I love the fact that like you are given the language of a chosen one, like. You awake from eternal rest with the message, become Elden Lord. Mm. But that's also given to like dozens of other Tarnish. So it's like, yeah. yeah, I'm also the chosen one. And seeing like other characters who are trying to dismantle the same powers for different reasons mm. and the various endings that that range from like, is the move as Elden Lord to like follow the systems as they were? Should you burn everything down like literally? Yeah. Uh, should we replace it with something else like and all these endings are are fairly abstract and maybe leave a little bit too much to the imagination but i think like they're there to make you ask yourself if you did the right thing yeah because i think ultimately the adventure of elden ring is morally ambiguous like mm -hmm. you going at this sort of like county of monte cristo like i'm gonna slay all the lords yeah. and like there's almost this this revenge of the land story going on mm -hmm. in in from self history there are always a lot of like tragic bosses and i think the game sort of lingering with questions one sort of makes you want to replay it but i think it also like keeps those themes fresh because there's not a singular answer yeah you know there's not a single like in all these games that are about these really big societal issues there there isn't a fix but there's a philosophical approach and mm -hmm. this game offers multiple approaches that one could argue which is the best there's not a consensus on like what the best ending even right is. yeah like there's one considered like yeah this is better than the one where everything burns mm -hmm. <laughs> I think but, this is a where great you point, curse though. literally every person who will ever be born ever again. Yeah, the sky yeah. is stinky. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> I think this is a good point to bring up, though, because he, even in stories about dismantling these systems, you know, the question of like, oh, fuck, what happens now is like always lingering. It's ever yeah. present. Right. You know, something like Breath of the Wild ending with like, oh, you beat Ganon and everything's cool now. You know, like that's not realistically how things would happen. I know it's very silly to graft the idea of realism onto something like Elden Ring, but like that's what the game but is. It's about. Also, I mean, it's like what we said with our uh, Norse mythology episode. Yeah. You know, we talked about God of War is like myths exist as reflections of people. They're made right. bigger and larger. Yeah. But like, you know, I think every FromSoft game is uh, Miyazaki and his team are fascinated with the idea of like sort of a purgatorial existence. Yeah. And like, mm. Yeah. They're you, all rooted in myth and they're all fascinated by myth. Exactly. Yeah. But I think they also still explore you can you can interpret them. And, and apply them to things that actually exist yeah. in the same way you can with mythology. And like, yeah. what is the symbolism of Radon and his tiny horse? Just the idea of like a really big guy <laughs> who refuses to get a bigger horse is like the silliest microcosm of what all these stories are about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Elden Ring's the best game of the year. <laughs> For me, at least. Um, For me as well. Yeah. I, I, I just, I, I don't think I'll play a game that is going to hit me this hard uh for a while i imagine like it's interesting thinking about the hype cycles of the game as well you know being unveiled in a teaser at the game awards like years ago and then moving through to like every year like oh fuck are they gonna show more elden ring until like mm -hmm. eventually it's like it's getting announced and it's coming out so soon it was like brilliant move first of all just to you know understand where the hype level was at and be like we can't show this again until it's like ready 
very smart. But I just like I don't know what other games are building that kind of hype right now outside of maybe the sequel to Breath of the Wild. And like even that we were talking about it actually on the car ride over the idea of like Tears of the Kingdom is coming out next year. That's an exciting prospect for a game. I'm not personally anticipating it being like a sea change for me. Like I'm not anticipating it being like oh my god, this is so much better than the first one. This is going to blow me away. This is going to be my favorite game of all time. Best game on the Switch, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like expecting it to be like a pretty good sequel to the first one, you know? Yeah. Um, but Elden Ring, to me, feels like the first, like in the same way that all these games like Tunic are trying to take from 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 software and and take those ideas and those learnings and abstract them and, and find new interesting ways of coming at them and and taking inspiration from that franchise I feel like Elden Ring is the first game to actually take inspiration from Breath of the Wild in a real way. Um, And to me, feels like the percolation of an idea that I'm hoping is going to bubble up over the next like five to ten years. We're like... 10 years from now when we have like 50 games that we're like man it's so clear this game was inspired by Elden Ring we're gonna be so lucky to have like 50 games inspired by Elden Ring <laughs> yes I'm I'm so stoked to have like the game inspired by Elden Ring that feels like this and has difficulty options and and, and going back to what we said about like inspiration and, and a lot of games that cite Dark Souls that maybe take more surface level approach one I don't want to criticize like inspiration can mean a, a bunch of different things to many people yeah but I think that like Elden Ring feels like the things that I have always felt made those games special are much more at the surface. Yeah. And like, there are evolved ideas that also like, there's as much breath of the wild in this as there is like dragon's dogma and mm-hmm. Simon's quest. And like all these like kind of <laughs> sort of strange games from the past that maybe didn't fully execute their ideas, but yeah. are like done better here. Yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah. Um, I can talk about Elden ring literally forever. So I think this might be a good place to end yeah i think you're right i I think i'm kind of in the same boat uh it's a miracle game so glad it's on my xbox and my playstation and my steam deck oh yeah i should get it on steam deck it's pretty good i just got mass effect legendary edition on sale on my steam deck so so that's your game of the year is that what you're saying yeah okay sorry (laughs) all right uh that's 10 through 1. Thank you, Elden Ring. We did it. We yeah. did it. Do we want to quickly go through each of our lists and then take a break and do the show's top five? We should do honorable mentions, I think. Honorable mentions. That's a great Ooh. idea. After, uh, yeah. All right. So for me, number 10, Fire Emblem Warriors, Three Hopes. Number nine, Neon White. Eight, Marvel Snap. Seven, Tunic. Six, Splatoon 3. Five, Citizen Sleeper. Four, Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Three, Kirby and the Forgotten Land, two, I was a teenage exocolonist, and one, Elden Ring. Uh, my number 10, Signalis, nine, Escape Academy, eight, Triangle Strategy, seven, Not Words, six, Vampire Survivors, five, Stray, four, Elden Ring, three, Case of the Golden Idol, two, Tunic, one, Citizen Sleeper. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nice. Uh, and for me, 10, Fire Emblem Warriors, three hopes. Nine, Neon White. Eight, Strange Horticulture. Seven, Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Six, Citizen Sleeper. Five, Shovel Knight Dig. Four, Vampire Survivors. Three, Pokemon Legends Arceus. Two, Immortality. And one was Elden Ring by From Software. Wow. We did it. Wow. Well we did it. Thank uh, you, video games. Thanks for the... <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Nintendo. Thanks, Thank Mario. You, Nintendo. Do you want to take a break and then we'll do honorable mentions? Yeah, sounds good. All right.
Hey guys, this is Alana. Uh, I've, I've been thinking a lot about 2022 in games in general, not not just Goaty, but sort of the year writ large. I wouldn't say that this is the year that like, you know, my favorite game ever or my favorite, you know, sort of hit parade of games ever came out. You know, like there was a year that Fire Emblem Three Houses came out for God's sake. But I do think that this was like maybe the most important year for games in my life. And I guess what I mean by that is it made me so excited both as a consumer and as someone I think whose relationship to games is changing a little bit. You know, I, I've been sort of futzing around with maybe seeing if I could make some of them myself. And all of that is to say, I think that we're just like staring down the barrel of such an exciting moment in gaming. Like I would have to say that like on some level, my goatee is, is the Steam Deck, you know, just the existence of this thing. The, the fact that I can have Elden Ring on it, which, you know, we'll, we'll get to that in a second, as well as, you know, all of these little indie games that I've been sort of digging around on Steam for over the past few years just like feels nothing short of miraculous. But like, listen, my game of the year is Elden Ring. Like it is. Elden Ring was a force. Like Elden Ring tilted me off my axis. It's honestly on some level, even though like I have no interest in making an Elden Ring, I, I don't even know how you would. It was actually like becoming so obsessed with that game when I did really pointed me in the direction of like YouTubers. Like I got so interested in like Elden Ring lore. You know, once I'd sort of found that like sort of pathway, I got actually pretty interested in how people were talking about other games. And and, and then that led me pretty quickly to, you know, game dev YouTube. All of this is to say that this feels like the year I really got excited about what is happening under the hood in a variety of different ways. But thank you guys so, so much. I really appreciate you letting me ramble. Um, and I really just appreciate appreciate all that you guys do for, you know, the, the people who want to talk about games and the people who love to play them. So hope you guys have a restful and safe new year and I will see you next year. More like smelled and ring. Uh, sorry. Mario. Um. <laughs> you finish saying it. Mario. Mario. That's right, dear listener. We're back. <laughs> From our break. Oh, was that Gamer Fuel? Mountain Dew. Oh, it really actually is Mountain Code Dew? Code Red. Oh can I God. give the backstory to that can of Mountain Dew? Please. So, uh, so in the year 5000 <laughs> BC, Queen Marika descended from the Elden Ring. <laughs> I saw the ruin of Mountain Dew long ago. <laughs> Fucking Christ. Um, I reach into the fridge, lights off. I was getting another beer and, and I asked AJ if they wanted anything and they said, yeah, whatever's next to it. It was a Mountain Dew. I wonder if you knew now that I'm recalling that quote. <laughs> but I reach into the darkness and pulled out two cans. One was a PBR, which I took, and one was a Mountain Dew. Two, the, the, the two most eldritch drinks, I would yeah, say. Yeah, this is like when Radigan America split. <laughs> and and Ronnie stole the rune of death. Fuck? Actually, yeah. And teamed up with a werewolf. The Ronnie crew is sick. We didn't even talk about yeah, that. Yeah, they're so cool. She yeah. was assigned a werewolf, to be fair. That's true. He was created for her. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. We'll talk about Blythe one day in more detail. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, could t- I could talk about Blythe forever. Um, that's anyway. right. We're going to do our honorable mentions. Yeah, right. that's right. Podcasting. Uh, it is time to do. I guess I'll start because I'm. Our, I, sure. I, I got the mic. I'm going. We're all passing around one microphone. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, Can you imagine that would be very romantic. It'd be yeah. Also, like so hard. Yeah. 
That'd be fun, maybe. One day. One day. <laughs> Patron bonus. Actually, now that I think about it, like early years of the show, that's essentially what you and I yeah, were doing. Yeah, game of the year 2018, uh, we like huddled in front of the mic like a quarterback. Yeah. Yes. And whoever else plays football. And... Uh, <laughs> quarterback and the rest of them and the quarterback <laughs> and the other guys yeah <laughs> anyway <laughs> sorry Ma, i didn't make you be this year yeah i'm just one of the other guys, oh, the other guys. I'm, I'm an ensemble <laughs> sorry <laughs> i play a tree <laughs> so who else on the team well i'm quarterback he's javert and everyone else is ensemble. <laughs> dude runs around with a stick i don't think he knows the rules <laughs> Tommy, quickly, what's the story? Ah, he just gets tackled. <laughs> right. That's right, dear listeners. Yes, we yes, are yes, doing yes. honorable mentions. <laughs> something, something, something. One microphone. We're all laughing. Two nicks, my favorite game. <laughs> okay, sorry. Uh, as I mentioned, and as I mention every year, I usually keep a running list of every game that I played that I think is eligible. This year it was 62 games. I'm not going to go through all of them, but I do have a backlogged link where you can check out the ranked list of all 62 Goaty contenders. Yeah. Um, if you if you want to check that yeah, out, all this will be on backlogged as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And stuff. Um, so if you want to yell at us, you can do it in those comments, which yeah. we definitely read. Um, <laughs> so I'm just gonna go through. I think 11 through 20 real quick, please. Um, and and you know if you want to see 21 through 62, go for it. But uh, number 11 for me, really hard not putting this on the list because it is the game I think I played the most of this year. That is including Elden Ring. That is including Vampire Survivors. It's including everything else. It's Super Auto Pets. Oh, yeah. Um, I've, I've talked oh my about God, this. did that come out this year? I think it's like a, it's technically maybe a go toy, but uh, yeah, it was like, you know, mid. It was early access yeah. at some point. Early uh, access and launched, I think, fully this year. Holy shit. Uh, on mobile specifically. Kind of a Vampire Survivor situation. Sure, sure, sure. In that way. Um, Super Auto Pets, brilliant auto battler. I think like the one that I would just hand to everybody, even if it was like, yeah, I, I don't need you to know what video games are, but you'll like Super Auto Pets. Like, yeah. it's just that good. Um, it's great. My partner, Percy, and I play it, like, literally every single day. And, like, uh, part of our, like, wind-down routine sometimes is, like, yeah, we'll just, like, lie in bed and both, like, play Super Auto Pets for a bit before we go to sleep. It's, like, very cute. It's very nice. Um, <laughs> but I just, I love this game so much. I think it's incredible. I return to it all the time. And since launching on mobile, they've updated it with, like, here's a bunch of new animals. Here's a bunch of new, a bunch of new like, animal packs and things. And they change it on a weekly basis. So the game is, like, literally changing constantly. Um, and it's like just fun to to figure out. It's like a little puzzle every week to see like how you can find new synergies with weird animals. Um, and that's I've already talked more than I wanted to about Super Pets. I just love it so much. No, it's great. Uh, twelve tunic. It's got the two in the twelve and 12, the two in the name. So yeah. you know, I had to line up somewhere. Um, no tunic tunic rules. Um, I think I think in most years tunic would have been in my top ten. Yeah, I was gonna say I was really surprised given how much you love Fez. Yeah, we were talking while you were gone, AJ. That I feel like if it wasn't for Elden Ring, like I really wouldn't know what number one would be because mm. I feel like they're all like killing it in their own way. Yeah, they're yeah. all they're all so good at what they're trying to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fe- Fez, uh, one of my favorite games of all time. Um, I I think it's a masterpiece. And Tunic, I think, like gets close to to figuring out why Fez was so great. I think sure, on, on sure, that sure, front, sure, sure. Um, you know, another game I like busted out a notebook for. Yeah. Um, but uh, the combat just kind of didn't work for me, unfortunately, yeah, and, and no, dragged no. me down enough that, like, at a certain point towards the end of the game, I just turned on all the, like, easy mode stuff. Oh, like, yeah, me too. I'm not here for this. And yeah. I'm glad that that option exists in the menu. Uh, very thankful for it. But also, there's a little bit of, like, you know, there could have been a little bit more of, a, like, a design by sh- subtraction. Yeah, totally. Here. Definitely. Um, anyway, that's Tunic. I, I still love it. It's number 12. Um, 13, Pentiment. 
unreal that that game exists. Um, <laughs> Obsidian making a game about a guy who is uh, an illuminated manuscript artist working in an abbey. Um, I don't mind saying, I didn't want to say this on our first episode about it, but I don't mind saying this now that we're like five hours into our goatee episode. Uh-huh. Um, but, <laughs> yep. but uh-huh. it's a game that like, you know, starts off with, you know, Oh, I'm just having little conversations with people in town. I'm just learning what it's like to live in this time period. I'm like creating this character, whatever. Oh shit. Now it's a murder mystery. And now mm-hmm. I'm a detective, even though I have no right to be a detective because I'm just an artist working in an abbey. I got to figure this out, I guess. And that involves interrogating all the people in town, but also the game takes place in three acts and each act is a different portion of time in this village. So you're like moving, there are huge time jumps uh, in this game. Um, And I I think just like seeing even from act one to act two, like your choices as your character rippling out over, you know, the like 20 years between act one and act two. And like, why do you still find yourself living in this town that you don't really have a connection to in the first place? Also, why are you the go-to detective for this is fascinating. But how did like the one shitty remark you said to somebody ripple out into like their whole life being fucked up? Wow. How did your one little bit of kindness to somebody that you thought like was totally nothing ripple out into like, wow, this person is, you know, they have a great life. And mm. it's like maybe my fault. Um, Sounds like the promise of fable in a way. Yeah, no, it yeah. super yeah. is. And I think a lot of that is due to scoping. You know, it's yeah, like just right. due to the game being this like kind of side scrolly uh, 2D animation. Um, you know, not that it's not hard to make that because this game seems so difficult to put together but it's more focused but it's more yeah. focused yeah exactly um and i don't want to say much more but I, I think again this is one of the situations where like what happens between acts two and three is such a huge seismic shift in hmm. what you think this game is that that moment by itself should have like propelled it towards top 10 um but i just think this game is is a little bit drawn out at times and it's kind mm. of hard to play for long periods because it is reading a book like straight up like that's what the game is yeah um it, it's a good book though that's that's like my biggest problem with like all these really great visual novels this year is that there's no voice acting because <laughs> yeah. like if there was voice acting and like even exocolonist like i would have yeah. done it in one sitting i was just like too tired to keep reading you know what's amazing i didn't even realize there wasn't <laughs> i guess because i my my i think my foundation of being like a young age playing like ff7 and stuff mm. i think that has like oh, made me sure, more sure. comfortable with no voices yeah but i totally get where you're coming from because like if it's it's a little even even an exocolonist i think has incredible writing like there are moments for that i kind of breeze past right yeah you well know, I, so I, like, I even i did that with citizen sleeper too yeah, like some of the yeah. best yeah. writing i've ever read but some of it i was just like uh-huh yeah like, <laughs> I, it's just like man, i've been reading for so long like i'm at the end of a two-hour play session and i'm just starting to glaze over yeah you know? that it's was just... the big issue with me and pentiment also it's yeah. like i love that game my my routine the week that that game came out was like i would go down the street i would get a bottle of wine and i would like drink a bottle of wine and play pentiment shit. and it was like such a fun week <laughs> obviously <laughs> uh but also not the ideal conditions to sure. consume a game so dense yeah it's almost yeah. like the opposite of the cutscene problem like if a game is entirely cutscenes, we're just watching a movie yeah and if a game is is not gamifying the dialogue enough we can feel imp- even if like we like reading yeah. yeah we can become impatient which i think honestly like one of the best ways of a game handling being primarily text is Kentucky Route Zero. Oh, yeah. Because it really leans into that. And yeah. it's like, there are so many moments of that game early on where, like, everything in the background will fade to black. So you really are. Mm, like, just that is reading, the closest yeah. to an actual book that a game has ever gotten. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, and and Pentiment, I said this before, but I'll say it again. It's the closest I've felt to feeling the Kentucky Route Zero thing. Yeah. Oh, um, wow. But there, there are uh, some issues, I think, in pacing occasionally. 
Number 14, Marvel's Midnight Suns. Uh, oh, yeah. A played. late release that I am like totally still hooked on and playing almost every single day like a lot. Uh, I, I think it it delivered on the promise of what that what I thought that game was going to be. Yeah. And then some um, I'm so deep into it and I can't stop doing side quests. <laughs> like I'm not even progressing the story and I don't think I have for like a week. Like I just keep <laughs> I just keep progressing relationship meters and that's all I can think about doing. Uh, it's incredible. That game is real. <laughs> uh, and, I, and you know who I am and where I work. Uh, and, I'm, <laughs> and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm saying that uh, it's it's inc- it's an incredible uh, accomplishment. Um, Kirby in the Forgotten Land, number 15. I love it. It's, yeah. it's Kirby. He's like my favorite dude. Uh, okay. Number 16, <laughs> Case of the Golden Idol. Um, as everything you said, AJ, I, I feel applies here. Um, I felt like a genius sometimes, but also sometimes I felt like a f- huge fucking idiot. Yes. Um, and uh, I, I love, I just love the art. I just love the yeah. art in this game so much. Yeah. I think it's so pretty. It's unbelievable. Um, 17, God of War Ragnarok, a game I haven't finished. Uh, and that to me says more about how I feel about it yeah. than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think like having played 2018 for the first time, I could not put it down. Yeah. I, I also liked Ragnarok a lot. Um, but yeah, it just, it has, it has some serious pacing issues. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if, if you're subscribed to the Patreon and you've watched the videos of me making my way through, you can see and probably hear me getting like less enthused on the game, the further mm. in I got. Um, and I've heard that it ends wonderfully. Yeah, I want to see it through for yeah, sure. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm definitely going to chip away at it over time, I think is my plan. Um, but it was one of those games where like in the lead up to Godi, I was like, is this going to be a thing that I'm going to really want to put the time into? Am I going to really like shift my opinion on this if, if I finish it, if I'm not being drawn to finish it? You yeah. Know? Like how much should I put stock in the fact that maybe it'll be great at the end, you know, um, if I'm not loving it now, but that having been said, I got to see what Asgard looks like in this game. Yeah, I'm invested <laughs> enough in the characters still. Yeah. And, and the story, cause there's a good story there. Just the, the way it's delivered is confusing. Yeah. Not in like, I can't follow and just like, why is this the way it's being told? Yeah. It's you, know? you and I, I think talked about this off the show. I don't know if we talked about this on the show, but I, I think the game is asking you so much to trust that it's going to pay off. Mm. And like, yeah, you built up a lot of goodwill with 2018, but also I'm like 12 hours into this game and I don't, fully know why i'm doing anything I'm it doing. also kind of feels like the friend who like you're going out to dinner with and like so where do you want to go it's like i don't know where, wherever yeah, you, you want. live here why, why are you asking me yeah. like we're not going anywhere then. Yeah, yeah i'm visiting you in your hometown yeah. <laughs> you need to tell me where to and go their dad calls them and is like you have to choose your path <laughs> um anyway i act i really do love what i've played i think it is there are moments of god of war ragnarok that are like oh yeah far the opening beyond. is so good yeah i was like fully i, I again yeah by all means, a great game. Yeah. 18, Pokemon Violet. Nice. Um, a game I like a lot. It has a lot of issues. We've talked <laughs> about them a lot. Yeah. Fue Coco's in it. So, you know, going to be Not in the top 20 at least. Um, number 19, I was a teenage exocolonist. Nice. Um, like I said, didn't finish a run. Uh, what I got through I thought was really impressive, but not enough to compel me. Mm-hmm. Uh, number 20, r- surprised that this one made it so high up considering everything that's ben- uh, beneath it. But Domekeeper. Um, oh, nice. It's a nice. game that I think I brought to the show during October, during spooky season. Yeah. Um, and have actually returned to like a lot, a lot. It's kind of been one of my go to Steam Deck games, which I've been surprised by. Yeah. Um, I just I just think it's awesome. I think it's a really cool game. Uh, and there's not a whole lot to say about it outside of like, yeah, they just did a good job. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, those are the those are the honorable mentions that I'll shout out. I imagine we have a lot of overlap in some of the other stuff so yeah yeah i i have five quick ones and some of them we already said so my honorable mentions these are these are games 
in no order that were on the list at one point that I shuffled around. Um, the first is Dorf Romantic, um, really Hell great yeah. like village builder mm. that I really I really wanted to put on, and it's an incredible game. Like this list is not like oh, it's too bad it's not as good. Like this is just I didn't fit it. You know, there's only ten spots. Yeah, all right. right. Uh, really incredible village builder. It's like, <laughs> I think I think the Giant Bomb crew on their game of the year they they had that in the in the lineup for one of their categories, which was like best game to play while you're really drunk or really high. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I was thinking while listening to them talk about it, it's like you just gotta be really high for that one. I think if you're really drunk, you're gonna be so weird. Yeah, out that game. I think I describe this game as Settlers Solitaire. Yeah. So it's like yeah, it's it's got that kind of Catan resource management. Mm. Like it feels a little bit frivolous at first and then you're like oh i messed up eight turns ago yeah (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. but it's just so pretty it's It's so so fun to play highly highly recommend if you like city builders and games that are kind of zen but you maybe want a little bit more of an ask this is like a dream come true yeah even even when you like royally fuck up in that game you're like i'll see it through yeah it's so chill it's great yeah uh pokemon legends arceus um arceus was the one yeah this yeah i i want to play more of scarlet I'm still really early on in Scarlet, and I've actually had a number of people reach out to me being like, you got to see the end game because it's wild. Mm, And I really trust that. So like I want to. Yeah. The games that, you know, again, our relationship with games changes over time. And like the beauty of our show is we'll have more than enough opportunity to revisit all of these games, Mm. regardless of where we personally rank them. So these are all games that I am excited to say more about at some point. Yeah. Um, and Pokemon legends, I just think is an incredible proof of concept and is beyond that too. Like it's just a great game, Yeah. but I'm really excited to see what comes next. And Pokemon Scarlet, I think is like more flawed in my opinion, but still like, I think you said the game, the fact that both games exist paints a promising future for the series. Yeah. And I totally agree. I'm my biggest concern there is, is that future just, legends 2 and whatever you know another like mainline entry that is following the same exact formula yeah. scarlet and violet mm. i know that that's probably the case like that is they're gonna continue both of those franchises they independently so well they they all did great yeah that is the thing and i what i i think am most hopeful for and i know will not exist is a merging of those two yeah get take at least two or three years off <laughs> no poke which won't happen yeah no. but like in my world of worlds, three years without a Pokemon game, come back with that fusion. Yeah. That's what I want. Right? That sounds great. I mean, think think about all the other franchises that have done that, right? Like Assassin's Creed taking two years off of their yearly cycle and coming back with Assassin's Creed Origins. Or Tale or Tales even, which like, you know, we have our critiques of Arise, but like that totally paid off for that series. Yeah. You know. Call of Duty has even done it, and that's yeah. that's worked for them. Like every <laughs> once in a while this happens with franchises that you think are like you know invincible yeah and then they come back the better for it and that's i mean that's kind of what they used to do because i mean the time between sun and moon and sword and shield is like three years yeah Mm -hmm. so take give us a break (laughs) god of war ragnarok uh we talked about it already um signalis and immortality those are all the games that were like in orbit of Mm. of 10 and uh shez beat them all sometimes when you're right you're right yeah yeah, uh, I don't really have honorable mention stuff. I have stuff that I still want to play uh, from this year. Um, I want to try and finish Triangle Strategy. I, I know it's on my list, but I want to try and actually like get to the end Keep of it. Keep an eye out for the salt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Live Alive was a game that I was Dude, really curious about. That's one of my biggest like 
in another life. Like, I just didn't have time for yeah, it. Yeah, that's what I feel like it's going to be like. I feel like I might actually just play Live Alive instead of finishing Triangles. That's kind of like I, at a certain point it was so late in the year that I'm like, I yeah. can't just like dip my feet into this. I need to like actually play right. the game. Right. Yeah. And I'm excited to see more of it. I almost did that. Like I almost yeah. made it all the way through. I got through four of the storylines before mm. I put it down and I really wish I'd kept going. But did you were you having fun? Yeah, it was awesome. It? Okay. Yeah. It's okay. so fucking good. Yeah. Um, it's maybe uh, honest like if I'm being real, I think of all the 2D HD games that Square has released, that is the best one. That's the best one. Yeah. I'm yeah. excited to play it. Um, we'll see how Octopath 2 does, I guess. Yeah, that's true. That comes out <laughs> early next year. Yeah, that's... Oh, that's going to be an unhinged episode, soon. I think. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm curious. You haven't talked about Octopath since early days. Yeah, yeah. that was our first episode. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Look at us. Uh, see, of- Octopath knew <laughs> they gave us four years of nothing. Now yeah. we're pumped. Well, they gave us triangle strategy. That's true. Hmm. Mm. anyway sorry i interrupted you no, you're good uh horizon forbidden west is on there i am only i was what, surprised that wasn't on your list i'm only like eight hours in and i have done nearly no story stuff yeah um so like i've done like the inciting event to like get to the forbidden west yeah uh and then not much else after Are you that. excited to go to hollywood in the dlc i'm really excited for that yeah i'm more interested in hollywood than i am in the forbidden west yeah i think uh chris plant friend of the show said on besties um in this their their first game of the year uh, you know yeah bracket episode that or maybe it was it was russ i don't know uh having the hollywood sign be there yeah and like acknowledging the fact that there was a previous world in such like a overt sense yeah um is like that really really big, aids that that was the big lingering mystery of the first game yeah right it was like where are you when are you yeah kind of i mean yes and no because like you were finding like coffee cups and keys that they yeah. were like these are wind chimes but it's right. just like keys um but then the dlc of the first one was set in like yellowstone like mm-hmm. you were you found stuff that said like yellowstone on cool it. yeah um but anyway uh so forbidden west is on there uh strange horticulture is something that i was kind of like yeah. bopping back and forth of whether i actually wanted to play it or not i think you probably have sold me on it today that's great uh marvel midnight suns Again, he sold me on on synchronous. I think sounds like a great time. Uh, Teenage- Ching baby, <laughs> <laughs> right in the old wallet. Uh, Teenage Exocolonist. I'd have to put more time into Norco. Is a game that I downloaded the demo of immediately and then did not open. Mm. Um, and I'm, I've heard really, really good things about it. So I'm really curious to check that it's out. So cool. Yeah. If you like the art in Curse of the Golden Idol, you're gonna love the art in Norco. Yeah, that's the thing. I I'm, I'm a big fan of like the uh, of kind of like 2.5D ish uh, yeah. pixel art. Um, I played Backbone this year, which is a game that came out a couple of years ago, um, and that game was absolutely stunning. Mm-hmm. Um, had like semi 3D, but also still pixel arty backgrounds, yeah. and you were playing as like pixel, like really nice pixel art. Anyway, uh, and then Road Warden was a game that I played a little bit of, but similar issue, just too much reading. <laughs> yeah, you you and I talked about maybe going over that on, on Synchronous, yeah. and neither of us brought it up after that initial no, conversation. No, I played a bit of the beginning of it, it yeah. and I was like, okay, I'm kind of digging the vibes here, but I did not get into like what they show in like the trailer on Steam that makes it seem cool. Of, it's like, such a cool... Yeah, it's it's such a cool conceit that I think takes a long time to pay off. Yeah, Yeah. and I mean, it's I I just just briefly, I think Road Warden, like in the very beginning, you like pick a class, quote unquote, which is really just like your your history, I guess. And like one of the things is like you're a scholar and it tells you like if you're if you don't choose this class, there will be things that people will say that you will not understand. But if you choose this (laughs) class, like we will explain it to you. Yeah. So you can role play as a person who knows what stuff is. That's yeah. I, one of my favorite parts really cool. of any D&D game is when, when someone goes like, 
Psst, will my character know? Yeah, what do this I know means? about this? Yeah. yeah. So, oh yeah, you're an expert in this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love that stuff. I think it's so cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really curious to to play more Road Warden, but it's just like I got tired of reading stuff, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, that was a game I was also trying to play before bed, which oh, was no. like, oh no, that game is putting me to bed. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's it's really like the the color palette and yeah. the words and just like all of it is like very chill. Yeah, kind of like vibes. Yeah vibes only but cool yeah so those are my my looking forward to still have to play kind of honor, honorable mentions love it love yeah it. now it's time for our top five. Oh my god for the, for the show <laughs> oh Jesus my god. christ i think um i mean it's nice to just know that elden ring is number one yeah i think that's it would be silly if it wasn't after yeah. what just happened um but honestly like it, you and i were talking about this a little bit in the break but like we have five games that overlap in our top 10 lists, but they're all over the place. And as you said, I think we're going to be pretty, we're going to want our higher ups. Yeah, so to ju- just yeah. to explain this process. I don't know if we did for yeah. new listeners. Oh, yeah, uh, true. We obviously did our top 10. Now we do a top five for the show for the Aether itself. And this process is us kind of figuring out like which five games that are maybe on both of our lists or that like, there's a little bit of a of a pseudoscience to it because it's not exactly like what <laughs> m- mathematically equates, but sort of like what are the five games that both of us liked that are representative of like our collective taste and the show itself. Yeah. So number um, one is Elden Ring. Number one is Elden Ring. Um, God. So what are the five that in, uh, what are the five that we have that overlap? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Fire Emblem Warriors. Okay. Neon White. Okay. Citizen Sleeper and Xenoblade Chronicles Three. I think of those Citizen Sleeper and Xenoblade, I would make a case for top five for the show. Yeah. Not to say that the other the others aren't good, but I think they're they were lower for both of us. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's a good answer. Because that was what, ten and nine? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean honestly, Three Hopes is pretty representative of the Aether, but I think like given our collective discussion, Citizen Sleeper just feels like it should be there. Yeah. As does, um, yeah. Xenoblade does feel like a game, like even though you and I, I guess both haven't finished it at this point that it's like so clearly vying for that. Yeah. Um, and if it, from what I know about how it ends, just based on like people I know who have finished it, who have told me like, it's great. Uh, Mm -hmm. it's great. So I, I think, I think it'll like maintain and be worth seeing through. And I think when we do, we'll be happy. It was on our top five. That's also like, like I remember when that came out and we both played it, that was like a big episode for us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like in terms of just our energy on it, like we're excited to talk about it. Yeah. 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 Um, so, okay. So that gives us, now that's set in stone. We'll see how we feel. So yeah, I, here's, here's what I have on the list. I have Elden Ring at number one. I have two through five are blank and I'm just writing down things that we think might fit in those spots. So not even so at ranking yet. We have two. So Citizen Sleeper and Xenoblade 3. Yeah. What from your list do you demand is here? <laughs> <laughs> and I then and then maybe we can whittle th- some things away. Also, AJ, I welcome your input as well uh, in this process. No. Um, no. <laughs> no. You said no? Yes. <laughs> Why is no funnier than Mario? Um, okay. So let's see. So my top five was Elden Ring. Okay. So five and four were Xenoblade and Citizen Sleeper for me. The the other two that weren't on your list were Exocolonist and Kirby. I'll make a case. For, well, Exocolonist is is dramatically lower on yours. Not to say that you don't like it, but I think that was maybe more of an experience I had. Even though I do think it's representative of what we both like in games. Uh, I'm not going to demand that. I'm going to make a case for Kirby because I think we're both 
Kirby guys. So I want to put Kirby in that collective yeah. uh, potential list. I think that makes sense because to me, Citizen Sleeper and Exocolonist kind of fall in a similar, similar umbrella. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, this is my big issue. I think I would only allow one of them. Yeah, and yeah, I think personally. Citizen Sleeper I was on all of ours. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It was your game of the year. Yeah. So yeah. that's not nothing. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that that's definitely worthy of being there uh is there anything from six to ten that you're like oh yeah make a case for this um so we're, we we're, in, ruled... we're, in, we're in early making cases yeah mode. yeah yeah we rule we kind of ruled out neon white and three hopes i would be open here's the thing i i feel weird putting marvel snap on my personal list but i would be comfortable putting it in the top yeah, we can in, throw it in, in the aether list if you wanted to consider it i think that's worth considering then tunic and splatoon 3 i think splatoon 3 was only on my list mm-hmm uh tunic i think was on aj and mines mm-hmm. i'll add tunic neon, to that. neon white was on both of our lists yeah honestly why don't while we're in the early phase why don't we just put three hopes in neon white there too whatever yeah, sure. <laughs> whatever okay put dwarf romantic there i don't even give a shit anymore <laughs> okay so yeah i don't think uh splatoon 3 and t- tunic we added and then splatoon 3 Wait, tunic we added did we or no I don't think so. You uh, said, yeah, do you uh, want Steven okay. said Tunic and, and Snap. Okay. Yeah, and then Splatoon 3, is, I think, is more of a me thing. Yeah, okay. So, that's, so those are the early cases. Yeah. So mm-hmm. how many is that? Where does Overwatch 2 go? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know what's sad? Not a single person voted for Overwatch 2. Junkrat. What a bummer. I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not sad in the sense, like, I didn't really, I think that game has a lot of questionable stuff around it, but like that should have been exciting. Yeah. You know, I agree. That's kind of what we, yeah. So honestly, some of the games that came out this year, I consider to be like actually disappointments. And that's, yeah. that's one of them. Sadly. Yeah. Um, okay. So those are the games that you wanted to make a case for. I would also like to make a case for some games. Please. Immortality. Yeah. Yeah. Is, yeah, is totally. my number two. And, uh, probably outside of Elden Ring, the game from this year that I will like think about and reference the most in my life. Um, in all respects. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, <sighs> what else was on my list shovel knight dig definitely not uh that that, that's that's for me that's mine uh but i wish it was for everybody yeah uh rcs i also i mean i can't really make a strong case for rcs um throw it in i mean it was an honorable mention for me yeah i think you know it's it's i think pokemon is always in the spirit of the i was surprised that there were no pokemon games in your top 10 at all i was too um which makes me think like why would it be in our top five that's true Yeah. yeah um actually i'm just gonna remove that fine so long. Yeah. The other one for me that I'm thinking is Vampire Survivors. Yeah. Which was on your list also. Yeah. And is good. <laughs> I think I think it's like one of the breakout hits of the year. When I think about 2022, I'm going to be thinking about Vampire Survivors. Yeah, that's what uh, I was going to say. It's like alongside Elden Ring, weirdly enough. Those right. are like the two big games, but like should should the big game be the one that makes it? I don't know. I mean, we already put Elden Ring on, so... <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that's not really... That's kind of a moot argument. Yeah, all right. AJ, anything you want to make a case for? Um, The only one I would say, uh, besides Aether. Vampire Survivors and, and Tunic, which we've already added... Um, is it Idol? It is Golden Idol, yeah, is is what I would... I mean, yeah, that's definitely, like, that's our vibe. Yeah, so while, yeah, while we're just pitching things, that's... Yeah. It makes me wonder if you would like Ace Attorney. Probably hearing your praise for that. Probably. I think the great Ace Attorney Chronicles, at least. Yeah. All right. So we have that's 10 games in in this list that we need to whittle down to four. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. So 
let's start. You just want to go through and see what, what each of us think? Yeah. That might be the best way to do it. Okay. I like that. I yeah. like that. Um, yeah, before it gets contentious. And this isn't like, this can just be the next step. It is, we don't have to do exactly for it. It's sort of like mm-hmm. yay or nay kind of thing. All right. Citizen Sleeper is an obvious yes for all of us. I think so. Yeah. Right? 100%. Yeah. Okay. So we, we can say yes to Citizen Sleeper. Great. Xenoblade Chronicles 3. I would say yes. For our top five list i had a number seven i think so i think i could put a yes next to this and feel pretty good about it yeah all right kirby in the forgotten land is your number two or three three is your number three i it's a good video game it's a good one you can uh, inhale a yes to all of them again. <laughs> um it wasn't on your list was not on my list it was number 15 on my list for the sake of having to make hard choices i'm just gonna say maybe we can cut this one okay sadly i'm gonna put a, a little mark next to it just in case well, yeah it is a question mark it might be good here's the here's the biggest question for me mm. is is marvel snap <sighs> marvel snap you, you had pretty low actually it's eight i will say before i removed it from my list it was number three. Oh, really yeah. wow um i i personally i just think it's like such a well-designed thing it totally is yeah um but uh, you know i agree with a lot of the a lot of the stuff about it so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a little bit hesitant about including it on our top five for that reason and if it was so low on your list like if it was higher on your list if you were like this is number two for me i would be like yeah yeah maybe maybe a question mark for now yeah i'd okay. say for now i think it's like a soft yes yeah okay uh neon white is the other overlap for us that I think is worth considering here. Yeah. I mean, on both our lists, I think it's a really cool game. Uh, I mean, obviously, really special. yeah, all these games are great. Mm. Uh, just, just to remind the audience Whoa. of myself, dude, yeah. <laughs> um, these are the games of the year. Yeah. How many have we said yes to already? We've said actually yes to two of them. Okay. And we have four spots. Yeah. I want to say yes for now for neon white. Okay. Fire Emblem Warriors, three hopes. Oh my god. How self-indulgent should we get here? <laughs> we here's the thing. Here's the case I'm gonna make for three hopes. I think uh-huh. we're probably I don't want to sound egocentric, but we're I maybe one of the <laughs> few podcasts who have put this game on any kind of list. Uh-huh. And I think it might be fun. And and I genuinely think it's good. This is not like just shit posting. No, I agree. I think it's a great game. That was the most surprising thing about it. Yeah. I mean, as we said many, many times, like it shouldn't be as good as it is, which yeah. is like, I know a backhanded compliment, but I don't care because I thought this game was going to be shit and it was, <laughs> it was tight as hell. It feels so fun to play. And it's also, this is like representative of like us, our show. I think it's probably, that's its biggest strength right now in making the top five is like, it is very into the aether. Yeah, it is. Um, what do you think, AJ? Stacking it up against games like Tunic, <laughs> Immortality, and Vampire Survivors. <laughs> yeah, that's all I'm saying. Like, I, I feel like if we're trying to put a fun game in the in the five, I think Vampire Survivors is the one. Not not to you know, it's on my list, obviously, but yeah, I think. But I think I don't know. I think. Th- that game is more our show. Maybe it's I'm Which being, one? Uh, Three Hopes. Three Hopes. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I? I okay, I have, I have a thought. Yes. Okay. Talking about making hard choices. I would axe Neon White if that meant that Three Hopes got a better shot. Because what I'm thinking about Three Hopes right now, one of the most important takeaways for me, something that I had forgotten, but I think we talked about a lot in our episode about it, um, is it changed my perception of what Fire Emblem can be. Yes. Also. The idea of taking out the like turn-based strategy combat 
would make me think like this is absolutely nonsensical and i know it is technically a spinoff it's a warrior spinoff but it felt as much like fire emblem to me as three houses yeah, did. The, yeah the writing was on par if not better at times yeah and and the sense of strategy still exists in who you're choosing and where you're sending them in any given moment and if anything it takes the idea or the the abstracted idea of of strategy and and you as the tactician on the battlefield and literalizes it in a way that Fire Emblem never had before. And I think that that's an evolution of Fire Emblem, which will absolutely fucking never make it into the mainline franchise. And I think that that's a disservice. So if this is the only time we ever get this, I think it's worth highlighting. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. I think this is a huge this is a huge swing for this franchise that will never pay off. <laughs> yeah. So it might as well pay off here. Yeah. Yeah, Th- this is the Pokemon Legends Arceus of Fire Emblem to me. Yes, yes. Mm. See, I, I think uh, I, I think Neo Might's an awesome game, but I think yeah, if we're going for like what's representative of the Aether, I think we can I think we can remove it in favor of Three Hopes having a better shot. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's Three Hopes having a better shot. Yes, but I even just looking at those two next to each other, it's like, well, if I have to cut one of them, I'll cut Neon White. Mm. Tunic is next on the list. I would give Tunic a yes. Yeah. It was on all of our lists. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Oh, no. It, it, well, well, it, was, it, it was on. It was honorable mention for yeah, you. Yeah. 12, Nick. 12, Nick. Oh, <laughs> 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 okay. Immortality. I'm going to fight for immortality. Yeah, I think immortality. I mean, even though it was honorable it was mention for me, like we've already talked about it three times and yeah. it's a game that will stick with me for a very long time. Yeah. I think it's also like. We're interested in games that that push the definition of what a game can be. So I think it definitely fits the bill. Yeah, always. Yeah, it's going after ideas that I've never seen in a game, mm-hmm. uh, which is really compelling. Um, it weirdly feels like like um, like Death Stranding level to me <laughs> in a weird way. It's the third Stranding game. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Vampire Survivors, which you don't feel strongly about. But yeah, I mean, I, I like it. I, I, I think it's really fun. Have you had that aha moment that I was describing? Not really, no. Yeah, I wonder, yeah. If, I wonder if you will eventually. Yeah. And if you do, if you'll be like, oh, you know? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's really good. Like, I, I think it's a great game, and I'm not against having it, but I think there are others that are, in my opinion, yeah. that I fight stronger for. You know what my favorite things about Vampire Survivors is? And maybe you've felt this, or maybe you haven't, maybe nobody feels this, and this is, like, <laughs> sad. Okay. But sometimes when I'm playing Vampire Survivors, I unfocus my eyes. Oh. <laughs> Because you don't even need to focus. Yeah, sometimes I get to a point sometimes where I will just like, uh, yeah, and just like stare at the screen for a couple minutes. Yeah, and yeah. you're just you're just moving around. All you need to do is avoid. I'll just stop moving. I'll you just, just I'll hold oh, you it. Just don't I'll just, move at all. Sometimes, yeah, I'll just look at it and just go uh. and see if you survive. No, I know I'll survive. I'm just giving myself like a 30 second break. Oh, interesting. Sometimes, sometimes I just unfocus from the screen entirely, and I'm just mm. like, well, I'm just avoiding these big blobs of gray, <laughs> you know, uh, which is pretty easy to see on the green background. It's just very simple. It's about yeah. the moves you don't make. It's about the moves you wow. don't make. Yeah, yeah. Vampire Survivors is jazz. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, if I, oh man, not to this is tough. Not to put pit these two against each other, but if I had to pick Vampire Survivors. Or Golden Idol. Yeah. I would pick Golden Idol, I think. Because I think if Whoa. I could continue playing Golden Idol, yeah. I would be playing that instead of Vampire Survivors. That's interesting. It's uh it activates similar pleasure centers in my brain. Oh my god. <laughs> at the times of playing it. But the fact that it is it is a finite story with an ending um <laughs> is is the only reason I'm not still playing Golden Idol. That's really funny. Yeah. 
dude, live service. <laughs> live service case of the Golden Idol. Is that what you're asking for? Yes, please. Destiny 2. Yeah. But Golden Idol. Yeah. Um, she put the whole dictionary on a... Interesting. Okay. On a so it sounds like I'm the only one who really wants Vampire Survivors, so I, I, think, I, I think it's maybe an X. I mean, I do I do want it. I mean, it, 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 I, it depends on how you guys feel about Golden Idol. The th- here, where, where I'm coming from is that there are no easy choices here, and yeah, I don't 100%. really feel strongly, so I think this is an easier choice for me to say sure. nay to this one yeah okay um and if you're if you're already in the bargaining stage and you're giving up vampire survivors <laughs> then i think that means that like i would need to do so much work and i just we've been recording for so long yeah <laughs> it's just an accident i mean i i put it at number four on my list i feel good about sometimes it sometimes you just try to survive for a half hour and it catches up to you it yeah, catches some, up, sometimes yeah. it catches up to you yeah all right so goodbye vampire survivors i'm so sorry i love you so much i love you okay. i get your pain i'm giving look i'm giving up X colonist and Kirby here silently yeah, in the background. True. So well, Kirk, Kirby's got a little slash next. That's to it. true. Kirby, Kirby's not done yet. That's true. Uh, there are a couple of games with little slashes next. To Kirby me. survived Sephiroth's attack or whatever <laughs> it was. Yeah, crazed. Okay. Um. So that leaves Case of the Golden Idol. Case of the Golden Idol is a game that I haven't played a lot of, mm-hmm. but I already feel it's more our show than Vampire Survivors. Mm-hmm, which sure. I don't really n- fully know what that means when I'm <laughs> saying it, but this is all about the abstract and about like yeah. Yeah. feeling out the vibe. Yeah, at the risk of being too on the nose, it's it's ethereal. It's an ethereal energy, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. but I think like this is a game that I trust like when I play more of it, I will feel as strongly about. So mm-hmm. I'm, yeah. I'm in favor of giving it more of a chance. How did you feel about Return of the Obra Dinn? I still haven't played it. That's yeah, I, have no, I, have, I have no follow-up questions. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Okay. Well, that's yeah. been on my backlog for four actual years. Yeah. Same. Okay. Yeah. Um, so here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna remove the games that we put X's next to. So that's Vampire Survivors and it's Neon White. Bye bye. I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you what we have as like the maybe section. Sure. Uh, which is actually very helpful because they're all right next to each other except for Golden Idol. All right, here, here's in the main. Well, it's worth mentioning that we have uh, four games on this list that we said yes to, and we have four slots open. Oh, so it might be but as it, easy as that. It might be as easy as that, but it's worth it's worth revisiting these. So we have Case of Golden Idol, Kirby and the Forgotten Land, Marvel Snap, and Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes that we said like maybe two. Got it. But we should revisit Ooh. the games that we said yes to were Citizen Sleeper, Xenoblade Chronicles Three, Tunic, and Immortality. Can you repeat the maybes? Yeah. Golden Idol, Kirby, Snap, Fire Emblem. And the yeses were Xenoblade. Tunic, Citizen Sleeper, Immortality. I'm worried about Immortality. Yeah. You didn't play it. I didn't play it. I really want to, and I'm sure it's going to be a great... You didn't have it in your top ten. Can I swap <laughs> three hopes for immortality twice in the same day and and claim to get art, you know? Can I do that? I think you can, yeah. Um, I think it's okay. I really like the ones we said yes to, honestly. The two on the maybes that I would make a case for are Kirby and Three Hopes. Okay. So that's an X for Marvel Snap then. Yeah, I think I just AJ's not played it. Yeah. I didn't have it on my I list. I think it's for a great game. But yeah, I think I think I'd rather highlight the other ones. Okay. Yeah. So I'll I'll get rid of I'll get rid of Marvel Snap and that, that whittles it down by one. <sighs> okay. Hmm. I I feel like right now, obviously, obviously, obviously Citizen Sleepers making yeah, the list. We can iron that in. I'm gonna I'm gonna separate that out from everything else. I feel like everything else is a little bit up in the air for mm-hmm. me, at least. Um, so that leaves Xenoblade, Tunic, Immortality, Case of Golden Idol, Kirby, and Fire Emblem. I think we can maybe lose Case now that we're hearing all these all these other ones. 
Does that work for you, AJ, or would you make a case for it? I didn't mean to do that. Nice. Um, you had it at number three. Mm-hmm. I had it at number 16. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing for me, and th- mm-hmm. this this comes back to the exocolonist versus citizen sleeper of it all, mm-hmm. is that when I think about like games where I'm a de- fucking detective yeah. and I'm figuring stuff out, uh, Immortality, immortality does that. Me. Yeah, Immortality mm-hmm. is the one for me, and uh, honestly, saying more. Sure. Yeah. 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 For sure. Um, yeah. Uh, Gold Knight is like a fun romp. Yeah. It's a romp. It does not have a message. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, even, even if it does. It's like, don't be a rich person. Yeah. <laughs> it's, exactly, it's like literally that. Yeah. I like, do greed. Yeah. Not for me. Ugh. Yeah. I like Jesus. Um, no. Yeah. That's a good enough case for me um, because uh, not having played immortality yet, I was bucketing that or umbrellaing that with Citizen Sleeper. But if mm. it's more of a detective thing than it is like a story thing. Thing. I think so. Yeah, I mean, I mean I it tracks you, based I, on what you've said. Like, how did you on, feel about it? Because I the the pull for me at least initially was like I'm a detective. I'm going to figure out what happened to Marissa Marcel. Mm. You know, and then obviously turns into yeah. A, a bunch of other I mean, stuff. you're investigating. That's that's like the main verb, I guess. Yeah. So it's very different in terms of how they like portray that verb yeah Yeah. absolutely yeah Yeah, but like when you're framing through a clip you know literally frame by frame so you can click on the like the one object that shows up for one second when somebody turns around you know yeah like ha i fucking got it and then you you know match cut that that's a cool feeling here's here's my compromise i think if you get immortality i would request either kirby or xenoblade make the five Mm. yeah I mean, I'm very happy with Xenoblade making the fight. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like at that point, it's it's Xenoblade. Xenoblade. Yeah. yeah. And I'm cool giving Immortality. I think this is a vote for future you. What? When you play Immortality, you'll look back on this moment and be like, yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I think it's similar to God of War 2018. <laughs> in, our, in our 2018 episode, we're like, I was like, I'm putting it on the list. Yeah. And you're going to be happy I did. And I, and I am. I, future Steven is. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know. Was I advocating for like Octopath? Like, what was the what was the obstacle there? I don't remember. Yeah. Oh, it was Celeste versus Hollow Knight. I think something like that. Yeah, that Celeste was, was on it though. That was yeah. That was the, yeah. It was well, Celeste, Hollow Knight, and Spider Man were all vying for one, two, and three. Yeah. And we we compromised. Um. But but God of War, I like shoved into number four. I think. I think the ones that were in orbit were Into the Breach and Monster Hunter World. Oh yeah. Yeah. Gaming. Dude, <laughs> Dude it's tough out here. Uh. Mario. Interesting, interesting, Cut interesting. <laughs> I heard that under the radar, Mario. That's Sonic Mario. Yeah, I did that. Subsonic, Subsonic Mario. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. This is interesting. Then. All right. So, let me, <laughs> let me put Immortality up here with with Xenoblade, mm-hmm. which leaves Tunic, Kirby, Fire Emblem Warriors. Here's the thing. If we say yes to Citizen Sleep or Immortality. And Xenoblade, that means we have room for one more game from that. And it's fr- between that Tunic. Tunic, Kirby, Fire Emblem. I would say... Like, I'm going to need you guys to bring me over the line with Tunic if you want Tunic, because I'm I'm less really hot on it. Yeah, I think, I think it's a great game. I mean, like I said, it's number 12 for me. It's pretty close to making the top 10. Yeah. Um, but my my frustrations with that game outweighed the joy at a certain point for me. Yeah. And I mean, the highest for me there is Kirby. Kirby was number three for me. Yeah. yeah. So I think I would make a case for Kirby because it's also like, it's a pretty dour list so far. I wouldn't <laughs> mind having a little bit of, even though Kirby is near Automata, I wouldn't mind having a, sure. a, like a Nintendo 
kind of <laughs> sure. baby game on there. Sure. But I mean, I also love, I mean, all three of those games I would love to have. Three hopes for the reasons I advocated before. Mm-hmm. I Putting it above those two is a little bit difficult for me because mm-hmm. I literally didn't do that myself. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I think. Interesting. I think Kirby and Tunic are both games that are making a really strong commentary on like game design mm-hmm. and three hopes is my best friend. So that's <laughs> kind of where we're at. So I feel like I'm like, I, I feel like I kind of see Kirby or Tunic yeah. or three hopes. Have you ever seen that Orson Welles interview though, where he gets asked, do you ever regret putting your friends in roles instead of the people who were actually best for the role? And he said, absolutely not. <laughs> Friendship is more important than art is what he says. Well, well, AJ, you're here with us. Yeah. I, I think for this final edition, I really want your input here. Yeah, yeah, like... yeah. I am okay leaving Warriors outside. <laughs> I regret asking AJ. <laughs> I was so, I was I, like, oh, this is the moment I, we opened yeah, the show with yeah, this. I'm sorry. The three oh, Musketeers you really thought the three async hopes. thread was going to work for you, yeah, huh? And, yeah. and immediately, like a DMV level of coldness. <laughs> no, I, I, I just like to hear, I mean, to see how high you put Kirby. Yeah, no, it makes and sense. And to hear you talk about it. And, and then Tunic to see how really high, high I put you, Tunic yes. and yeah. how I talked about it, I think Warriors is the outlier there. I don't want to put you on the spot, but can you give me the pitch for Kirby? Yeah. Why Kirby, did it make number three again? Kirby is a game that reminds us of the strength of level design of the past and the joy of simplicity, mm. while also redefining what the series is about and finding its voice after a decade of misdirection. You know what yeah. it really actually, I, thank you for crystallizing it. That was, I didn't even expect. That I don't know good. what I just that was said. Great. Yeah, that was like, like my eyes crossed. <laughs> you're at some perfect up. level of however much beer you've had. <laughs> you've you've hit that that like programmer zone. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget what that's called, but you've hit that definitely. <laughs> yeah, I don't know here. what just came over me. Um, here's okay. The thing that you just said reminded me so much of uh, Game of the Year 2023 Chained Echoes and the <laughs> the, un- <laughs> the un- speaking of future you. Yeah, the understanding that you can pay homage to the past and understand that game design has moved forward. And I, th- I do think you're right that Kirby in the Forgotten Land is like a pitch perfect example of totally. that. And if putting Kirby in the Forgotten Land in our top five seeds my victory with Chained Echoes next year, then I'm willing to do it. No, I, just, no I think you're right. Three, <laughs> uh, this, this triangle strategy I sincerely think think that that's a great point about Kirby. And I think yeah. you're right. Um, and and it's, it's, a, it's a shining example of, of where that franchise could be. He, Kirby doesn't need to be on the fucking bench doug bowser yeah let him play let kirby his parents came out to see him suck up a truck yeah Yeah. and drive it into god and fight god (laughs) yeah which yeah that's not even a spoiler that's how every kirby game ends yeah Yeah. i don't always get cosmic yeah i don't don't know how the game ends but i'm just assuming you fight god you fight a really interesting beast cool beast (laughs) yeah nice so is that it uh that removes tunic from the list okay I guess it's a bummer. <laughs> I asked you to make a strong point for Tunic. Yeah, let's hear it. What do you? What do you, what I, you no, got for I me? mean, I don't really have a strong. I, I, Tunic has just had one of my. No, it's a very personal. <laughs> you thing, looked I at think. me like you were really mad. I'm so sorry. No, that wasn't meant to be. Well, you asked and you asked me a different question, which mm-hmm. I. Or then, then Stephen opened the floor to. Anyway, Tunic has had one of my favorite gaming moments ever that I've ever had in a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, solving that final puzzle. That's um, number two for you. Yeah. Do you have like a game on this list that you feel strongly about? That's what I want to make sure. I want to make sure we all have like. A, a piece here i mean citizen sleepers on there oh yeah of course so yes so cool good <laughs> um goodbye fire emblem oh god 
Yeah, sad. I mean, we've already honored this whole episode is us gushing about everything. We've honored it. It, it was true. on our, it was point. on both of our lists. Can you yeah. believe it? Yeah. We do need to cut one more game out though. I uh, I don't want to. <laughs> Between Tunic and Kirby. Yeah, I don't want to leave Tunic, but but Steven's made a better case for Kirby than I could make for Tunic, I think. Um I think I just got possessed by Orson Welles. And that's what <laughs> yeah, I I I just I mean one not going to be able to form as a coherent as coherent a thought <laughs> as that encapsulation of Kirby oh, was. That's true. Um I I just like it won't be as crystallized, I don't think. It'll just be more uh I don't know. Well, that's Tunic. But, tunic is all a mystery. <laughs> yeah. But I just think the puzzle solving and discovery in Tunic is like unmatched to me. And like the, the I mean, talking about the, the Dark Souls coming back to the Firelink Shrine, mm-hmm. like that happening over oh, and yeah. over and over again in Tunic and it yeah. always hitting. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, mom- like the moments that that like come to surface in tunic are are unmatched yeah like we said many times this episode um yeah. and the, like the understanding of of like what is possible and the things yeah. that you could have stumbled into at any point yeah had had you found a page or not right shocking yeah it, it's it yeah. seems like both tunic and kirby really understand their game design intention totally um which is what's what's tough for me i mean also not oh, having God. played kirby i don't really and Kirby, like, if you upgrade the ice power, you breathe out snowmen. So if that nice. helps you make a decision, nice. You can you can uh, cuddle up in a little bed and look at a figurine of yourself. <laughs> That's what I'm doing anyway. Uh, <laughs> I'm. Hey, what do you think, Brendan? I'm fe- I'm I'm questioning uh, Xenoblade and immortality. Really? Yeah. I'm Whoa. like, would I cut in favor of Tunic and and Kirby? Kirby? Yeah. Interesting. Um, I mean, I think in that case, hmm. I mean, you had Kirby above Xenoblade, Steven. I did. Xenoblade was number four for me. Yeah. So in my world of worlds, we get Kirby and Xenoblade. <laughs> right. But I wouldn't I wouldn't ask that of both of you. Yeah. Um. So I think, I mean, Xenoblade was, what, six for you? Seven for you? Yeah. And Immortality was Your two. deal was, though, if Immortality makes it in, it's either Xenoblade or Kirby. That's true. Hmm. So I think for us... AJ, based on what we've shared, I know you haven't played much of Kirby's Xenoblade. Based on what I've played none shared, of either of them. Yeah, right. But is there one that you would want to play? You've also edited your... the podcast where we talked about. Them. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. Um, I you've been here all along. Yeah, footprints in the sand. I don't know. I don't know if that's a fair question for me to answer because I I mean to put you on the spot. No, no, no. no. I, I just mean like I Xenoblade is not the kind of game I'm interested in sure. playing yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, too I, long. I get it. <laughs> too long. Too much <laughs> happening. Um. Like, so if I, if I, if you were to give me the choice right now, like, Hey, do you want to play Xenoblade or Kirby? I would say Kirby. That's true. Um, but that's just kind of, I'm, my... I'm, I think I feel, I mean, I did, I put it above it. So I think Kirby will be my, my vote for this. Yeah. Top five. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's complicated though. Cause I think, cause Xenoblade is on both of your lists. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, I will say that I'm willing to part with it for immortality. For Im- immortality and for immortality. And if we can get Tunic in here, Kirby and, tunic. and get Tunic. Cause yeah. I, I, Oh man, this is tough. Yeah, Tunic was high enough up on my list. Like it didn't make the top ten, but it was number twelve. I mean, that's not nothing. It was number seven for me. Number yeah, seven. Yeah, seven. Seven for you, two for me, twelve for Brendan. The thing, the thing I'm thinking about Xenoblade right now is how I don't want to dock it because it's too long. You know? Yeah. But it is too long. <laughs> And at the end of the day, like, I know what they're going for thematically already. Like, I can see it happening in front of my eyes. And I'm asking myself, 
how hard that's going to hit by the time it all wraps up. Like, I think how much of the way I'm going to feel by the time I'm done playing the game is going to be just because it's, it took a long time and I was with these characters for such a long time that I feel like this real emotional, overwhelming, uh, like dump of feelings about them and, and the struggles that they went through, et cetera, et cetera. Like, and is there also something to be said for the fact that the game worked with that kind of runtime. It's a little bit persona five V right. Where it's like, yeah. it's, it's a miracle that that game can hold your attention for a hundred hours. You the, know? It flies by in persona yeah. because it has that life sim stuff. Yeah. And it hasn't for me with Xenoblade. Yeah. Like Xenoblade uh, sometimes as, as you even said, sometimes I'm like fighting against, I'm fighting against my own urge to do what the game wants me to do, which is like to spend all my time going and doing hero quests and side quests and all this other stuff. Because I'm like, I am just kind of interested in the main story and the more time I put into it, the more I find myself mainlining the quest line, which means that the other stuff isn't working for me. Yeah, I get that. I mean, I've also been enjoying the main quest the most. So, yeah, I think I think uh, it's it's a tough decision, but I think having Tunic, Kirby and Immortality sound it feels right. Mm. I would just say this is like a totally unfair comparison but Elden Ring is a 200 hour game on here that you have both said that you have fun playing. Yeah. Um, and I've Zin- been and Zinoblade, 90 hours. Yeah. But I mean, but you've, but you've playing it more than once. That's true. Yeah. Um, and Xenoblade is a game that you have both said does not respect your time. Yeah. Um, so and that's a great know. point. And I think, I think also you're weighing the game doesn't respect my time against some of the combat stuff. I didn't really like, mm-hmm. uh, with tunic. Um, yeah. So I don't. I, th- I think it's just. I think Tunic's also going to have a more profound like ripple effect in terms e, of game yeah. design. I would hope so. Yeah. Like I again, I love Xenoblade. It was number four for me, but I think like I can point to Tunic as like here's an example of like intelligent game design and like one that that respects the player and leads with curiosity, just yeah. like Elden Ring does. Yeah. yeah, I think all of these games on this list, uh, if we were to take out Xenoblade. I think Elden Ring, Citizen Sleeper, Immortality, Kirby, and Tunic all have things you could point to that is like, this yeah. is, like, in this moment, this is, like, pushing the medium forward. Yeah. Well, what number was Tunic <laughs> Says for Jeff you? Keighley. Yeah, I was just about to say. <laughs> what number was what? Tunic was two for you? Two for me, seven two for, you, for you, 12 for Brendan. Yeah. Uh, that I think that's a good five for me. Now, is it good for you, too? Do you want to move to order? Or do you want to... That's a great five for me. I think that works. So, yeah. So, what is it? Elden Ring? Elden Ring as number one. Citizen Sleeper, Immortality, Kirby and the Forgotten Land, Tunic. Mm-hmm. Got it. I think Citizen Sleeper, it was number five for me. It was six for you. It was one for you. I think like that is like two or three, maybe. Is that like the most consistently high for all of us? Yeah, it seems like it. Yeah. Yeah, because otherwise only only I had Kirby, only Brendan had immortality. Right, we both had Tunic, and we, both had tunic. we all had Citizen Sleeper. Yeah, so Citizen Sleeper is number two, I think. Actually, yeah. works at number two. Yeah, I, I'm I'm that's the only one that I'm confident in saying is number two. Yeah, for now at least, until we all play immortality, <laughs> <laughs> or until I play immortality, I guess. Well, you did play immortality. I did. And where was it? It was honest? honorable mention. It was an honorable mention. Hmm. Okay, so. So Elden Ring number one, Citizen Sleeper number two. So we have Immortality, Kirby and the Forgotten Land, and Tunic. Oh man, I think um, I had Tunic higher than Kirby on my list. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think it, it was on all three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think Tunic is number three. This is wild that we went from like let's cut Tunic to Tunic is number three. <laughs> yeah, the year. <laughs> makes me really happy, honestly. 
I'm glad. I think number four, Kirby. <sighs> number four, okay. Kirby. Number five, Immortality. Oh, that does that make sense? I mean, it's your number three. Yeah, Kirby. Um, I, I'm down to. I mean, I'm just glad Kirby's but there. Immortality is Brendan's number two. Yeah. Mm. Maybe maybe this is a lot easier than we thought. I mean, I I I would love to have immortality at least at number four. Okay. I would fight for that, and if I have a feeling that fight's gonna be very easy, is that a very easy fight? Yeah, I think Kirby. I, I think Kirby's had enough of a time getting on this list that I think <laughs> being five is fine for me. Yeah, Kir- Kirby's no longer in the Forgotten Land, Stephen. Kirby right. is in the land Kirby where all in the five gotten super lands. fucking aware of. Yes. Yeah, because it's number five, five gotten. Thank you. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, is that it? How did Elden how do Ring, feel? Citizen Sleeper, Tunic, Immortality, Kirby? I'm going to look at my top five again. Yeah, I mean, this feels great for me, <laughs> if I'm being honest <laughs> with you. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, all I'm missing is three of my top five are here. Oh, my God, really? Right, yeah, three of my top five are I have also Elden here. Ring at one, Kirby at three, and five, Citizen Sleeper. Yeah. Teenage Exocolonist and Xenoblade are not on there. Yeah. But you can't win them all. I, I think this, I, I don't know, I think this is this feels good for me. How, about, how do you feel, Brendan? I'm going to fight for shuffle night dig uh, <laughs> um actually i would like oh not man. words my thing that i'm considering now is immortality at three tunic at four hmm. i think that makes sense just because tunic was lower for us like i was it was seven for me it was off your list so i mean, having it three is a little high maybe where's immortality in your heart? It's currently do, you, do you have it numbered in your honorable mention or no just unnumbered just it's in it's in a vortex because i would say it's kind of in the it's it's basically in the same spot like immortality is brendan's number two and on your honorable mention and tunic is my number two and your number seven yeah so they're kind of um and so my Kirby be lower well, kirby's already kirby's five. five yeah yeah, yeah you, no you're right kirby should be lower <laughs> and Shovel and Knight Dig. Dig should be number five. <laughs> Pokemon Red. No, I... <laughs> yeah, which what Go Toys can we get in here? <laughs> yeah, let's put Portal Two. In Chrono Paper Cross. Mario. Yeah. Uh oh shit. Uh, what is your case for Immortality Three? Inst- like over. Two. I think I think it'd be cool if they made a second one and then they should make a third one. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so, so the third time we're talking about it. Um, well, I, here, here's so your number one is two. Yes, my number, number two is three. Yeah, I don't even know what math I was trying to do there. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is always what happens. Is like we get into this like bargaining phase that really just equates to us being like, what if we opened Excel? Let's give that a shot. <laughs> yeah. Can we assign point this values? Out? Yeah, but no, it just has to. This be, is the hardest it's been be in a long time. Yeah. Usually it's like, cool, we already did it by yeah. accident. This is, I look, I guess a little bit of background may be worth going into from like the 2018 episode of the show when we first started doing this. And, and the first idea for this being our game of the year show is largely inspired by what Giant Bomb used to do uh, before their whole staff shakeup. Um, and I loved their episode this year, which is like a totally new way of them doing it. But the way that it used to be was like a really like intense 
almost like argument between people for like 20 straight hours, <laughs> which was hard to listen to, but was like really compelling at times. And my thought was always, it'd be interesting for us to have a low key video game podcast where we only bring games that we love and we fight over how much we love them at the end of the year. Yeah. This is not like a, I'm going to try and tear another game down to put mine higher or whatever. It's just Except like for three, ho- three it, hopes. <laughs> yeah. I guess. Brandon just said no to my face. <laughs> I agree. Uh, God. <laughs> I, it was a nice idea, but it no, wasn't working. I understand. Out. Yeah, I totally um, But I, I feel like we're where we're orbiting right now is a, a complacency that we've had for the past couple of years since 2018. I think that our lists have kind of lined up for the most part. Yeah, things have been pretty easy, and yeah. I think things are getting pretty hard now. Yeah, because I, I'm kind. I think I'm like lying in the sand. I think immortality needs to be at least one spot higher. Mm. So he wants to be in top three. Yeah. Okay, and and currently the top three is. So I think it's Elden Ring, Citizen Sleeper, Tunic. Right, I now. would not move Citizen Sleeper. I think that makes no. I think that makes sense as number two for all of us. Yeah, I agree. Um, three is currently Tunic. Yeah. yeah, I think I I think I could I could move Tunic down for Immortality for you. Personally. Elden Ring five. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel, AJ? That's your yeah, Tunic's your thing. I. Yeah. You're part of this now. You brought the top ten. I feel like. <laughs> thank you. I feel sorry. I didn't mean to like disregard no, just that. Keep I'm rubbing just, it I'm in. Deep like, in thought. No, I, am, I, I am happy to be here and be able to actively be a part of the discussion I'm of the games that came out this year. Yeah. Um, I think that the stuff that immortality is doing mm-hmm. sounds more consistent than the stuff that tunic does through the whole game. There is stuff in tunic that is done really well, mm. but if we have to dock points from games in order to like move them up or down, I think we can dock points from tunic for some of the combat stuff. People not, would not say the same thing about immortality though. I was going to, yeah, that's what I was going to ask. I think like, they're what? actually both. I mean, I think discovery is another recurring theme here. Yes. And they're both games about organic discovery that will make you shocked and in awe. Right. And, but both of them also have mechanics built into them that will actively deter you from yeah. discovering things, <laughs> you know, like go, go into the discord right now, uh, dear listener, or even the two of you. And a lot of the discussion in the immortality thread is like people who are fighting against the controls. Hmm. I would argue that discovering the controls is part of the discovery of the game. But I'm I think the only person I've ever seen think that. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that. Um, but I feel very strongly about the game and what it's about. Uh, but I don't know. Hearing you both talk about Tunic, though, it makes me think maybe it should stay at number three. I just I just I didn't connect with it the way I wanted it to. That, that's like really what it comes down to is like at the end of the day, it was like one of my most anticipated games of the year. I played mm. the demo last summer. I loved it. Really blew me the fuck away. And then yeah. when I finally got my hands on it and like got to the end, I was like. I don't know what I'm taking away from this. I had some like fun, cool moments, but overall, a lot of the feeling I had was frustration. Mm. I will say, even though immortality was an honorable mention, like I did resonate with it. Like we talked a lot about it. Yeah. So like, I do think that's worth something. Like, even though it wasn't like a numbered mm-hmm. thing, yeah. it was still an experience we both had that we both really loved. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if it, if it comes down to like message and subtext, I think tunic loses that battle. Yeah, of course, yeah, I most yeah, if if that was what we were ranking things on then immortality is number 1. But, but I just mean in, the, in yeah. the case of these two games. Yeah, 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 but I I I think I I think what Tunic is about, I maybe we should maybe go into it a little bit more sure. for fear of spoilers, I guess. If if you want to skip this, then skip this, but I my feeling about 
tunic at least the takeaway that i had was the idea of like essentially the the thing that resonated the most with me was the idea of leaving home for the first time and not understanding how to make your own way in the world and needing to learn for yourself needing to understand how the world works and who you are and what your place in it is is all stuff that is like literalized in tunic but also i think has the the larger broader idea of you know what do you do as a parent when your kid leaves? You know, like how are, how are you supposed to detach from that? And how are you supposed to not constantly be influencing your kid and let them find a life of their own, which is also a lot what God of War Ragnarok is about. And I think this game is a much more elegant way of going about that. Honestly, at times, um, that, that message in tunic really resonated with me a lot. Mm. I, I thought that that was really strong. Um, but what I needed to do to get there was what annoyed me, I mm. think. Mm. I don't know if I got the same message out of Tunic as you did. <laughs> um, because what I what I got out of Tunic, I think, is is like it is up to you to kind of make your own way based on the actions of people who have come before you mm-hmm. um, and to fully understand the stuff that has happened in the past in order to be able to move on yeah. to the future. Yeah. Um, That's going to track. Exocolonist. Maybe we should reconsider. <laughs> well, but no, but I think that's like the thing we talked about earlier is like that's kind of like that general message and, and yeah. like this message of collective action, like it's I said earlier. Yeah. Is is it's a, it's the zeitgeist, right? Yeah. It is it a is zeitgeist video game? Show? Yeah, yeah. It is what this year is like about in yeah. video games. Is like your yeah. choices as a person based on stuff that you did not have control over in the past. Yeah. And like your ability or inability to understand that stuff and to slowly your your relationship with history. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Which I think is kind of meta in the sense of like instruction manuals being inherently retro yeah you know and and the yeah, like buying a used game from a store and having a, a manual that's been all like marked up by somebody who came before you yeah, or yeah. like renting a game from blockbuster and seeing somebody else's save file on there yeah. being like i'm gonna just jump into this i was still weird deleting it sometimes yeah. i keep it Me like, too. Yeah. if there was if there was another save file i'd be like this is mine now i'm Andy. not yeah I, the first time i played <laughs> The first time I played Advanced Wars, I didn't know how to do it, so everyone called me Rick for like <laughs> most of that. It wasn't until we did the Game Boy Advance episode that I was like, "Oh, I can delete Rick." Oh my <laughs> god, goodbye, Rick. Yeah, um, I thought Rick was like so the funny. canon like CEO. That's so funny. Yeah, it was not. It's Steven. Um, I don't know. I just really like that message. Mm. Um, but I think that message is also found in Citizen Sleeper. Yeah um it's it, this is a difficult choice for a million reasons but it's also like the math is the same like right. these are both games that have incredible moments that are arguably hard to get through and i am the common element with both games like all three yeah. of us didn't have that right. with both of them yeah where do you um, where do you land on this do you think you know i think they're important for different reasons yes. i think there there are I think Tunic is this is also where they're opposites where Tunic yeah. is a game that is in a genre that is arguably overpopulated. Sure. But is re- overpopulated. It's a hard term. But there are a lot of games like that that are trying to be Zelda or trying to be it. Yeah. And and Tunic stands out by having this really wonderful conceit for a game with the instruction manuals. And yeah. I don't know any game like Immortality. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I've never played anything like that and I may never again. Sure. Right. So like. <laughs> That's all like those are both strengths. Yeah. Uh, it's hard yeah, for me yeah. to say which is better. I think um <laughs> You're not gonna see a lot of immortality likes out there. <laughs> Jesus. And we I think you might three movies for this one. You might see some tunic likes, you know? Yeah. I I'm, I'm gonna make it easy because I feel like this is getting very abstract, but I think <laughs> I'm gonna lean towards I like tunic. How abstract this is getting. I, I'm gonna lean towards tunic just because it was on my list. 
Okay. You know? yeah. I mean, it's honestly, it's an easy one. It was. It, I was almost forgetting that as we were diving deeper. Sure. I'm like, wait a minute. I, this, I put this on my list. And I didn't put immortality. Yeah. So that's where yeah. I stand. Okay. But I, I want. I want you to get what you want too. You it's know? okay. Yeah, and I mean, I no, I think you're making very cogent points. I think I think tunic at number three. I even convinced myself into tunic at number three. So I was gonna say I'm really happy with Citizen Sleeper at number two. So if we if we like really, <laughs> this is also what happens. I feel like Brendan wanted us to have these arguments, but we're both like whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I sorry. think I, I I mean I'm I'm happy with tunic yeah. tunic three immortality four. Uh, yeah, I'd be happy either way, honestly. Yeah. So like that's another thing. It's like if you would be happier with immortality higher, that's also fine for me. No, I I think. Uh, I think it's cool that it made the list at all. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's kind of where I, I land on it. I, I don't need to say this, but I'm going to say this. <laughs> I think playing immortality mm. as another communal experience that I will have with my partner. Yeah. I think will ultimately make it better in my head than mm. tunic. Um, but as I stand right now, you haven't played it. I have not played it. So interesting. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So maybe it may be egg on my face in the future, but we'll see. Okay. Uh, it's on the list. So that's probably yeah. good enough. I mean, it it uh, it beat out, uh, you know, sixty two games. Yeah, six, sixty. <laughs> yeah, sixty one other games, or I guess you know, not that many. Uh, beat out a lot of games. Yeah, fifty eight games. So that leaves us at Elden Ring, Citizen Sleeper, Tunic, Immortality, Kirby and the Forgotten Land as the Into the Aether top five for the year. I like that. I love Kirby. that. Covers a lot of ground. I it's love so weird. Kirby on that list. It's such a weird fun cool list mm-hmm. i like it yeah i like it too it's totally it's totally fucking bizarre <laughs> outside of elden ring at number one which is like obvious are, yeah. do, are you gonna fight against that do you care no i mean okay. it's like i could but it's like me fighting against every other video game journalist in the mm-hmm. like in the world yeah that's understandable. you stand against the wind <laughs> yeah uh what is it the 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 fallen leaves tell a story of how elden ring became number one yeah <laughs> <laughs> We no, I'm that one guy recall. doesn't like the toothbrush. He's not even a fucking dentist. <laughs> Four out of five dentists. Um, <laughs> no, I think I'm 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 really happy with Elden Ring number one. I mm-hmm. think that's I think that's fine. Yeah. That is where I expected to end up. Yeah. I mean, if we want to get spicy, I could say let's <laughs> No, Elden Ring number two, Citizen Sleeper number one. But I don't know. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, I wouldn't win for me. Unfortunately not. Even though I do love Citizen Sleeper. You would need to have come with like prepared a prepared speech and deliver it like Phoenix Wright. Yeah. Yeah. Basically had spectacle. To, uh, I would need spectacle. <laughs> I would need spectacle and basically brainwashing. <laughs> you need to sit me down and, and show me propaganda. Yeah. For days. If you if you want to create the greatest podcast moment of all time, be my guest. Yeah. But I do think Elden Ring is going to remain at number one. I think so. All right. Let me go get the. Uh, I should have come prepared the, for three hopes. I should have stacked. <laughs> la, la, la. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what if you could do it all over again? <laughs> but this time you had cooler. Hair. What if Raphael was less interesting? Oh my God. <laughs> That's true. What a bummer. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. The, some of the Golden Deer were like, what if you didn't have a story this time? <laughs> That's, You're right. That game shouldn't have been on our top five. What were we thinking? <laughs> That's so interesting because I feel like all the Black Eagles are like, what if we were smarter? <laughs> interesting. Like, what I if had, we thought um, like people? Yeah. I really liked Marianne was like a star. <laughs> She's great yeah. in, in Three Houses, but she gets over her stuff earlier in mm. Three Houses. Should we put it on the list? <laughs> Look at what just happened. Look at what just happened to us. That, I mean, I was trying to make a case for it, and, and AJ looked me in the eyes like our pupils magnetized, <laughs> and he just went, no. And he like moved on immediately. <laughs> I, t- I agree. <laughs> well, yeah, what would I, get removed, though? 
The only thing would be Kirby, and I, I don't want to remove Kirby. Yeah, I, I think the, the list is more interesting with Kirby. Yeah, Kirby. I I want to do three hosts, but Kirby was three, and three hosts was ten. This yeah. would be this would be not respecting math at a certain point, <laughs> which is what this list is. But yeah, it is the three of us. Yeah, I mean, you got like we have all played three hopes, which is the case I was trying to make earlier. Yeah, would you feel better about that than Kirby? No, <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Honestly, I, I, well, yeah, because I feel like like <laughs> we have said that I, I am so with you. We yeah. have said that Warriors is like unbreak my heart, <laughs> my best friend said no to me in my face again. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Oh, that was awesome, actually. No, I mean, but we've said that like Warriors is like it does some better stuff and it streamlines some things better or whatever. Yeah, Marianne but steals the show. It's Marianne steals the show. But you have said that Kirby is like a feat of game design and like yeah. like yeah. the legacy of gaming and Kirby, which yeah. I think is more of a statement that I would I, I that I would Kirby like to make with the list yeah. than than yeah. Fire Emblem is a little I better. Like, like, well, it'd be fun to be the only show in existence right now putting uh, three hopes in the <laughs> yeah. top five. I, I I feel the need to champion Kirby because I don't don't see it as much like it's it's there people like the game it's sold well the only reason i would consider championing three hopes over kirby is because i don't even think koei tecmo and intelligent systems understand that they made the next best fire emblem game yeah but we can share that sentiment still i will i yeah. will stream that from mountaintop that they should look at that game and f- consider that to be the future of the franchise absolutely you can have both you can have yeah. both can be true both can be true was that a wrap on the top five then? Yeah. Wow. Elden Ring, Citizen Sleeper, Tunic, Immortality, Kirby and the Forgotten Land. Wow. Amazing. AJ, thank you for sharing your insight and guidance this time. Yeah. This I'm is glad truly that I was, a, a product of the full Aether now. I, I'm glad that I was able to give like actual educated opinions and not just like vibes and feelings. Which, I mean, which your I presence think is, which is I think always are still great. valid, but... No, I, I understand. I'm glad you felt like you brought more. Yeah. But I think your presence is always appreciated. Thank you. Yeah. Before we wrap up, I'm just curious how you both felt about the year in game chris plant came on the show yeah you were gone one week and and he he came on the show (laughs) 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 that really fucking got me oh my god why is that so funny i don't know uh he came on the show and he 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 asked essentially the same question i'm asking you which is like when you look back at 2022 what do you think about the year yeah i mean i think it's We've brought up a lot of words and a lot of, especially as we like tried to, because th- this part of the episode is always sort of looser yeah. and like yeah. feels like a therapy session <laughs> where like we're, we're truly like even more than we did before this episode, we're trying to say like, what, what are like the games doing well mm-hmm. and, and how do they accomplish that? And I think the themes and the words that came up a lot in this episode are like organic discovery, curiosity and exploring like what it means to be a person. Yeah. Which which are all really big ideas, but I think this this year was especially strong, I think, for showing this. I would say one of the many things from this year that I'll say is my piece of this final part of the episode is I think this year proved what genre can say about reality, mm-hmm. that, that genre isn't always an escape, but like sci fi and fantasy can thrive when they are reflecting the times we're in yeah and even a game as big as elden ring that's like how do you apply radon to everyday life like yeah. I, we said this in an early episode but it's like it's people in positions of power who have failed the world and how do you how do you live in that and how do you move on and how can you yeah. possibly change it yeah radon would rather learn uh, gravity magic than get a new horse yeah he, like <laughs> yeah right it's like the solution is so easy and he's created new problems yes. trying to maintain his his dominance yeah 
uh, which in that case it's like kind of sweet, but like there's there's a problem there. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. sweet, but he is also still trying to have like an iron grasp on yeah. like no, I will control I mean, this. The, the, the thing about Radon, which is a very common thing in FromSoft games, like he's a warrior that is is fighting a war that has stopped a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. so he's like just destroying things. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, but yeah, I think I think it's it's a year about genre and what it can say and and reflect from our own reality. Yeah. Uh, That'd be that'd be my takeaway. That's beautifully said, I think. Yeah. Thanks. I think one of the more interesting things about the year for me is like maybe a little bit reductive, but triple A kind of like didn't show up. Yeah. For the most part, yeah. which I think is one of the things I'm going to look back on the most this year. Like I and mentioned triple- Elden Ring and, and yeah, yeah, Horizon. Yeah. No, and there are triple A games yeah. that came out, but even some of the ones that came out, I like wasn't excited about or interested in. And a lot of the indie space picked up the slack there. I mean, even looking at my list, like I said before, six of my top 10 are indie games. But even looking at like the top 62 that I have, most of them are still indie. Like at the end of the day, most games on my list are indies. And yeah. that that is really cool. Um, it, it was really nice to see a year where a bunch of smaller teams made things that were like, rivaling and making me ask like is this better than the new from software game yeah and the answer is always no unfortunately <laughs> Elden Ring became number one for me <laughs> but the fact that there are games that I started playing like when I started Pentiment and got like a couple hours in and and hit the first uh the first act break I was like this might be the one for me yeah you know? and it didn't get there but it was like still a really compelling, shocking experience. Immortality, like how often do I finish a game and then immediately pick it up and play it again? I will the say like time? the the ending montage of Exocolonist, that was like a moment where you kind of like your whole body kind of like, yeah. like feels like, oh, this is like a masterpiece, maybe. Right. Uh beautiful. It was a beautiful experience. Yeah. And getting getting that kind of feeling over and over and over again, like jumping into Shovel Knight Dig and being like, I think this is on the same level as Spelunky, <laughs> one of the best games of all time. Yeah. Says so much about how good the indies were this year, I think. Yeah. Um, and and I wonder if looking back on the year, the only thing people are gonna talk about is Elden Ring. And I think that that would be doing a disservice to 2022 as like a year in art. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I don't think I don't think so. I don't think so either, but it's you know, it's always possible. It's possible. Well, I mean, it would be a disservice in the sense of ignoring everything else. Right. Yeah. But I mean, you know, Elden Ring is is one of those cases where like a star was born and we all pointed at it. Yeah. And you'd yeah. be a fool to not, you know. Yeah. Because um, I, I think that's the larger thing is there's a lot of people going into into goatee season, even listeners of shows and people who are like reading websites who are like, it's going to be boring to just see Elden Ring at number one in all of these lists. And I think that at the end of the day, if you're just reading and listening to see what number one is, that's like almost missing the point of why these episodes and those lists exist yeah. in the first yeah, place. Yeah, it's, it's boiling down the lists to like... It, it gives the rankings more weight than I than they, they should deserve. have. Yeah, yeah, I to- yeah, I'm totally with you. Yeah, because yeah. um, at least the process of going through and making a top ten is like a really enriching experience, and I feel so much about all the games on here. Um, me too, yeah, Elden Ring just was the best one for me this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I I would I don't know I would champion all this stuff forever. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think you know. In the years we've been doing this, like I think 2018 being our first year, like our number one picks were Celeste and Hollow Knight. Yeah, and those were two games we had a profoundly personal, yeah, really experience personal with. games. Yeah. yeah, obviously they were both huge games too. Yeah, but like it was impossible for us to put one over the other without basically saying like, "No, me." Yeah, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, and then 
game, like years like uh, this and 2020, where like Hades comes out, Elden Ring comes out, it's like, oh yeah, that one. Right. <laughs> and then, but the rest is so so valuable. Yeah. Uh, and and as we were talking about, like last year's in comparison to this year's is almost the exact opposite, where yeah. you just have no fucking clue who's going to put what yeah. at what point on their list. Uh, I just opened up my 2021 Monster Hunter Rise, Ratchet and Clank, Forgotten City, Psychonauts 2, Tender Creature Comforts were my top five. Like, yeah, what? Chicory <laughs> was my game of the year, and then our game of the year was the Forgotten City. So wild, yeah, wild. You know, like complete inverse of this, where like nothing is obvious at all. Yeah. Um, Really, Forgotten City was sick. It was a really good game. <laughs> good game. Uh, what a cool, what a cool thing this is to do every year. And Absolutely. my my follow up question is, I'm just curious, like of the stuff that's maybe coming next year or the stuff that's announced, like what are you most yeah. stoked about for next year? Oh, that's a big question. I mean, I think Hades two, obviously. Um, all the new Final Fantasy stuff. Um, I'm also really excited about uh, finding out more about Death Stranding two or DS two. Yes. Uh, but I was, if I had to choose one, I think Hades 2. Uh, although, I don't know that's coming out next year. We just know it's early. Yeah, access. it's early access next year. Yeah. I, I would bet it doesn't come out next for year. For the games that we know are coming out, I think Baldur's Gate 3. Mm. Wow. Yeah. That's your most... Yeah. I, I just think I'm, I'm really, really curious. You've said you think that game is going to be a huge hit, and I hope you're right. I really hope I'm right, too. I mean, it's I mean it's Larian. Like, Larian already has a very devoted following. Right. So like it's gonna be huge in the in but the RPG the, yeah, world. Is this the moment for yeah, that game? That's what I want. I yeah. want the Geralt Witcher three in the hot tub moment. You yeah. know, yeah. It's exciting. It's exciting. Yeah. What about um, you, EJ? Uh, just really quick. I don't. I don't think I said what I think this year in games. Oh yes, is. please. Um, but I think it is a combination of what both of you said, where genre is like a way to tell stories about our real life and also indie games. Fucking showed up. <laughs> um, yeah. But I think I think this year because of the genre and the indie stuff, like all of these games were exploring similar themes of personhood and what it means to be a human in a community. Um, And I think that's a really, really interesting thing to see given the nature of like how games are made, you know, like all of these games were kind of made in a bubble more or less like small teams doing their own thing. And then it was like, Oh, it's 2022. Here comes our game. Oops. They're all about the same thing, (laughs) but in like, in like profoundly different ways, all from different angles and stuff, but all, you know, ultimately saying the same thing of like, we all need to be there for each other. Yeah. And that is the only way that things get better. I think that is wild. I think that is a wild thing that all of these indie games, these small teams all showed up saying the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's I think it's really optimistic. Something that Yeah. not to get, you know, too into this, but I don't I don't really know what my spiritual or religious beliefs are, but I do find a lot of comfort in the fact that like a lot of stories of myth and a lot of like the earliest like human ideas that were documented from across the world all kind of hit that fundamental note of like treat other people well. Yeah. And that like for all the things we have to work on, there is an underlying sense in most people of like, how do we do good? How do we help each other? Mm. And that's beautiful. The fact mm-hmm. that like all of these teams kind of arrived at that. Con- and again, it sounds very trite and corny. It's of course this should be obvious, but I sure. think like we're in a time where we really need to hear that. Yeah. You know? Like it's, it's meaningful to hear that message. Yeah, and Absolutely. it's not to say that games haven't been saying that stuff, but I think the sheer like Mario. volume. Yes, exactly. Sorry, Mario, exactly. I, do I, think, <laughs> I think the sheer like mass of games yeah. all at once coming out saying the same stuff is in different ways. Like you said. in different ways, right. Is, is, is really a sign of, you know, kind of where we are, I think as a society in some ways um, yeah. and where, where at least the creative types in our society 
like hope we should and can go. Yeah. yeah. So beautifully said. Thank and what's you. your most excited? What are you most uh, excited for? Twenty twenty three. No, uh, I mean obviously. <laughs> Who's asking uh, you gonna fucking kick in twenty twenty three? I'm excited for DS2 news. Um, <laughs> your game of 2023 is waiting to hear more about Death Stranding 2. Yeah. Oh, I'm also pumped That's for sick. Street Fighter. Speaking of kicking ass, Street uh, Fighter. going to be great. I'm, I love that for I'm you. honestly really excited for Final Fantasy 16, yeah. um, but that doesn't mean I need a PS5. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I, I think of the games that I could play <laughs> right now yeah. um, with the current hardware I have, I think I'm really excited for this game called Replaced uh, yeah. by Sad Cat Studios. Um, it's a... It's a kind of like i was talking about earlier with uh the game uh backbone it's got really beautiful pixel art and then the backgrounds are kind of like 3d ish pixel art also um but it's it, it's like a sci-fi kind of it says what retro retro futuristic action platformer is what it says on backlogged mm. uh and that just like it, it looks like completely my vibe i love like gritty sci-fi stuff but i also love the like pixel and 2.5 d stuff um yeah. so yeah. I'm, I'm really excited for that i don't know you know where where it's where it's coming to but that was at the game awards um yeah i'm excited for that so cool replaced one of the things i'm so interested in and maybe maybe i'll find some way of keeping track of this but usually in this part of the goatee episode every year we say something to the effect of like it'll be cool to see what games we don't even know about yeah and i'm wondering how many games like i'm just looking at our air table which is the thing you can get on our patreon if you back it at five dollars um you can get access to a list of like all the stuff that we're interested in maybe checking out you mm-hmm. know like the games on the list um or the games on the release calendar that we're like curious about and there's like a pretty good number of games that we have for 2023 so far we've 21 games on that list right now wow um but that having been said like there's it's gonna fill out with you know like a hundred others that we haven't even heard of and i wonder how many games get announced in 2023 that end up on our lists by the end of the year yeah especially like nintendo i feel like often announces stuff like months before yeah within six months of it coming out yeah it's It's, so rare it's just so interesting i feel like last year we were at this point where we knew elden ring was coming out we knew uh um horizon horizon was coming out we knew god of war was coming out like we we had all these release dates for for things like these big like yeah big triple a games and i feel like we there is none of that except maybe final fantasy like I, i don't really know there's a lot oh yeah oh yeah 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 we we got we got um we got the Dead Space remake. That's I think like a big AAA thing. Sure. For Spoken, which is like the next big sure. Square Enix thing. Uh, a New Horizon coming straight to PSVR two. Yeah, just <laughs> accelerating. Uh, and then like you know Star Wars Jedi Survivor, which is weirdly towards the top of my list of things I'm excited about because mm-hmm. I that we talked about this a little bit I think off the show or on the show I don't even remember but ju- the I just time think, is blurring together yeah <laughs> I think that I think that Fallen Order felt to me so much like an Assassin's Creed one like blueprint for a killer sequel mm. um so I'm, I'm I'm really hoping I mean we know how Respawn is with twos you know yeah they make you go ahead yeah. and make Titanfall 2 and you're telling me that the second Jedi game isn't going to be on that level Titanfall 2 is so good it's, it's an amazing. unbelievable game <laughs> We should, um, we should play that again sometime soon. Yeah. But, man, Tears of the Kingdom. Oh, yeah. And oh, Starfall, yeah. right? And Starfield, yeah. Starfield? Yeah. Starfall, what the hell? Yeah, I mean, those two games are coming out, like, pretty close to one another. Oh, my God. And that's going to be like wild. May? Yeah, Tears of the Kingdom is in May, and then Starfield is in early June. Oh, wow. The Last of Us remake? 
Last of Us Two remake. Is that what it is? What wasn't? Isn't there a, a, a remake of Last of Us? There's Last of Us Part One. That Part came One that came out already. That came out this year. Jesus yeah. Christ! All right. Yeah, it really flew under the radar. Yeah. It would be hilarious if they make a two remake this coming year. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. I would, honestly, yeah. I would bet they do. Right. <laughs> yeah. If, if it's if it's just PS5, like a PS5 exclusive. Yeah, that game launched on PS4, right? Yeah. It was it was two years ago. That was PS4. Yeah. Whoa. I was still in that, North That Jersey. game is going to get a remake. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. It, should, it is two years old. That is ridiculous. No, they're going to do it. They're going to fucking do it. <laughs> they're going to do it. Neil, yeah. you're out there. and I know you're scheming. <laughs> I know I know you got one in the cooker. Has it gotten a next-gen update? They could do that. I yeah. think that would be fun. I don't know if they did that yet, but don't you think that when they do, they're going to charge $70 for it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, oh, you know what the big thing is actually? What? They're they're releasing. I mean, the the, the big rumor has been that there's going to be a big like multiplayer focused version or like oh, a DLC you know, for yeah. the Last of Us Part Two. Oh, interesting. That ended up not coming out because it was scoped so huge that they were like, "This is going to be a standalone release." And I wonder if that'll come with a with a next gen update for Last of Us. That makes interesting. That's it. I mean, I'd be interested in seeing what that is. I would also be really interested yeah. in that. Yeah. Man, remember how good that game was? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Okay, we should wrap this up. Yeah, right yeah, yeah. Uh, Hey, uh, yeah. I truly, I mean, you're looking at the data, AJ. I don't know how long this episode has been, but thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being part of this with us. I think all three of us look forward to this episode all year. Oh, yeah. And it's always so much fun to be together and to have these conversations. Yeah. And this has been just an especially good year for games and also a really big year for our show. I'm, I'm really proud of the show we make here and I'm really happy people listen to it and <laughs> seem to like it. Uh, so just thank you for listening and for being part of the show. Yeah. Yeah, totally. If you, if you made it all the way to the end, uh, thank you so much for listening to it. Um, but please share it with a friend that we, we don't do any marketing for the show at all. We just kind of ask people to share it with other people that they think would like it. Um, and you know, I said it at the top of the show, but you know what the mission is, you yeah. know, you know what our vibe is, you know, what we're trying to do out here. <laughs> Uh, so if you, I don't know if you resonate with that, then share it. And Even if it's can... the length of Julius Caesar, I think it actually <laughs> is a pretty good intro to what the vibe of the show is. I think so too. A lot yeah. of people have written that they've gotten into the show either through game of the year or through, uh, our season premieres that are, or the game of the decade. Yeah. So yeah, we have a ten hour episode. Yeah. That was that was not a single session. It was recorded over the course of a month. So it's it's kinda it's kinda like five ep- or ten episodes in one. Yeah. But that episode is one of our most popular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Wild. People come to the Discord, it's like, yeah, I started there and then have gone back. I'm like, wow. Yeah. yeah. Good for you. It's so Thank cool. Thank you so much. That's amazing. It's yeah. so flattering. It's wild. Um, but I mean, this, this, I think these episodes are a good intro to what we do here. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's all about celebrating games, right? Yeah. It's all, it's all about just talking about how much we love stuff. Uh, and that's, that's what we try and do on a weekly basis. So yeah. thank you all. If you're new to the show, thank you all. Definitely. If you've been around for a long time yeah. for coming back, uh, and for sharing the show Thanks and being so around. supportive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would recommend going to into the online at some point uh that's our link to everything that includes the discord that includes the patreon which you heard about earlier Mm. um there's a a lot of good links there yeah i would just click (laughs) around best links just click around we're also Uh, i think we have plans to write out our list eventually i'm not sure like when that will come out I've been having the the hardest time writing it this year. Yeah, I think it's I think so we'll, difficult. I think we should take our time with it because I think we. Have, I'm going to. Yeah. yeah. So that might be like an early next year thing, but yeah. or who gonna... knows? Maybe I go into like a weird writer's fugue state and it's out by the time this episode's <laughs> out. But I I don't know. Right. Every time I sit down to write the Elden Ring one, I'm like, what the fuck? It do might you take even me do? longer because I, I want to do little drawings with them. But yeah. I think it's it's fun to take a moment to like 
kind of reflect in a different way yeah and and through a different medium to to talk about these games can i tell you what my initial pitch for the elden ring review was please it was gonna be how hard it is to write an elden ring review and realizing at the end of it uh that by in doing so by by finishing writing something about elden ring is the equivalent of beating elden ring <laughs> it's the dark souls of yeah, elden it's the ring dark reviews role, it's the dark souls of writing content on the internet <laughs> that's on our medium uh i i highly recommend <laughs> we we both have our list from last year written out brendan's is is a wonderful read highly recommend thank you um and we also i mean the medium is is not something we plug often but while we're talking about it like we have a lot of really great stuff there we we used to have a newsletter where we featured other writers and artists and like that's all still there for Mm -hmm. everyone to see so if if you're interested in the past uh it's all there steven's got a great piece on outer wilds oh thank you yeah i I love that I, i i really liked that uh I, I'm proud of that one. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and that's a space that I like updating every now and then. Uh, I think now that we're active on Tumblr, I could see that kind of melding in some way. That's true. Yeah. Um, Cause you know, blogs, dude. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Blogs. But before I end this episode <laughs> saying blogs, <laughs> like a Nickelodeon announcer, uh, I just want to once again, share my thanks and uh, anything else you guys want to add? No. Uh, thank you so much for, I mean, I don't know listening to the episode and then also like thank you two for having me here on the show of course. Uh, it's a delight to Thanks work on the show Thanks and i for, love and you're uh, part of this yeah I, and like i love i love being part of it no i really do um, i love having you and uh tunic at number three <laughs> this is a very special part of my year uh and uh it means a lot to me so Hell yeah nice cool well with that have a wonderful day have a great holiday season uh, mm-hmm. whatever you celebrate i hope it's a great day spend some time with your family and friends have a great end to your year do some reflection yeah uh, and uh, look forward to the future wow that was really great that's another orson wells oh was it really <laughs> huh did you just quote us orson wells or did you no, just make I, that up? i don't know what i said you made that up <laughs> <laughs> wow I've, I feel like I'm ruining it by continuing to talk. We should have <laughs> just cut. See ya. Bye bye. Bye. Love you so much. Ser- serve your community the best you can. Any any small change is good enough. Yeah, wake up, sleeper. Become Elden Lord. Nice. Worst garbage, the online.